Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. It's episode 19 of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Are you ready, Whitney? I am ready, Brent. I'm back from Pinball Expo. I've gotten some sleep, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to roll, man. Let's do it. Well, I got a little sleep in the car on the way back, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I am say let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are, as Whitney said, we're back from uh, Pinball Expo 2014, and uh, uh, let's do a little bit, Whitney, of our, our thoughts, reactions, kind of a recap, what we saw, what we did, where we were. Yeah, there's there's a lot to cover with Pinball Expo uh, this year, Brent, and you know, I'm sure as everybody remembers, and if they've listened to the live broadcast, this was our first year going, so you know, we've, we, I think we're pretty wide-eyed and bushy-tailed when we got there and taking everything in, and there was a, there was a lot of... Just a lot of content there, man. There, there, Whitney, there was so much going on uh, coming back uh, and then even doing kind of preparation for the show. You realize how much stuff went on and how much stuff w- we didn't actually get to participate in to the depth that we would have liked to have. And a lot of that is going in, as you said, bright eyed and bushy tail. It's all new. It's mm-hmm. it's there's something shiny over there. There's yeah. something shiny over there. Yeah, there, there was a lot of that going on. Uh, and when I when I think about it, Brent, one of the things that really stands out to me though was just the sheer uh, magnitude of of the seminars and the content and the machines and the designers and just people in the pinball industry that were there. When it's called, I guess, the granddaddy of of the shows, or I guess the original pinball show, mm-hmm. uh, it's it definitely lives up to that. I mean, it, being in Chicago, being uh, being you know. I guess kind of formatted the way that it is. It makes it very easy uh, to get access to everybody in the industry, but at the same point in time, you almost have to kind of be careful for what you wish for because it's all there. It's all it's there coming from all directions. It's, it's all directions, and you really and truly do not have enough time in the day to to capture everything and to get to everything. So you really have to kind of pick and choose your battles. And we were fortunate that you know to be on the podcast panel there, and we'll talk about that coming up as well. But but man, you know, when you look at kind of some of the time commitments and then everything that you want to do, you definitely have to pick some things to leave out. And that's just unavoidable. It's kind of a shame, now but from it's the, unavoidable. From the structure of the show, they do try to, I guess, help with that a little bit. Oh, in yeah. That yeah it, it was organized well your, from that regard. Your panels are mainly Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I'm, yeah. I'm pulling this from memory. Whitney, yeah, when, so. Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the day on Friday and throughout the day on Saturday. So, I mean, and they start early. I mean, this is, a, this did. is an event. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a long weekend, like Friday through Sunday type deal. Yeah. Whitney and I didn't get in till Thursday evening. We that's, got there. That's right. Just in time, basically for the Python Angel panel. We're some panel. working, we're, we're some working Joes, dude. What can you say? I mean, you know, we, we got to make the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, uh, by the time we got into Chicago, got ourselves uh, settled in the hotel, got over to the show. Uh, we we pretty much walked right in. Uh, I left Whitney immediately to go play uh, an open Medieval Madness remake. Dude, your shoes were hot due to the flame that was coming off the tread. Dropped, my, dropped the ba- uh, my backpack and yeah. I started playing. And I, then uh, I shortly, like, sh- like Brent. Brent, Brent. <laughs> he's gone he's gone dude all i could smell was the smoke and shortly thereafter you and i uh uh wandered over down to toward the end of the hall mm-hmm. um and, and the, the, you know the layout uh i think 
it, it the layout was 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 all kind of I don't know how would you describe it when it was it was it was compact and that you could get to everything pretty pretty easily yeah it was pretty much all down one hallway it was yep. a bunch of it was a bunch of I would say co-joined ballrooms yes if there you, want you to think go. about it, it it all going down one one hallway but then going down that hallway there was also uh, kind of offshoot. Uh, locations where you would see pinball machines, for lack of a better term, Brent, scuddy hold everywhere. Yeah, there was, there was, make, you know, everything was. Everything was crowded as best as it could, but if it there was. was space, it was used. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was packed. Toward the far end of, of the venue was where the discussion panels were and that, that auditorium was. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, the, banque- the banquet, the banquet there, hall, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So we happened to, to make it there just in time to catch a couple of the, the panels for that evening, including the Python pan, uh, panel with a friend of the show, uh, Phoebe Smith. Mm-hmm. She was... Yeah, and Paul Kiefer. Oh, and Paul. And, and James right. Laughlin, yeah. Yeah, so they were there for uh, I guess circus matches. Well, you know, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, Paul and James. You know who my favorite is. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh, there was other people on the panel other than Phoebe. There, there were. Okay, yeah, there all right. Were, yeah. I forgot. Okay, you know what though? That it's complete. That's a complete pass, though, man. It's James, all good. Paul. Yes, love you, boys. Yeah, I yeah. didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, understood. Understood. <laughs> so tell you what, Whitney, let's. Uh, uh, and we don't have i want to cover what we've done we want to talk about it a little bit and i would encourage everybody to go out and check out uh coast to coast with nate yeah. i know uh game room junkies was there they've got some coverage yeah yeah they just released their uh their pinball expo episode i think this past week and and i don't want to just continue to overlap what everyone's already done mm-hmm. uh we did two live shows go back in our in our back catalog this is episode 19 actually we did two live shows but we've re- already released three shows related to the to pinball expo there mm-hmm. were two live shows and then there was a the podcast panel yeah and all of those are in the they should be in the rss feed at this point so they they came out i'd say probably at the time of this recording about two weeks ago so you know episodes 16 17 and 18 uh, have some coverage from us of Expo or include us. I don't want to rehash everything. We, we do want to kind of go through a, a couple highlights and sort of a pick list of things that we want to touch on and yeah. just, just talk about. And then that way we're not just overlapping. It's not yeah. the same information. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so with that, Brent, just uh, real quick before we move on, I think to one of the, one of the, what I would consider the highlights of, of Expo for me, uh, which was the, the Pinball Life open house. Just want to kind of uh, cover real quick, you know, for Now, this isn't directly associated with no, Expo. No, it's, it's kind not. of co-timed with Expo. You know, folks are coming into the, into the area. Yeah. So uh, Terry over at Pinball Life has a, an open house. Yeah. And uh, Whitney and I attended. Uh, yeah, it, it was great. But um, before I get into that uh, real quick, though, Brent, one thing I did want to say is that for anybody who is kind of on the fence about going to Expo and, and you think, you know, is it, is it, is it going to be worth the effort and the expense and everything to go? I would say that it's something that, that you definitely need to you, you need to go and experience at least once because you go to a lot of shows and, and a lot of expos where it's you know it's split arcade it's split pinball you see some pinball you see you know it's the, the content is is kind of all inclusive I guess this show just being what it is uh, I mean it truly is the granddaddy of the shows and there was so much pinball there that it was hard to take it all in over the course of, you know over the course of the show and um, a lot of people that i talked to said that this was definitely one of the best years that they've seen in in the 30 years that the show's been running so it was it was it was a privilege to get, uh, a privilege to get to go it's the best way to say it. and i think i mentioned this during the live shows um 
take a look at what's going on. Take a look at the calendar. Yep. Try to plan. I mean, Whitney yeah. and I have already mentioned how much there is to see what's going on. Um, it, look ahead a little bit. Try to yeah. figure out a game plan. Yeah. And, you know, make, and it's worth the trip. It, it, this, this goes without saying. Make sure you get into the free play room and, <laughs> and break. I've said this a hundred times yeah. already yeah. Uh, on, on, on the live shows. Break out of your mold as to yeah. what you like to play and go to the opposite end of the room. You know, the room <laughs> yeah. is kind of organized um, older to newer, yeah. for lack of a better term. It, it, yeah, that, I mean and, that's that's the best way to say it. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're chronologically, like, Brent, to use yeah, a twenty dollars pretty close word. to chronologically. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if you're kind of a DMD guy or a, you know a, just let's, we'll go solid state. Yeah. Go to the other side of the room and play some play some EMs, play some wedgeheads, play. Yeah play something different i the time that i got to spend in that room actually that's that's what i did i just yeah. i wanted to get over and experience some of these games that you don't see in that number yeah and i didn't get to spend enough time in that room honestly in, in retrospect but the other thing i would also say is uh make sure that you reserve a hotel room in the uh in the hotel where the expo is going on because being being I, I guess kind of um you know off premise is not bad but it adds to the logistics and you and i found that out and it, it wasn't that we couldn't manage manage it but it definitely added to what we had to manage over the course of the yes. weekend for everything and you know and, and like i say by by no means did we have a bad run or anything like that but i think getting at it a little bit early earlier we need to take our own advice and just make sure that we definitely get our rooms you know on on, on site on yeah. site it's on always premise. nice to yep. stay at the venue what well, is we uh we were what whitney maybe 10 minutes away and you yeah, don't but, you don't think 10 minutes is bad but, but man it every 10 minutes turns into half an hour that's yes, the problem absolutely because you might be a 10 minute drive but then you've got to walk into your room you've got to do whatever you're going to do you've got to uh uh if if whitney and i are riding together yeah we got to coordinate one another yeah. as opposed to i'm just gonna run up to the room for a minute okay yeah. well i'll see you in a bit and, and you know brent these are all first world problems <laughs> and we have to we have to keep but it that yeah, yeah absolutely yeah you, you got to keep keep that in mind but to have the best experience definitely stay on prem there's no doubt absolutely preston yeah. and uh, uh preston and patrick over at game room junkies they had a a room there at the venue yeah and i think it was i think it was patrick uh, is like he's you're awful bright-eyed and bushy tail well when i had a nap and i just relaxed a little. I was he like, was oh. doing good and yeah. it's like yeah that was tough for us to do but uh, yeah lucky dog yeah no doubt uh they they definitely their their early bird got the worm man no doubt but um yeah pinball life party yeah thank you thank you um just figuring out my segue there and that was probably the worst segue in the world <laughs> I hit it hard yeah, exactly yeah hard with, cut yeah with a hammer but uh, expo was great but one of the things that i enjoyed the most about expo was not at expo and so as we'd mentioned the pinball life uh, open house and, and you're right brent that's not that's not in any way shape or form to my knowledge you know yeah i guess kind of um associated with pinball expo or the organizers or everything but terry pinball life put on a fantastic open house and it's within a reasonable driving distance. I think it took us what, like forty-five minutes or so to get there. Oh, was it even that long? I, yeah, probably 35, 30, 35, 35, 45 minutes. So it's not a bad ride, and it's it's one of the additive parts of Expo that make the total package of Expo bigger than what Expo is itself. And that's probably one of the better ways to say that. So. so so it's, you walk. It's a bonus. You walk into into the warehouse, and Terry's got lights down. He's got lights strung to kind yeah. of give a, you know, and it, it's a warehouse. So it it's, is. It's not like he converted it to a pretty dang cool kind of arcade kind of lights out feel. Oh, it definitely had that. Uh, yeah. 
so in, in such a way that he could easily convert it back and actually yeah. run his business. Yeah. But because well, and I say that he had. I guess it was Christmas lights, uh-huh. white Christmas lights. Yep. And some LED rope lights strung up, right. different colors and things like that. And, and on the surface, that sounds kind of, eh, but... It worked. It worked really well. It worked really well you because know. the lights were down, and he had a... Uh, Terry and the gang had a food buffet going oh, there. yeah. And uh, just fantastic, you know, fantastic accommodations. Uh, free, all kinds of machines. All kinds of I machines. I mean, unbelievable yeah, he had a, number of machines. Had a refrigerator cool, had a refrigerator full of beer and water water and drinks and stuff like that and people were you know having a really good time and you could tell people were having a, a, a good time because you know the drinks start flowing a little bit the food's going everybody's mingling about and I, Brent, I don't know how many machines were there. I'm going to guesstimate it probably on the 60 or so easily, side. Easily. Maybe maybe nice, 60 to 70. Nice so machines. Side. Nicely maintained. Everything oh. from uh, I, I don't recall any EMs, but there was some... I did not see a single EM there. There was no. some uh, pretty cool, uh, rarely seen solid-state games yes. all the way up to uh, An America's Most Haunted. All the way the up. Most yeah, current All stuff. the way up to, and, to AMH. Oh, uh, that's and, right. and a big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And everything was curated. Everything worked well, and everything was shopped, and the games just looked... Fantastic. They played fantastic. But the one thing I will say, man, is that if if you do plan on going there you know, to, to that open house next year, give yourself some time. It's going to take a while to work through the crowds. It's going to take a while to get to the, I guess, quote unquote, the hottest machines that were there. Uh, it, it's going to take just some effort to to work your way through that entire, you know, that entire warehouse and play everything that was there. That being said, Brent, I think during the course of that afternoon, I maybe played uh, 10 games. I, I didn't play a lot. Uh, a lot I of it was kind of talking. Yes. Terry does uh, open the, the, the back part of the warehouse, if you will. You know, you can go in. He had some show specials. Mm-hmm. So, like, I picked up a DMD, and uh, um, you basically you take a number, yeah. and then you could go back into uh, where all the bins are and put yourself together a goodie box, and he'll take care of you when yep. it comes to kind of checking out. Yeah. Um, and I, pre- I, I pre-ordered. Yeah, Whitney went ahead and pre-ordered. Yeah. I, I I knew I wanted a DMD. Yeah, I did not pre-order. I went ahead and said, "Well, I'm here. I'm going to be here." I pulled it. By the time I pulled a ticket, it probably took about 45 minutes or so, maybe yeah. an hour, yeah. for my number to come up. And I went back and I I put a handful of things, just some odds and ends, little pieces and parts stuff. I oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. While I was there, yeah, uh, took advantage of that just to kind of get the experience, see what it was all about, maybe protect, uh, come a little better armed next year for for what I'm looking for. And Terry had a lot of staff there. Hey, hey I, a lot of people were like, hey, I need this, and mm-hmm. they they'd pull up the site on an iPad and they'd look the part number up and it was they, right there. Huh? Yeah. They knew where their bins were as yeah. opposed to just wandering through the aisles. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I come, I come out with a few goodies and, and, uh, back out on the, on the, on the floor, so to speak, where yeah. the arcade was set up, they had gone above and beyond to have a couple unique pinball playing experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one of them, uh, I, I took a uh, part of this. Whitney, Whitney did not, but he was taking pictures of me. They had, I think that was a vault edition Iron Man. It, that's exactly what it was. Yes. They had a vault edition Iron Man legs off of it and they had it on this swinging assembly rig. Yeah. And then they had a, like a sling <laughs> that would raise on a winch in this, I don't know how to describe it. You'd have to take. You'd have to look at the pictures. Yeah, they're on her Facebook page. So, but yeah, they're you there. lay in this sling and it raises you up off the ground a couple feet, and so you're out like in the classic Superman position. 
the your hands are on the Iron Man, you're playing the Iron Man, you could move, the iron, the, the game could move, and then uh, to add insult to injury, they have got like two industrial blowers blowing air in your face. So it's like you're flying like Iron Man playing Iron Man. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting. And they had the artwork kind of rework, kind of reworked um, on that, or I guess kind of redone on that, and it was called Lion Man. Did you, did, did you notice that? I noticed yeah, that. The back and, glass and the side art, it definitely had some, it definitely had some stickers over top of it and from what everybody was telling me i asked about it a few times that's uh, apparently some some type of running i guess kind of running gag or running joke on pin side and i admittedly i don't know anything about it i'd have to go back and look it up but still i mean you get it you know it was it was neat i didn't i caught that and from what i understand that it has something to do with a, a persona that's in swords of fury okay gotcha. and i had a swords of fury long enough to um uh, kind of trade it off okay. which i probably shouldn't have done all right apparently there's a there's a, a line man kind of person that you battle in it and okay. that's that's taken on its own thing and <laughs> on pin side yeah and admittedly i know nothing about that i would have to i'd have to get into that and do some back some back catalog research uh, to be frank with you, I'm not really so sure that I'm not really so sure that I that, that it would make that much of a difference to me after seeing it. It was it was neat. I will say that it was it was pretty sweet. Now, did you did you? I didn't play the other kind of uh, unique experience that they had. <laughs> the so stepped did in you, wind tunnel. Did you get in that? No, I did not. So I that was not. what it, it was a game show. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what it was. And they had a um, for those that remember the old. Well, this wasn't even a Price is Right gag, was it? Where they put you in like the money thing? No, I don't know what it. I don't know what game show it was from, but it was very just. It was generically game show esque because if you can imagine stepping into a clear plastic cylinder, in the cylinder uh, has a diameter that's large enough to hold the pinball machine and in yourself, and so kind of like some kind of like a cage, I guess, or like yep. a plastic cage for lack of a better term. And then they just they turn on the wind machine and then you know styrofoam and everything else is just flying a million miles a minute yeah. and you're trying to play this game and wipe down the play field the, and the, it's it's it looked like it was impossible insanity yeah it the, was the classic game show interpretation was like the cylinder of money or something <laughs> exactly, you know you get in it yeah. while it was all blowing around you had to get, grab as much cash as yeah, you could yeah and i'm sure somebody's you know going to scream through the speakers saying it was this you know or it was you know monty hall or somebody like that i don't know i, I you know i didn't watch a tremendous amount of game shows as a kid but but you look at it and it immediately ju- it clicks and it registers yeah. with you. Friend you know? of the friend of the show, Sean O'Shea, uh, who was <laughs> thank. Uh, we'll, we'll get into Sean a little bit here in a bit. But yeah. he was uh, our production assistant during uh, uh, during our visit to Pinball oh, Expo. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. jumped in. He's, put a, on, he's apprentice status yeah, now, man. Put on the big goggles, and uh, I got a couple pictures of him. I, I, I have to pass those along and and put them up on the Facebook page. So yeah, it was uh, it was neat, but. I guess, you know, the long and the short of it is, is that many, many people that were at Expo uh, came out to the Pinball Life Party. And I think a lot of people uh, kind of view it as, oh, hey, man, this is kind of like a, a, a sidebar to Expo or a mini Expo within Expo. And it definitely had that feel. It it, it had... Um, it had just such a, I guess, kind of a lights out arcade kind of yes. back in the '80s feel to it. Whereas, pin, whereas the exhibit halls within Pinball Expo were much more expo esque, much more expo esque is, yeah. is the best way to say that. Uh, what was going on at Pinball Life felt like a kind of like a rock and roll arcade party is is what it was, and it was neat to get both of those experiences. It, it, 
I mentioned earlier it was a warehouse. That kind of almost added to it the because oh, yeah. you had the racks yeah. all around and yeah. the behind the machines. Dude, there was a lot of stacked uh, stern pinball yeah. machines you'd, new in the box, you'd, man. You'd look behind the machines and there'd be a rack with stacked with new sterns. New sterns, it's like rack. it went up the wall. Oh yeah, it was. It was almost like a. Uh, uh, it was almost like a themed arcade. It, it was. Man, it was it, really cool. It was, and and you would go walking through there and you'd start counting the stern boxes against the wall and you go, okay, I think that's fifty thousand dollars. I think that's actually up to a hundred grand right there packed against that wall. But it was, it was neat to see. And there was a lot of new Sterns going out the door uh, as well, Brent. I caught, I think like three anyway that I saw being dollied out, loaded onto a truck. And this is why. And on, and on their way. And this is why I drove my car yes. and not my truck. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So that's, that's exactly how that goes. So Whitney, let's curve on back to the show itself. Okay. And, uh, uh, couple let's let's talk about a couple folks a couple uh personalities some people that that we interacted with the show and um you know one of the one of the folks that we've we've talked about many times in the past got some uh kind of cross links going on with him on our facebook page is our friend david paul who has started a a new venture life under glass Mm -hmm. And, and what david's doing is uh david is kind of like a, a i guess a, the best way to put it is a classically trained artist yes and i think david had some maybe some marketing in his background well it, I, i'm not i'm not sure to to that degree but he's a talented artist and he, he definitely um he definitely can produce a wide variety of of art uh, seemingly very quickly, but all topically related. So, it's 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 neat to see the the sheer amount of art that he's created in in a, what I would consider a fairly short amount of time since being in business. You know, David met we met David at Southern Fried Game Room Expo here in mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah, and uh, he had never met him. He uh, walked up to us and handed us. And we've talked about this a uh, a piece of original art that he had done for our show. Yeah, on foam core with markers. Absolutely. Yes. And beautiful, uh, beautiful. Uh, from that point, kind of going forward, David really just he just ran with it. This seemed like a, a passion of David's, and he jumped into modern technology, uh, learned some modern uh, software packages that he could use to to do his art with instead of kind of falling back on the old school kind of markers and paper and foam core, and and started started designing. Yeah, and. How would you describe how would you describe the art, Whitney? I would I would describe it as as retro deco art myself because it there's there's parts of pop culture that are that are in his artwork, and of course there's the there's the the retro side of of pinball and arcade. Um, I would I would guess like icons being represented. I mean, he uses like a lot of a lot of pinball um, symbols inside the artwork and everything like that. And he combines pop culture artwork and pinball and arcade icons together. And it's it looks modern, but it feels retro all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's really cool. It is. It's neat. We'll have a link to Dave's site, David's site out. Uh, in our show notes, it's uh, uh, lifeunderglass.net, mm-hmm. and you know one of the interesting things is to to note about Dave's art. David's art. Dave. David's artwork is. Uh, and let me throw this out here. David was very gracious. He hosted us. He gave us kind of a little base of operations. We were able to stop yes. by his place and yes. uh, drop some of our stuff off. And we started our live show one night from his booth. Yeah. And uh, yeah. uh, I know Nate from Coast to Coast. 
uh, kind of home base there as well yeah, and son. recorded some interviews. So David supports the hobby in general and he supports the podcasters. Yeah, he supports the podcasters and uh, a lot of what he does uh, is, is just very genuine and we can't really thank him enough. And I've got... Uh, a special shout out to him as well, Brent, that I'll save for a little bit later okay. in the show because he, on a personal level, he helped me get some things done. And for that, I'm appreciative cool. yep. as well. So, you know, uh, we'll mention too, a couple dollars from each of the shirts David sells goes to uh, charity. Mm-hmm. And then he's, uh, two. I think it's $2 a shirt. Right. Is, is okay. what it goes to. Yeah. And uh, um, he's actually put together kind of a Brady Bunch style podcasters t-shirt and the intention was to be a surprise he did it put it up on the site and then it kind of the first podcaster kind of mentioned it and then it got talked about and then I think I heard it on a show and that's how I heard about it and then I told Whitney and then it kind of spread through the podcasters Uh, so he's got uh, several of us Brady Bunch style on a shirt it's awesome it's awesome so it, it's like extruded outlines that's the best way i know to say it you can you can tell that it's our faces but but it's everything's kind of soft and but it's it's still very recognizable so it, again in that kind of modern kind of deco actually, style it's neat keep, keep going whitney i'm gonna I, i've actually got the poster right here oh d okay cool yeah i picked up one of the posters as well very colorful very nice and uh yeah it's nice so it's got uh, charlie from spooky Pinball. oh not just the poster whitney i've actually got the foam core oh nice that was uh hanging in his booth as a demo oh so. nice nice okay yeah i'm looking at that yeah so preston and patrick from game room junkies of course you and i from our show uh it looks like they've got uh, don and jeff from the pinball podcast and uh i said charlie from spooky and then nate from coast to coast so yeah definitely very brady bunch-esque and uh we're all looking as nerdtastic as we ever could so it's it's great i look like a deer in headlights in this <laughs> i mean i didn't like that picture to begin with and then um not that not that David did me bad or did me wrong, but it just it it's immortalized now. You, though, you look real happy, I, I, dude. I'm a jolly guy. I'm I, always happy. I look like I look like a deer in headlights. <laughs> oh, dude, it's all it's all good, man. You just got to throw the shirt on and, and and roll with it, man. That's that's the way it goes. But yeah, David David did us a solid, man, and he helped us on numerous occasions. I look so. like a I look like a sick bobblehead. <laughs> It'll be okay. Dude. I'm gonna set that away where I can't see it. All right, yeah, it's okay. all good, man. It's all good. So the next one that we want to uh, give some special, uh, some special thanks to, kind of a shout out, is uh, our friend of the show uh, and now uh, honorary apprentice of the show, Sean O'Shea. And uh, Sean uh, kind of hung with us throughout the weekend. He helped us on some production items. He he did some quality checks for us, and he's just an all around solid and great guy. And we had a lot of fun hanging out with him and uh, just getting to know him better. And, and the great thing about the podcast, Brent, is that we get to meet new people. We get to make new friends, and and it goes on and on. I mean, uh, Sean and I have been talking on Twitter quite a bit. And he chimes in on Facebook, and it's just it's just neat to know that there's that whatever reach we have, it it nets in making new friends and in growing. I guess kind of growing your your own personal your own personal network, so to speak. And there's a lot of value in that. So, Sean, thanks a lot for your help, man. It was much much appreciated. Well, and not only. Uh, I- does it grow our network and our, our list of friends and, and, 
you know, kind of just folks in the community. But yep. in, in the case of Sean and, and his wife, it grew our wardrobe. That, that it did, yes. And, and thank you. So uh, Sean and his wife uh, <laughs> custom, well, his wife made the shirts. Sean presented them to us. And I think what we're going to have to do, Brent, uh, is get a, a special, um, you know, a special picture or website got banner a, there, or something like there's that. There's a picture floating around it. And for, for those that, that haven't caught up on the live shows yet, the shirts... Uh, I, they comment on our at least I'll go with my I'll give Whitney no no more credit. no no dude it's my inability our, to say things okay yeah, yeah it's our yeah. inability to say things as far as the rest of the country is concerned yes, but in such yes. a way that makes perfect sense to those in the south I am accent handicapped okay yes. and, and so, here's the thing I realize that but you know something Brent there's there's a subtle uh, charm and beauty in that that you, you've got to embrace and run with it man the shirt circles around uh, a, a favorite of the show the game fire. Power. Yeah, fire part, man. And, it's and great. I, I can't, I, I can't even. Uh, now when I say it, it's like I'm conscious of well, it. Well, you can't be though because when I say it, I, here, here, it, I'm, it I'm comes, gonna roll with it. I'm gonna see, see, Brent. One of my favorite games to play that you don't have any longer is fire power. Okay, there you now, go. Now in my head, I hear <clears throat> one of my favorite games to play is fire power. You know, that's that comes, not what happens. Comes out fire power. You know, yep, but it's power. all good. But and now we've got you know the shirt where Sean and his wife just like emblazoned hashtag fire power on it, and it's I mean it's just it's solid. It's great we we ought to I, put I, that on the back of some of our own shirts it'd be, it'd i'm awesome. just amazed that they figured out how to spell it oh no they nailed it they, they nailed got it. it oh yeah yeah, yeah it's, just, it's great it's great but so, uh, yeah, it was great sean uh, and your wife thank you so very much you guys were you guys were just awesome awesome uh let's give a shout out to uh the game room junkies yes. crew yes yes uh preston burt he was uh he was wandering around the show had a lot of uh uh time uh, with preston yeah a little interaction with preston got to catch up you know we hadn't seen preston since uh um, southern fried game room expo yeah. and of course uh, mr patrick wall as well and and uh patrick has has extended his hospitalities to me several times and i i thank him for that and uh he spent some time with us on the saturday night show and was kind enough to sit in and uh, be, oh, we woke him part. up from a nap we did we did but that's okay that's okay <laughs> and uh he, he woke up on on the right side of the bed and he was he was ready and raring to go and Come and, down, solo mic from us. Yeah, yeah. So it was good. It was it was fun for that. And you know, one of the things that uh, that he did, he also spent some time with us Saturday night, kind of uh, kind of out and about as well. Uh, he he was one of the uh, attendees, David Paulwin as well. And uh, this kind of leads into the next thank you uh, to Mr. Jim Zespi at Logan Arcade because Jim, a uh, close personal friend of mine, and he hosted us uh, for you know a little event there at uh, at his place at Logan Arcade on Saturday night, and that was fun because took the family and I guess what Brent we had like a group of I don't know, six or seven or something like that it was it was it was small but it was quaint and it was fun you know and so we got to you know kind of uh, have the run of his place for a little bit and it's uh, it's beautiful so now if you're in Chicago <laughs> you're going beautiful to, it you'd mentioned it as Logan Arcade but is is it if I wanted to Google that is it actually still called Logan Hardware you could get it uh, either, either way it, you could get it either okay. way because uh, Logan Hardware is the music store where he has an arcade museum on kind of on free play where he has games set up but then uh, then Logan Arcade is the actual bar and and arcade okay. itself right. so it, it's two it's two locations that are in very close proximity to each other Jim uh, owns and runs both of them and so just uh, 
a solid, solid guy. And it was just a, it was a treat to go to go there and get to see how the remodel had. Uh, he's recently kind of remodeled the place and put in the bar and, and uh, reopened that. And it's it's just beautiful. You, just you, beautiful. You have. Uh, in our private conversations, you've talked a lot about Jim, mm-hmm. and uh, I have not had the opportunity to meet him. I got uh, to meet him just real quickly because yeah. you know there was we were all going different directions, direction. yes. but it was the autograph session yeah. at uh, at Expo, and a uh, uh, great guy. And I'm, I'm looking solid. forward to spending a little more time up there and uh, with Jim. So. Yeah, yeah, just a solid guy. Can't can't meet anybody any better. So. Um, Help me with the uh, the next Whitney. I can't. It's a little far out. Martin. I, I, and I apologize if I'm going to butcher this. And with my name, uh, I, my name gets butchered a bit as well, so I'm sensitive to it. But I'm going to try my best here. I believe it's Martin Ayub of Pinball News. And Martin, uh, he was kind enough to let us use the audio from the podcasters panel. Yes. And, you know, that was, as we mentioned earlier, that had already been released for, uh, from us as one of the prior shows. Um, a lot of the other shows that I've listened to, I think uh, uh, Pinheads out of Australia, mm-hmm. they've referenced Pinball News. Uh, I believe they've got the audio or the or maybe the video for the panels that were held at Expo this year up on the Pinball News site. Yes. So there's a lot of coverage up there. Absolutely, Ad- admittedly, there's there's a lot. Martin does does a very good job there. So Martin, thanks a lot for uh, uh, for allowing us to go ahead and release the release that kind of under our banner yeah and, you know of course we want to reciprocate and, and oh, say folks man go out and check out pinball news definitely they they are a wealth of knowledge if you want gameplay walkthroughs if you want rule set videos if you want just breaking news that that site has just about everything that you could that you could want in that regard and Brent, i've spent some time on that site and, and it is deep and there there is years worth of content on that site and so um yeah thank you martin for working with us on that and allowing that to make it allowing us to make that happen we had uh, our audio that we recorded brent but it was over an an open air mic and it just was it did not have the clarity and the the punch that uh that martin's audio had coming you know from from a line out off the board so next year we will make sure that that gets addressed but uh yeah martin was very kind he he showed us a lot of hospitality and we thank him for that great and now hopefully um i've uh I've increased the font size here on my <laughs> I'm getting old folks that, that's my excuse for not being very good at video games I just can't see you just can't see uh David Fix yes. coordinator uh uh well he assisted and uh, David I apologize if I kind of get this incorrect I know I've got your last name right mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, Mr. Dr. Fix Dr. Pinball Dr. Pinball that's right he uh, uh, he was instrumental in coordination of the panels. I noticed he kind of chaired the mm-hmm. majority of the panels that, that at least I was able to make. Yeah. And, you know, he, David reached out to us and invited us to come uh, and participate in the podcasters panel. And I wanted to make sure, Dave, uh, David, that you had our you understood that you had our gratitude our yes. thank you we really appreciate the offer especially yeah. as, as young as, as our show is yeah definitely um we uh we definitely tried to uh 
make our visit, our invitation uh, uh, worth it for you and, yeah. you know, the coverage and, you know, shots from the show yeah. and, and all that kind of fun stuff. And hopefully we've done you right, David. Yeah, yeah. He's, he sponsored us in. So we, we thank him for that and we thank him for and we thank everybody uh, in the listenership who worked with David to get us to get us on the I guess to kind of get us on the roster as, as a possible as, you know, as an attendee. So uh, there's there's others there that work with David and we thank them, too. And then uh, last but certainly not least, Brent, we want to thank uh, Mike Pasak and Rob Burke as the show owners and the organizers. And we appreciate those guys not knowing us really from much of anybody and uh, making sure that the podcasters panel was one that received the, the airtime and the showtime. And uh, we thank those guys for their, you know, for them um, essentially, you know, believing in all of us as the podcast as podcasters uh, for pinball and, and getting some time from the show dedicated to us. So we, we appreciate that. Now, too. Whitney, did you get a chance to meet either Mike or Rob in person? I, I did. I did Rob. I did not get to meet Mike, but I caught Rob going down the hall okay. one day and did get to, you know, introduce and shake my hand and shake hands with him. But uh, outside of that, that, that was, it, they were i'm sure they were busy running a mile a minute absolutely absolutely yeah but no i did not get to meet mike and hopefully i can correct that oversight at some point in the future now, of course we did get we we got to meet david mm-hmm. and uh, uh david to back up one second uh david took time away from all that he had going on mm-hmm. and uh walked me around through the show and introduced me to uh, to several people that actually that's pretty sweet yeah he took the time to do that <laughs> that's pretty nice so that man. then we had hooks for uh you know interviews and other things that yeah. will hopefully pay dividends for through the show sure so, well and, 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 a, and a couple of them we're going to hear to, absolutely you know, right here on this show and so, then uh, on this episode right ho- hopefully myself I, I did not get a chance to meet uh, uh mike pesak or, or rob burke this time around and you know as you said uh, everybody was going a, a million miles a minute it yeah. just when it all comes together, it all comes together, and you got to take care of everything then and there. And there's always something interesting going on. So I understand. We're, we're small fish, dude. I mean, you know, we're 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 just two dudes on a pan on one of the panels. So it, it's it, I know it's it, it's all additive. You know, when you look at the show schedule and the content and everything. But yeah, hey, man, they you know they believed in us, and that's that's what matters. Well, Mike so and Rob, if, if this gets back to you, uh, <laughs> you know, from the bottom of our hearts, thank we, you. we appreciate it. Thank you. I know personally, I like to go up to the organizers. I done this at, at the, the past shows i go to even if it's people that i know uh-huh. that i see all the time yeah i'll go up to them at their show and thank them uh-huh. uh because they're going a million miles a minute and yeah. then if, if they in my mind i like to give them that little bit of positive reinforcement to say hey you know we really appreciate what you're doing yeah. you know yeah, it, it helps in my mind it helps makes it make it worth it for the organizers mm-hmm. and i'd encourage everybody to do that as yeah, well it's 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 just it's good stuff man it's paying it forward is what it's doing so so with that brent i, I think uh what we should what we should probably kind of work ourselves into here is covering i guess the biggest news of interest and in some of the announcements uh that came out of pinball expo for anybody who wasn't able to make it there or who doesn't really have time to read through i guess kind of volumes of website information and everything like that so you can kind of think of this next part is is a reader's digest version of everything that everything notable that that really came out of pinball expo okay and and again i would encourage everybody you know to go back and check the the podcast community i don't see this as a competition thing oh no 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 so you know that's why i'm saying you know go back and check game room junkies yes check uh, coast to coast i know pinheads uh out of the the show out of australia mm-hmm. they just did a bang up show 
even from Australia, where they were doing a lot of news aggregation, uh, and then um, uh, Don and Jeff over at uh, Pinball Podcast, they've mm-hmm. done some coverage. If you don't listen to them, listen to them. Yes, you know, please. And take this list and then go and, and research all these other podcasts and then listen to their episodes where they're where they're covering these uh, covering these topics and uh and subscribe and, and grow yeah, grow the audience. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. And we're not looking to we're not looking to overlap with their no. what they've done. It's but impossible, I tell you what, dude. We can't do that. Oh, yeah. I, I, we, we can't do that. The the, the wouldn't the, even want to try, to be the, honest with you. The differing perspectives. Uh-huh. If you want to know what went on at the show, if you want yeah. that listen to everybody yep. okay yep. so anyway yep takes a village man and that's exactly how it goes well i'm the idiot <laughs> <laughs> hashtag was... show title right there <laughs> i like it when i lay those totally unexpected lines out uh, whitney's face is actually red uh, right uh, now no dude that's great because now i, I now i do not need a show title that's oh, I thought it we already had, awesome. i thought we already had one had we directionally I, challenged. I, I, I tossed it dude okay. we, we'll, we'll use that next month this one is podcast solid gold i'm, I'm running with it dude all right so the first thing that uh, that we want to talk about and, and it's the elephant in the closet it's the one that everybody knew was coming uh it's the walking dead from stern and Brent, I don't know how much time you got to log on this game. I, I got to play the pro for, I don't know, maybe 20 to 30 minutes one afternoon. You and got more on it than I did. Yeah, I purp- I found one open. I purposely kind of uh, you know, kind of hung, hung on to it. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't keep anybody else from playing. It was towards the end of the day Saturday, and, and truthfully, the crowd was starting to thin out a little bit. Yeah, Marco had a good-sized display. They had... Yeah what maybe eight of them i think there was eight or nine yes. easy easily easy. yeah and, and man dude they were running strong the entire time yeah, absolutely but but towards the end of the day saturday when the banquet was getting ready to spin up and, and everything the vendor the, the exhibit hall the vendor hall started to die down pretty good and at that point you could mingle about and you could pick one up and you could play it for 15 or 20 minutes at a time without having to think that you were keeping someone else from experiencing it as well it's fast it was fun it drained right down the middle on me a lot but I, the, the few games that i got to play <laughs> I, I honestly i think i've got maybe three games on a pro okay and uh let here let's do this let me hit mine real quick because it's going to be real short uh, mine, tell, won't, mine won't be much oh, okay. longer but anyway, right, go, go, ahead, go, go ahead. no 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 go this is southern hospital uh, yeah double I, southern we, hospitality we'll, 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 we'll sit here and excuse and pardon each other until we have four hours of it but <laughs> yeah go for I, it i had the uh, I I hedge this with I am a terrible pinball player. Ah, dude, I'm no a better. Terrible video game player, and I that's do, why we sit here and talk. About I do it, good right? walk a straight line. <laughs> good walk a straight line. Yeah, I had the I had the same. It, it's a fast game. It I is. had a lot of drains down the middle, but that's I like that. To me, that's good. Yeah, because dealing with that will make you a better pinball Makes, player it's not the game's yes. fault no 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 no. it's not that if no, if you built the house crooked it's skill. not because it's the tools no, no yeah yeah you cannot yeah you cannot blame the tools man so one thing that that really kind of uh i guess stuck out at me is just the sheer quality of the artwork the leds brent lit up like a christmas tree on roids man dude it was that game that, that game to me just even but it wasn't overpowering. No, it wasn't. But the only thing that I can really kind of compare it to right now is uh, the Lucy edition of ACDC, where where when you put the ball into play, and I think I've said this a couple of times in, in previous episodes, the play field literally glows, and it glows straight up at you. And 
there there's a there's a certain intrinsic value of seeing the the LEDs and just the play field literally just come alive with with light and, and activity and um you know you say Walking gl- Dead didn't it did not um, disappoint in that regard you say glows I mean this is this just kind of set to mind for for such a I guess and this has been coming on a lot being such a dark title uh huh. Dark from a uh, not from a physical perspective, but dark yeah, from a from, subject from a, matter from a horror perspective. From a subject yeah. matter perspective, sure, sure. The, the game had a lot of muted tones, a lot of grays, a lot of but yeah. the game ba- was a st- lot of a lot of beiges and right. earth, earth tones, a lot right. of earth tones. Exactly, yeah. but it was still bright. It was easy to see. Yeah. It was I, this is this is some perspective you won't hear on another podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You're talking about non overlap. Uh, I was a l- I was surprised. Okay. You know, I was expecting it to be a, a little bit more, for lack of a better term, overcast. Okay, you know? but it was it it was a it was a pretty game. It was I, the, the artwork on the pro, uh, the red and the black. I, I think is just is just really neat. It stands out. But then when you look in the play field, you see a lot of like muted beiges, browns, uh, kind of taupe colors, and, and things like that. Some blood and instead red and, and things like that. But when you look at like um, the bash toy, and when you the I guess the the well walker uh, zombie, and and everybody, I admittedly I don't follow the show, so I'm looking at this based upon what I've what I've read and what I see and everything like that. And I guess at some point I need to pick the show up. I'd probably have much better insight at that point. But nonetheless, uh, the zombie and and just you know the the whole the, the whole play field is it was laid out well. The toys looked really good. It was very well lit and it moved extremely extremely fast and i loved i loved how the ball would disappear at the top of the play field and you know with the ramps and everything brent it was it was neat i all that being said the theme doesn't speak to me like other themes uh in the past have okay Mm -hmm. uh but i really really enjoyed playing the game that was my question so you you i did you got 30 minutes on i liked it yeah i I, I got about three games okay and uh i found i found (laughs) this <laughs> was kind of funny. I was going over on one of my adventures to the backside of the uh, uh, the free play room. Okay, and there was you didn't hurt yourself. No, did you? well, I got lost for a little. I got lost. Okay, yeah, I had to get lost. I had you to just hit the pager button, dude. I'll come find you. Well, it's somebody found me, took me back to mom. Okay, good, good. So. uh I got up. I got to the very back of the room, and here's all these EMs in the middle of it. There's a brand new, brand <laughs> new Walking Dead. Yeah, it was like, well, that's a contrast. <laughs> so nobody was back there. So I, I, I got three, maybe four games, and uh, uh, I could not seem to not hit the the is it the well walker uh, that's what it's called yeah that's what it's called and, and yeah. that that only speaks to my inability to play pinball yeah and, yeah. and shoot a shot but you know there's some I mean. It, which is good. Which is fine. I'm yeah. not. I am not bashing the game at all. It goes back to you know a poor carpenter blames his tools. Yeah. You know. So did, did you had thirty minutes on it. Did you get into the into the rules? <laughs> no, any? no, Brent. I, I was I, just hitting the ball. I, I'm, I'm horrible, dude. I, I was, was just, hitting the I ball. I was just hitting the ball. The one thing I did like was the crossbow at the bottom. I thought that was pretty sweet. Did you notice that? Did you? No, ever, you have to have. That's not on the pros. Yes, that's exactly I, right. I, you know, I had it in my mind to go back and find uh, an LE or a uh, well. There is no premiums. There's just pros or LEs, and correct and, and try that out. And I just didn't make yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's something that I, I mean I didn't get to experience that. It's but it's something you see how it works and it's 
that's pretty neat. Um, I really like how the how the ball would would enter the play field and everything. It, it would it kind of do a diverter instead of going you know all around uh, you know all around the the the, the uh, top back of the play field mm-hmm. and everything. It was it was neat. Like I say, I don't really know that a Walking Dead is in my future per se, but it was uh, it was definitely something that I would put money in and play anytime that I saw it on location. It's pretty nice. Cool. Uh, Python's Pinball Circus. Yes. So uh, Paul Kiefert and uh, um, help me, I just went completely blank. James Lawford. James Lawford. Yes. Uh, sorry, James. Yeah. I was. Uh, it's twice I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. Forgotten James. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Paul and James have been working on. It, this is pretty well known. Bringing to fruition Python Angelo's dream of Pinball Circus. So yes. they brought to the show. I had a panel and uh, a big reveal. A uh, partial, well, I say partially flipping, a flipping white wood of Pinball Circus. And I say partially, uh, there's several la- levels in the game, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you could play the main level and get as far as level two. Yeah. So, you know, they had some DMD integration in there. They had some it was keeping call score. Outs. It was keeping score and the call outs. scoring. That's right. Uh, they had just applied some, uh, some side art to the cabinet and some art inside. And for those that haven't seen it, the cabinet is kind of organized like a video game but much larger it's it, upright it's like a dynamo cabinet man if you want to th- if, if, I, yeah, if, I to, if i had to if i had to if i had to like yeah if i had to label it as as something think of it as a dynamo cabinet housing a multi-level pinball machine right yes but and to that degree even bigger than a quote-unquote it is dynamo cabinet it is but, it is but that's the closest thing that i could get to gotcha. come, that i could come to mind on size wise so you can play two levels on it um there was some uh uh Pretty cool pieces in the game. Things yes. that they had they had come off. Uh, they had come off the 3D printer. Mm-hmm. There was the I believe it was the clown head at the very top of the yeah. machine. The elephant and the snake. The elephant, the snake, and then yes. dangling down from the center, there was um, kind of like the not the, I can't, well, gymnast isn't the, uh, the uh, like an acrobat, mm-hmm. if you will. That's kind of a uh, um, trapeze a fi- artist. Trapeze I guess. Are kind yeah. of a key fixture in yeah. the game. Yeah. So uh, if you listen back to our live. Our live shows we actually spent quite a bit of time with paul and we will uh, hear from paul again in this episode oh will we yes we will um this isn't ex- this is news to me yeah yeah this yeah is, this is a prime example of how whitney and i like to shock one another <laughs> okay yeah, yeah yeah we we've got we've got paul on the horn a little bit later on okay, in this episode. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I would just say uh, for anybody, when we get to that part of the show, make sure that you've gone back and listened to uh, episode 16 when uh, Paul and Brent uh, talked to each other quite a good bit. So it's it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Is it's this when you put me on the spot? Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. I hear some noise. I'm not sure what that is. That's my ringtone on my phone. I've just, com- just committed a podcasting foul. Oh, my dude. gosh. Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, but that, that was the uh, theme song to Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy on SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> if anybody wanted to know, but uh, well, Whitney Knight was it? Is, we're 19 shows in. Yeah, and uh, it it's finally a, happened. Yeah, it finally happened. I mean, I think it, a cell phone. Ring. I know. I know it happened to, uh, during election coverage for the midterms <laughs> to some like very seasoned broadcasters. <laughs> so don't feel so bad. Yeah, well, you know? it's all good. But I think it was Tom Brokaw. It happened to. Yeah, but so yeah, I guess podcast failed. Uh, it's, it's a podcast fail, but yeah. So my ringtone is Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy from SpongeBob SquarePants, and I'm I love SpongeBob, man. My daughter and I sit and watch it, and we just have to. I laugh, Brent. Oh, I laugh when I so first hard. Heard it's it, awesome. I can't think of the song, but I thought it was one of the songs from. Uh, 
from the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I, I, it's escaping me right now, but it sounded like kind of that, that uh, I think it's like an, ex, you know, we all know the Peter Gunn theme oh, from yeah. like Spy oh, yeah. Hunter. From Let's Spy bring Hunter. this around yeah. the podcast, arcade yeah. podcasting. It almost sounded like the, I think it was, I thought, is that the Peter Gunn theme from, is, does he have the Blues Brothers? I thought, because I'm a big fan of the movie, it, that doesn't show because I'm completely screwing this up, but I was like, do I have something around here that plays? <laughs> plays that no 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 that was uh, that's all on me brother that's so let's all get, on let's me let's get back to reality yeah. paul kiefert yeah. um so anyway we're gonna hear from paul a little bit later and he, it's, it's great so i know he's yeah. told the story and i can't recall if it was on our show i've heard it a couple places but uh one of the pieces they were missing was the body to the elephant mm-hmm. and uh and it, someone come to the show and uh they happened to have and i, I can only assume it was someone that was associated with Williams. Paul didn't want to get into who it was, and the, the absolutely we understand. <laughs> he shouldn't have to. Yeah. No, um, we uh, we did ask Paul if it was if he could mention, and he just said, "I'd rather not." Yeah, and that's fine. It, we it will, and, you know, so he he can't jeopardize what he's got going absolutely. on, and, and I yeah. understand that. But this, he's, very, he's very gracious about that. Someone had had come to the show and how hook or crook, however they had it. They happened to have the body to the elephant. Yeah. And uh, uh, they came back to the show and, and gave it to Paul. And I think Paul's words were, I think you could use this. So uh, um, it's pretty, pretty awesome yeah. when you think about it, how, how that game is shaping up. And it, it's something that we're, go- that we're going to continue to track. We'll probably, Brent, I, I know we've kind of, you know, we've kind of nurtured a relationship with Paul and James at this point. And so. Uh, Except for me, because I keep forgetting them. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, man. I'm so sorry, you know, James. It's, it's all good, but we'll, we'll we will watch this because we have, I think, an inherent interest in how this comes out. So this is something that that we keep pretty close eyes on, and it was so neat to see, uh, so neat to see it at the stage that it was at. So we're talking elephants, Whitney, and yeah. that, which are big things. Yes. So let's talk about the big, the kind of the big elephant that came out of Expo. Yeah. The big the, Lebowski. The, yeah, the second elephant in the room. Which the was second the, elephant. Yeah, in the room. which was the big Lebowski. Yeah, it had dudism written all over it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just coined a word. <laughs> the uh, I did not get an opportunity. This is a perfect example of kind of kind of set a game plan mm-hmm. understand what you want to see <laughs> and then throw it out the window and throw it out the window <laughs> you know yeah uh in you know in my case the big lebowski was the the dutch pinball's booth was set up toward the back of the room uh-huh. and there was too many shiny objects between the door and yeah. the back of the room for me yeah and you know it's no secret i'm kind of a partsy kind of dig around kind of guy so i i kind of got detoured into that kind of stuff yeah but um so the big lebowski uh, made a big splash. Dutch they did. Pinball made a big splash. They did. Uh, had a from. I understand from, they had private parties and everything. Yeah, man. they had a private. They yeah. had a private uh, party, kind of like in the executive yeah. suite ballroom thing. Sweet. Um, had a a spirited panel. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know we won't get into that just because I know it's been covered everywhere else. Yeah. But um. And there's, there's a video, I think, on Pinball News, and you know Nate Nate talked talked. Nate's I think talked all, quite all a bit about that. it. Yeah. Nate's got uh, a, a lot of Coast. coverage yeah. on Coast to Coast of, of Big Lebowski. Yep. Whitney did. Uh, I saw the game. I did not get an opportunity to play the game. I just didn't have. Uh, they had four there, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And I just didn't have uh, time, but with all of our other kind of duties to yeah. to get in line personally and, yep. and play the game, I did get up next to a game and get an opportunity to look at the game the game is looks like it's constructed very well it's beautiful it's beautiful i i I don't even 
I don't even know what to say about it outside of outside of just the fit and the finish looked uh, just exemplary, man. And it was fantastic. It was beautiful. The the artwork, the way the theme was executed, everything that was in the you know that was on the playfield, it should look like it should have been there. Came right out of the movie. It was perfectly placed. I, if you were going to translate a theme, they and, and you looked at the Big Lebowski, everything that's in it, and then you fast forward that into how do I get that into a pinball machine? Well, they did it, and it was. It was nice, Brent. I didn't get to play it either. I did stand next to it for about 20 minutes and recorded video. That's like guilt by association, it, isn't it, it? It definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> I, I I got I got nothing. It, the lines were so long, man. People, people it was were standing. A, it was a desired game to play. It was a desired game to play. People were standing five and six deep all the time in order to play that, and it was only out and available for, for a subset of hours out of the day. Okay, certain hours out of the day. And then, like, uh, it's at a certain point in the afternoon, they pack those things up and, and pull them pull them out man they were gone they were gone to uh, i think you mentioned that the, you know you mentioned they had their their kind of their vip kind of invitation yeah. only party yeah. and i'm fairly certain that those games were taken up there I'm for sure, that i'm sure they were i, yeah. I know i've heard i've heard uh talk from folks that were at the party where uh, there's a call out when the ball gets down into the bowling the bowling alley, and yeah. then that would bring the the throngs of people around to see the bowling alley toy play. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, it you was neat. You mentioned things that were on the play field. Granted, not having played the game, just looking at the game, uh, Whitney, you talked about the integration. The toys to me, uh-huh. they didn't have that stuck on look. Oh, they no. they looked. The integration was was first class. You know, it, here's one thing I'll say is when you look at when you look at how the playfield's laid out. Um, of course, you know it does have you know the, the bowling alley uh, portion of the playfield and stuff was executed very well. The mixed drink, okay, that was up on the upper playfield looked like a real live. It, it, it looked like it was something that would jostle around and the ice would move. Yeah. I, you know, Brent, there were many times where I wanted to take my big ham-handed sausage finger and poke it in that in that and mixed see what drink it would do and see what it would do. Um, the it, guys over on Pinball Pot, or <laughs> not Pinball Podcast, uh, Pinheads. Yeah, and uh, I apologize. I I know uh, Stevie and and Gaz, and you would think I would know the third the third kind of co-host or host of the show it is completely escaping me now i am failing today as a podcast host i have done this several times um but they had mentioned that you know it's rod, gaz, rod it's that's rod right. gaz and then uh pentech stevie is rod. Who it is. yeah i just had to go so look it, was, it up real fast so my it was, apologies it was rod on um for, and for those who haven't figured it out i'm terrible with names it should be a quiz <laughs> if you come up to me at a show change your name every time because yeah. i will not know yeah. any Brent, different Brent will be hurting you it man there's a story about what i what i used to think whitney's name was and it's interesting <laughs> yeah n- needless yeah. to say yeah regardless <laughs> yeah so if you go back and you listen to the 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 expo coverage of expo from the pinheads podcast out of australia rod even he says the same thing about the drink he says when i first saw the pictures of it i thought it was someone had walked up and left a drink literally on on the glass yeah literally and and if there hadn't been people around to uh mock me and laugh at me and say look at that it wasn't me this time stupid i probably would have taken my finger and gone like that and just and poked it and, and just tried to see what would happen it it looked like it was made of i don't brent i don't know like like paraffin and wax it was dude it was beautiful it was beautiful and, 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 not, and everything in the game was that way was executed like that exactly with that level of quality it looked 
finished. It didn't look like an afterthought. Like, no, we've got a blank spot no, no, here. No, no, Let's no, just no. stick something here. No, it, it, it looked great. It looked great. And you could tell based upon everything that was that was in that game it was everything was there for a purpose and it was well thought out so kudos to touch pinball man they brought it they brought it and it and it showed well it executed well and people responded to it well brent so it wasn't just an also ran execution of that theme people flocked to it in droves so they did good so now we've talked about something big let's talk about something small okay and not small from the uh announcement perspective no but just small sm- from the character size yeah, yeah hobbits the hobbit yes now brent did you get to play the hobbit you know i did not i did i got to play one game and if, from what i understand it this was at first i thought this was kind of odd but then i was like no that makes perfect sense it's kind of cool it was they had the game set on one ball one ball one yes, ball. that's exactly right so you got to go through and you got to experience it a little bit but everyone had a, a an opportunity to get up and, and get hands on it so what was it what was it like the play field was very open Okay, most of the action was going on up around, uh, you know, up around the, the arch and up around the back of the play field. Um, the LED show was um, second to none. I think Jersey Jack is uh, is an artist. Okay, when it comes to play field lighting and the use of of the RGB LEDs and how they how they work the lighting to the advantage um, and to add to the gameplay. Uh, I thought personally, Brent, I thought the play field um, was, I I felt like it needed a little more, I guess. But at the same point, who am I to judge? I mean, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm no, I'm nobody when it comes to that. I'm just sitting there just kind of taking it in. But what was there, the dragon's head and everything like that, it it talks, it moves, it was articulating. Um, Now, did you get to play enough and notice that uh, Smaug is supposed to follow the ball? No, I did not see. I did not see that, I, and I don't know if that's just in my time that I was able to stand by it. Because Brent, it, much like the Big Lebowski, that game had a had a line four and five deep almost all the time. I can imagine. Yes, yep. the, but uh, what I will say, the artwork was beautiful. I, I mean, it was deep. It was rich. It had luster. the The back glass was beautiful. The music was awesome. Uh, the, the 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 execution on that theme again was say, was really second to none and i guess maybe i should change my name my middle name to second to none because i use that a lot but brent that's what we're talking that's the quality that we're talking about here this is this is not pinball executed on you know uh, oh this is just you know this this month's machine or this year's machine this is pinball executed at, at, at an art at an art form level big lebowski was that way uh walking dead was that way um the hobbit was that way america's most haunted was that way mmr was that way medieval madness was that way and i know we'll get into those here in a second but Brent, you're seeing pinball executed not just pinball done uh, it, i think in, what in the hobbit reflect i that. think what is bringing that about is uh um you know back in the day it, it's still all about money let's let's just be serious i mean the oh yeah the we we do what we do for the love of it mm-hmm. but it's one thing to be a couple guys sitting in a uh you know in a in a kind of a shared space type of a deal and doing a podcast or you know like nate nate's kind of got it down to an art where he can do it from the road with what equipment he can take with him as he travels yep um i know game room junkies they they their monthly show like us yeah Yeah. and they do what they can do to make it kind of work and we all do it for the love of it yeah the guys that are doing the pinball today the actual production they're still doing it they're doing it for the money Uh uh-huh but it's not like it was 30 years ago when um you 
you had to, in my mind, I guess I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, you really had to produce more you had to produce it faster. Yeah. Uh, you had a lot more competition then. I think that's changing now. Mm-hmm. It is. But uh, you've got you've got the advantage of having a little bit more time because, mm-hmm. in effect, you know, you're kind of doing things on your own schedule to a certain degree versus the schedule that would fit a larger enterprise. Um, you're uh, uh, so you got a little bit more time to work with it. You've got modern technology that you can take advantage of to yeah. bring those costs down. But you can also take the love. And you can, you can, what I would say, um, you can make it more real and you can make it quote unquote more better, I I guess is, is the, is the layman's way of approaching that Brent, because when you look at the execution of these games, you can tell that technology had modern technology, uh, RGB lighting and things like that have in manufacturing and in the whole nine yards, the programming and the, you know, the, the pinball, the pinball, um, the, the operating systems that they have and, and the boards that they're working with. You can tell that all that, that entire collective is raising the art of pinball to a level that we just did not, we're not able to see back in the eighties and the nineties. Absolutely. So, yeah. So it's definitely for, definitely for, I mean, it's gotta be for the money Brent because they have, they have payroll and they got to keep the doors open and the lights on. But if they didn't have the love of it, then nothing else would follow. So it, it's a combination so of both. Speaking of, here's a, here's an awesome segue. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the love of it, and yeah. then maybe reaching it back to you know kind of an older feel and uh, a pastime. You're the segue uh, master, my man. Well, I won't go that far. <laughs> I'm something. Uh, Stern announced that they're going to make Dennis Nordman's Wonelli. Yes. And big juicy melons. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to throw that in, man. <laughs> Got to throw that in. Got to throw that in. So this game is uh, it's modern technology. It's but it's yet it's a throwback to a little older school game. You know, uh-huh. simpler play field, um, kind of an EM feel De- with bells an EM looking and, feel. Yes, but definitely. it's all driven under the covers with modern technology. So yeah. you, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get that that kind of that throwback feel, and you get. Um, uh, you get a little bit more reliability and yeah. a little easier maintenance. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the thing that uh, the thing that stands out to me, I guess, uh, about Wonelli, and it's not. I'm not going to say the obvious because everybody wants to go to the obvious <laughs> yep. right there. Yep, it's the fruit crate. That's the thing that gets me. The whole game is made uh, to the point where it appears like it's it, it's a pinball machine in a fruit crate sitting on top of a fruit crate. And to me, Brent, it, you know, with it b- having that kind of barn wood kind of feel to it and everything, it's very uh, it, it, it's very endearing to me that some, that uh, th- that that finds its audience in today in today's marketplace, and that it does so in such a way that it, that the economics work out to where it can actually be mass produced to some level. So, I mean, kudos to those guys, man. You know, it's it's neat, and um, yeah, it's it's just it's going to be it's going to be really really cool to see it come to pass. You talked a little bit about sidestepping the obvious, and uh, uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, it, well, the history's out there. You know, oh, yeah. you know, I will yet again encourage everyone to check out the other podcast. Yeah, but I was looking for uh, the, uh, the picture of the stand, the, like the cardboard stand. Oh, with the, with Gary Stern with, with Gary the two St- watermelons. He's holding two watermelons. Yeah. I got I got a picture of it, Brent. I think I think it's in our Facebook album. Uh, I think it's captioned. Mistaken. I think it's captioned something to the effect of, and, and I can't find it fast. And oh wait, a minute, here it is. Here it is. Hold on. Um, uh, it's 
no, this one's been changed. That's oh, not. It? Yeah, okay. it's it's basically. I think I can substitute what, what I think was photoshopped in here. Okay, but it, the caption was so it's Gary Stern, and uh, he's holding he's he's got his like his white shirt says it's got the Stern logo on it, his blue jeans, and he's got his little tag. It says Gary, and he's holding two watermelons and says it's a game about fruit. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty neat. It, it's like I say, it's neat to see the idea. Uh, you know, make it make it to production like it has. So yeah, whoa, Nelly, big juicy melons, man. It's uh, it's on the way. So and from what I understand, it's gonna be pretty sweet, pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> from what I understand, you like that? I, I, <laughs> Lord yeah. help me. Yeah. For, uh, from what I understand, it's gonna be priced. Um, I, I don't even want to say competitively. It's gonna be priced to reflect what it is. Where you know you're not diving into. You don't. You're not dealing with the DMD. You're not mm-hmm. dealing with multi-layer uh, playfields and ramps and all that. So, I mean, don't hold me to this, but I think it's going to be a sub five thousand dollar game. Yeah, and, and that's and that's neat to see, especially for you know for for the theme and you know in in the way that it's uh, the way that the artwork is has got it all packaged up and everything. It's it's got a rustic feel to it, Brent, and that may not and that may not immediately appeal to everybody, but I will say this: it's nice to see a unique idea make it. Yeah. So, unique ideas. John Papaduke, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. Yes. Now, I did not get I did not get to see John's uh, panel discussion or anything like that. So, admittedly, Brent, I'm coming to this all from what I've read. Uh, I, I know that, uh, that John showed uh, the cabinet and some of the artwork there during his panel discussion. Uh, it's it, it's <laughs> it's John Papaduke, man. It, it's it's over the top. I mean, yeah. that's about the best way I know to say it. It's it's zombie times three point five is what it is. See, it's, now, it's pretty and it's neat and it's fun to look at. I'll say that. I've not had a, a, a finger on the pulse of this game. I know a few folks were hoping to see a play field or you know something a little bit more than what was brought. But I do understand that John has a uh, um, like a blog for folks that have yep. already bought into the game, and I believe there's an indie that goes along with that so that you know, whatever he's doing doesn't kind of leak out which is completely understandable it's understandable man and my impression is is that there is no you know no noise of a negative light from from those folks so you know the game apparently is going along regardless of what john did or did not show at expo so yeah, yeah and, and that's good it's just like i say it's just good good to see it Good to see it making its move, man. And the next one, Brent. Speaking we, of showing some stuff, yeah, Expo, showing some stuff, and, and we're not talking about Woe Nelly. No, 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 no. This was uh, this was pretty loaded here, man, and, uh, and and in a very good way. And Brent, we were fortunate enough to be able to talk to Rick Bartlett uh, on our Friday night show, and that was our Friday night live stream show. That was episode sixteen. Um, and Rick Bartlett, uh, of course, is from Planetary Pinball, where they're doing the uh, Medieval Madness remake. And and Brent, you know, like I say, you um, you high stepped it over to MMR just essentially within in, within three minutes. I walked, man, no, it wasn't three minutes. I walked in the door. I was Thirty like, seconds. I was like, oh, look at that! Look at that! You were gone. Uh, I went over and I got to play it, I think, maybe once or twice, but I did, in episode 16, just kind of wax on and on about, and gush, for lack of a better term, about how beautiful I thought that game was, with the LEDs and everything like that. Um, All I will say is that um, Planetary did everything they should have done with MMR and then some. I, I don't see how anybody who gets that game could be disappointed uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's It, it was beautiful. It was I said, beautiful. I said this during the live shows. I've, I've had an opportunity to play uh, a couple 
original MMR. I, ha- I have as well. MMRs, one time, a couple original medieval, medieval madnesses. madnesses. Yeah, and I, so I was very interested to come up to this machine and play it. And to me, um, you know, personally, not if I if I didn't know the difference, if I didn't walk up to it and and know that it was a remake. I mean, to me, it it played like a classic Williams game. It, it did, and Brent for. I'm not sure if you remember this, but uh, for anybody else also listening, if you go back in our podcast feed and go back to the episode where we interviewed Larry Pavey, in Larry's mm-hmm. collection was a Medieval Madness, yep. and we got to play that quite a bit. And I mean, his games were beautiful, and that was a fun playing game. Um, it was. It felt different though on, on the remake, it, it, and I guess to me, when I say different, I mean new. And and Brent, seriously, the LED lighting makes that that much of a difference to me. I guess it brings the game forward. It may, for me, it makes the play field a lot easier to see. And uh, t- honestly, Brent, it adds to my enjoyment of the game because I can see everything that's going on. And my sight's not the best. And so I, I almost kind of depend upon uh, the better lighting in order for me to take everything in and to be able to track the ball properly and stuff like that. Well, I, I'm so, ba- I'm so bad at it. I'll take anything as an advantage. Well, amen to that, brother. But... I guess the big thing is, is that I appreciate what what Planetary brought to the game, um, the originals notwithstanding. So Whitney and I have talked a little bit about uh, the clarity and the play field of the MMR, yeah. and to me, yeah, I could see it, and and yeah. you know, I have to, I have to dovetail that conversation with what I think it may be causing. You know, it, this is yet one of those one of those instances where, uh, like happens every 32 seconds with me in this podcast uh, where I just trip over my words and say, um, a lot. Um, it was, um, 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 the, to me, it's the podcaster's bane. Man. Oh man. Yeah. It, so you look at the game and it just, you know, Whitney and I had this discussion about how we were, we were starstruck, how clear. <laughs> yeah. And when I say clear, uh, like, how pristine the art looked in terms of the lines and the and it, what it all yes. kind of backs down to is I don't care how nice the game is maintained uh-huh. if you see an MMR today it's 30 years old that's right so yeah in 30 years you're not the silk screen isn't going to blur and stuff like that it's still 30 years old there's going to be some wear on the top coat there's yeah. uh, it might be an incond- it might have been uh, uh, lamped with incandescence as opposed to LED. So mm-hmm. there's a there's several factors in there that that make it, well even two thirty year old games look different. Oh yeah, yeah, for, for sure, for sure, absolutely. So uh, I didn't. I, to me, it it if if I were have were, were ha, would have been around when a brand new medieval madness was taken out of the box, incandescence aside from LEDs. I'm sure it would have looked just like these games. They look great. I'm sure. And, you know, in my mind, one of the things that, that I that I think about when I look at the, the remake of MMR, it, to me, it's almost like Medieval Madness Refresh rather than it is a remake, but it's a remake plus, you know, because it's got everything in it that brings it into today's today's customers expectations, I guess. So it's solid, man. Solid. I really I really want to thank uh, Rick Bartlett for spending some time with us on our one of our roving interview nights like Friday night. He was a good sport. He dude. was he was an unbelievable sport. And I tell you, <laughs> uh, Rick, if you're listening, the uh, uh, the one to thank or blame would be uh, uh, Joe Case of Laserific. <laughs> uh, we Whitney and I got to meet Joe, me a, a little bit 
more of a, an odd setting than Whitney, which <laughs> yeah. is an entirely different story that maybe one day will come to light. Uh, we got to meet Joe at Southern Fried Game Room Expo in Atlanta this year. And Joe uh, was over in the planetary booth, and we kind of ambushed Joe. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, w- the way Joe dealt with that was to say hi and then uh, <laughs> talk to Rick. Talk to Rick. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Joe stood yes, over the corner did. and grinned. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He knew what was going on. <laughs> Later, Joe come up to him. He's like, "I didn't know what you just kind of. I, oh, I told hey, you we were going to be uh, around. It's the way this stuff works, man. <laughs> but, gotta, we we got to roll with it. But regardless, thank you, thank, thank you, you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, yes. Joe." Um, and I've got next to me here, Whitney, the uh, the pinball expo. Let's touch one, uh, on one more point here with Planetary. I've yeah. got next to me the the pinball expo uh, program. Oh, are, are you, you going to do a little soothsaying here, Brent? So on page 15, yeah. there is, uh, I guess, what a half-page ad for uh, Ministry of Pinball. Yeah. And are you ready for the next attack? Official European Master Distributor for Planetary Pinball Supply Games. And Attack is done in the font from Attack from Mars. You think that'll be the next game, right? Uh, It could very well be. I mean, there's a little spaceship on it and like a little alien claw. Are you betting, man? Uh, Well, I don't know. It's it's a toss-up. It could be that or it could be what is referenced over here on page 33, yeah. which is another Ministry of Pinball ad, and it says, it's alive, almost, <laughs> and it's got uh, Frankenstein on yeah, it, very reminiscent Monster Bash. Monster so. Bash. So, all things being equal, it's, it's nice to see Planetary doing what they're doing. I, I don't know how... I don't know how some of the collector community views that, but it, all I'll say is that uh, th- thankfully, Brent, like you and I, will get to play some of these remakes and enjoy the games that we just couldn't get to play otherwise. So, so we brought up Ministry yeah. of Pinball and Planetary, and of course, they uh, um, they are vendors. They do some sales. So, hey, let's touch on some pretty cool vendors of interest, some folks that we met and talked to uh, while at Expo. So, yeah. So one of the first ones, Brent, uh, is uh, Tim and Kristen Mezel of Mezel Mods, and I've uh, I've been talking with Kristen for a bit and have purchased some of their products. And for my ACDC machine, they are definitely the they're, they're definitely um, a, a vendor that that supplies what I would consider very quality and very affordable mods for late model pinball machines. And the nice thing is they design them all in-house. These are all Mezzle, you know, Mezzle customs, I guess you could say. And uh, it's Measle. Is it Measle? It's Measle. I'm, so- I'm sorry. Measle? I guess I botched that. My apologies, Tim. Well, I do it all the time. My, my bad. Okay. And this so, is the apology tour. That it would be, yes. <laughs> uh, we do three episodes and we apologize for, you know, five. So that's the way that it goes. But, uh, their 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 products are very high quality, and uh, just in, in talking to Kristen and you know over over the past several months, uh, we definitely like to get uh, like to get them as uh, you know kind of working with us a little bit, maybe give some of their product away or some codes or something in the future. So I just kind of uh, kind of wait wait to see how that how that unfolds and, and how that goes, but definitely quality quality people as nice as can be. I was very happy to actually yeah. get uh, a chance to get hands on and. Uh, not only touch and feel but you know look at the mods that they make yeah and i'm with you whitney they they are very very quality pieces yeah yeah and some of the some of the time put in i know that there's a uh piece for that they make for metallica mm-hmm. that goes over the drop target kind of about halfway up on the left where you can kind of work your way up i think there is, li- is it a lighted is it a lighted drop target or what no no what it is is uh um i it, 
I'm, I've played Metallica a few times, so I'm sure there's people screaming at their <laughs> at their podcast player. No, you fool! <laughs> you it's idiot! Such a, it, but on the left side, about halfway up, I, I think it's the tombstone drop targets. It's like okay. a graveyard situation. You got to go up some some drop targets. Well, they have a. Um, reminiscent of like an old graveyard kind of like a stone entryway oh, okay okay and uh you know it's it's they make it then they they kind of hand paint it to kind of give it that that stone look with the mortar and then it is lit so yeah, there's an led cool. uh component to it yeah and you know like you said whitney it's all top quality stuff and you know i'm trying to figure out what i've done wrong because you've spent a lot of time i know you've talked with Kristen. And we, uh, we've been talking back and forth for several months you have, now, actually. And, and just, yeah. just trying to get uh, – Whitney, Whitney and I, we like to kind of get a little bit more of a hands-on or experience or at least see or feel or touch a product or anything before we kind of talk about it like yeah. really deep and yeah. like really get behind it. I mean, yeah. it's it's difficult to do, and we walk that line. Some things we can, we can't. A lot yeah. of it has to be online research. Yeah. So <laughs> you get to talk and spend time with Kristen. Yeah. You know what happened to me? Sunday, I end up on my back on the floor at Expo with Tim uh-huh. under uh, under a pinball, looking at one of the light mods. That's great. That's great. And and you know the great thing about them is they're they're a family owned business, small small uh, you know small business, and they're they're doing. No, the Ameri- you're missing my point. I end up laying on my back <laughs> under a Walking Dead with Tim. <laughs> Well, dude, I, I took one for the team. There you go, man. Okay, it's awesome. Right. It's awesome. So it, it, it's <laughs> it's it's good that um, it's good that small businesses are, are there and they're making it, man. So it's sweet. Their their light mod, um, their LED mod is pretty cool. I'm hoping we'll, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit more about it in future episodes. Yeah, so. yeah definitely, definitely. So more more to come with those guys. So that's uh, that's the great thing about it. So let me hit on a couple more. A couple. Yep. Um, a couple of vendors that I came across that was just kind of really cool to me, folks okay. that I didn't realize was out there. Uh, there's a company by the name of uh, Mantis Amusements, and uh, um, you know we'll put a link to their to their site up uh, along with our show notes. M- Mantis makes uh, weld mitts, so metal parts for for your games, and and Mantis had a good sized table laid out of everything from. Uh, they had the, the all the weldments for uh, Adam's family, and I was familiar with those. I was able to pick them out because I had to replace the weldments on my machine when I went through it. Okay. Uh, they had, for example, the base for the castle for for Medieval Madness, um, all remade, uh, set up so they could drop right in the game and replace those worn out parts. And a, a friend of the show. Uh, Patrick Wall from uh, Game Room Junkies, he has recently talked about going through his Congo, and he needed the the piece that kind of goes under the gorilla that's in the lower, kind of that lower play field that makes mm-hmm. the gorilla kind of go back and forth and like punch, like a punching motion. Yeah, that's and one that he had to get from Europe, he correct? Had to get, well, yeah. you know, Mantis makes that as well. Nah, so, yeah. you know, it, I was I was kind of surprised, along with Mantis and the next the next company, uh, and this is, this is an awesome name, Starship Fantasy. Yeah. So Starship Fantasy, I was surprised to see both of these folks because, you know, in, in Googling and looking for pieces and parts, I, I was shocked that I hadn't come across these these two vendors yet. You know, Mantis has all this metal work and then um, uh, Starship Fantasy, they had a huge display of, of ramps and plastics. So, you know, I, I needed a main ramp for my Atoms. Let's pick on the Atoms again. You know that they were like a one-stop shop for the main ramp. They had I bought a subway. I needed the subway. I kind of made work on mine. It was beat up. I bought a replacement subway from them. They had two huge tables of 
a ramp for i mean if i asked about it oddly enough i mean it was, it was they, they they had it they could pull it out and make it happen i, huh? I was talking a little bit about to, to one of the gentlemen behind the booth about my high speed and he didn't have it on display but he he turned around pulled out a bin he had the bike ramp for a high speed yeah nice you know, so nice. they they have play fields uh, they've got back glasses, I believe, and don't hold me to this. Just looking at the, at the at what they had, I believe that they're like a reseller, possibly for CPR. Okay. Uh, I bought a set of plastics from them for my high speed, so we'll have links out there. Uh, Starship Fantasy, cool name. Uh, uh, here's another nice pod- people, man. Nice people. Here's yeah. another podcast shout out. Charlie over at Spooky, he he posted a picture of a package he had gotten from Starship Fantasy, and something about you know the UPS guy gave him an interesting look when it when it arrived because <laughs> of the name and the logo and all that. But <laughs> Starship Fantasy, man, man, amusements. We'll have links out there. If you're needing parts, you're needing pieces, you're needing ramps, weldments, having a hard time finding it, uh, they're going to be kind of my go-to folks now to That's reach cool. out and see what they've got. That's good. That's good. So it, that's another good example of you know of the ex- the investment in the expo paying off. You know because you you meet new people and you learn new things. And I spent money. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know if it paid. That, it didn't pay off for me. Well, it, it, that's just paid part, off for them. It's part part of the drill, Brent. So um, just real quick here, Brent, before we hop into the couple of episode, or I'm sorry, the couple of interviews that we have for this episode, uh, one with uh, Gary Stellenberg and the other with uh, Andrew Highway from Highway Pinball, uh, we've got a couple of other. Uh, I guess kind of uh, you know reveals or uh, yeah, announcements of note at the show. Number one, uh, Charlie from Spooky Pinball had America's Most Haunted there, and he had a couple of those machines uh, showed up. I don't know if he brought them or if they if they were uh, purchase machines, but nonetheless, he he was there with the machines. There was a machine that was in the free play area. It was yeah. actually his first production yep. machine. And there's one at Pinball Life. The there was one at Pinball Life, yep. and then there was a machine that was in the vendor hall that Charlie actually brought up. Okay, gotcha. Well, okay. Thank you for the clarification. Yep. But um, that machine, uh, it, it was it was interesting. I, I had some Twitter feedback from some people uh, following uh, you know following our Twitter uh, Twitter account, uh, Ty Laurie and, and some others that just kind of hopped in the whole discussion on America's Most Haunted with Ben Heck, and it, it was it was just neat to see Ben talk about you know the, the programming for the machine, uh, talk about the design and the build quality, and then everything that Charlie's done on the manufacturing is just it, it's unreal. The, the 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 just the entire presentation of that machine is just top notch whitney i have this link uh this was just put out this week ben heck has actually put up a page it's like the making of america's most haunted oh really and it starts at the we need that in the show notes dude yeah. for sure yeah. yeah i'll give that to you for the show okay, notes thank you. Um, it starts with just basically a piece of wood on a rotisserie that that ben made that would make it easier to develop the white wood mm-hmm. and a couple uh, little things like out of foam core on the very top of it jigs or something i guess exactly yeah. and then the genesis of the game yeah uh, as it kind of it's a i haven't finished reading the whole thing myself it i'll it, look what forward I, to seeing it's that. a cool read but uh, i know i made this Sweet. comment several times on the live shows I, I i even said this to charlie um i didn't get as much time on america's most haunted as i was would like to it it is a the the game in my opinion just from a physical perspective if you're looking at buying the game uh-huh. uh charlie also announced you know here's a, here's one of my here's one of whitney and i do this all the time we constantly fork off and then eventually we circle <laughs> yeah. back on around yeah. but charlie announces <laughs> an hour later an hour later charlie announced there's only going to be 150 they're going to cap it at 150 that and, is correct and i can understand that you know the given the given the, that they want to move on to other projects so 
if you're looking for the game, get the game. Uh, you can read all the reviews out there, see all the play. Uh, I know uh, play videos. I know Nate's getting one over at Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. He talks about it. If if you're wondering what the game is like coming from being the first game from a small shop uh, <laughs> no in, need with, to worry. in Benton, Wisconsin. No need to worry. The game is built like – I've said this. This is the same words I've said over and over. It's built like a tank. It plays like a Ferrari. Yeah, and that's I, – I can add nothing else to that. You, you pretty much summed it up. So the easiest way to put a bow on that whole discussion is, is uh, Charlie and, and family – and Ben, you guys did good. You did a solid on on your first run out of the gate. It's uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So w- here shortly, we're going to have uh, a couple interviews that that came from Expo. One ex uh, one Expo interview right from the show floor that mm-hmm. we're, we're going to play first is uh, Andrew Highway of Highway Pinball. Yeah. So Andrew had a couple things going on. First of all, he had his full throttle game there. I got a couple games in on full throttle. And uh, uh, I did as well. It was fun, man. It's it's a wide body. When everyone thinks yeah. wide body, they think oh, it's slow, slow and lumbering. That this, this was anything but. This sucker flew. Yeah, it did. And, and I really wish I'd got more time on the game to kind of get in and understand the rules a little bit more. The short of it is, is it's like a motorcycle race type of a situation. Yep. It's a non licensed theme. Yep. Uh, uh, you get into the game to a point where once you started a race, like the antagonist of the game taunts you, you know, so not only do you have speed, you've got a lot going on in the play field. You've got a real kind of cool crisscross ramp. You've got some interesting shots. Yeah. But you've got the game basically goading you on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's impressive because the game's modular, as we find out from talking to talking to Andrew. Like I say, as you'll hear just here in a few minutes when we segue into that interview, the, the game is built upon a modular system and it ha- it's future proofed and it has upgradability and I will say more titles in mind. And so it's. Very interesting to me to see the fluid execution on a modular platform because in a lot of ways, Brent, when you when you talk about modularity, you also have to talk about compromise. Mm-hmm. And I did not get a feel for any compromise in the build, in the design, or in the execution of the theme in any way, shape, or form. So this was really a, a game of first for me in, in several ways. Yes, yes, it is pinball. Yes, it does have all it does have well a lot of the of the familiar mechanics. But it's done so in such a way that um, that it, it really, really uh, just speaks well for, for how it was designed. So uh, Andrew has some uh, some history in pinball. He He's from uh, the U.K., and I believe he was an operator for a long time, possibly a distributor. Um, you know, there's there's a, t- a ton of information out there. We need to have Andrew back on the show and get a little bit it more of his history. It would be a lot I've of heard, fun. I've heard bits and pieces of his history. Um the uh, the interview itself was kind of interesting. There's probably a portion in the audio where you can hear us all kind of laughing because Whitney and I are on a mobile rig. Yep. Uh, the same rig we use to do the the literal the live stream shows from the show floor. And there's three people, two microphones, and Whitney and I have known each other long enough. We're passing the mic around. We know when the next one's going to talk. So. In one second, Andrew could be talking. Whitney's mic is in my face. <laughs> then I say something. Then I take Andrew's mic and put it in Whitney's face. And then Whitney <laughs> takes his mic and puts it in Andrew's. And Andrew is trying to, you know, uh, 
deal with us yes. and talk about his product. Yeah, I think I think we were, and, but he didn't. Been, he really didn't kind of miss a beat. No, I, no, he took it in stride. I, I think it might have wigged him out a little bit up front, just just to see the, just to see, I guess the the, 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 the juggling of batons, the ballet of yeah. microphones. Yeah, exactly that we were doing, but it it all worked out well and. Uh, I got pretty animated in that interview because I got excited. Because I was excited about the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I think the honesty of the excitement and the um, I guess just everything that is his platform comes through in, in a very genuine way. Yep. Because you can tell that he really went back to the drawing board and addressed all the problems that he thought that pinball had with, with this platform, and it's it's very sweet as to how um, how it's executed on. So it's, it's a great interview. Really looking forward to presenting that. So aside from the modularity, one of the yep. uh, other things to, to talk about is it comes to the highway games, at least the highway game. And I assume the next game that we're going to talk about here in a second is going to have this as well. Uh, Andrew and his team, they integrate a display in the lower portion of the play field just above the flippers. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't interact with the ball. Uh, there's no DMD in the back glass. And That's I've heard right. a few folks talk about, you know, I look up to the head for score, but it's not. It's in front of me. Yeah. And to me, that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. It is different. You know, it's, it's, I, I drive a Chevrolet, but I get in a Ford and okay, where's the switch for the windshield wipers? Yeah. Okay. It, it's still pinball. The game plays great. I'm, I, I used to ride dirt bikes. I never competitively rode dirt bikes. It was a hobby type thing. Uh, dirt bikes don't do a lot for me. Cycle racing doesn't do it because you could, you could, you. Could, I think there was a dirt bike mode and there was like a a a street bike t- type of mode. You could start different types of races depending on which mode you started. Yeah, I've never had a street bike, so I don't have a tie to the game. The theme doesn't necessarily per se matter to me. Uh-huh. But I've I enjoyed the game. The game yes. was exciting. The game was fast. Yes, they you know they they're on this wide body platform. Andrew will talk about it. Uh, they can or cannot, depending on the game, what it calls for, use those extra couple inches to the side. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're not doing it justice. We'll, yeah, you we'll, just need to hear it. We'll, we'll let Andrew talk yeah, about it. So d- definitely, definitely. And speaking of, uh, you know, what what he's going to talk about, they had uh, a pretty key announcement at Expo. Game two is going to be a licensed theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have finally gotten, or someone, and it was Andrew, has finally gotten a hold of the theme, the license for Alien. Mm-hmm. Alien slash Aliens, the movie. Yes. And it's going to be a Dennis Nordman game. I know. And there was there was a lot of fanfare around that announcement. I, I literally saw Twitter uh, light up during that during that expo panel with people going, Alien Pinball. And, and it was... It was neat to see that resonate so well, even with just, uh, even with just, the, the, you know, I guess the, the internet, so to speak, Brent. It was, um, it, it was neat. If you Very think neat. about it, Nordman, Dennis Nordman's come out of this expo with two major announcements. Yes. Uh, Wonelli, yep. pr- going into production, uh-huh. and, and Alien yes. on on Andrew Highway Highway Pinball's platform. Yes. So, um, busy guy. You know, I we'll let we'll let you know the the listener look at at andrew's site at, at highway pinball site and listen to the interview but uh the i will say real quick the alien uh play field is swappable into the the highway platform so you could buy as i understand it you could buy um full throttle today and they haven't gotten uh-huh. into pricing but you can get the alien kit and put in it you can buy alien you could buy uh from what i understand full throttle uh i've heard a recent interview with with andrew on pinheads 
uh, you can buy full throttle after the fact and put it in the cabinet. Yeah. The, the pricing is, is really nice in my opinion. Yeah. So, you know, it, it will, we'll run the, the interview here momentarily yeah. and, you know, just. Andrew, Andrew walks through all that, and I think what's impressive is the the realization of the value of the platform comes through. So, uh, right down kind of the row from from Andrew and, and the Highway Pinball Crew was Multimorphic and Jerry Stellenberg. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had an opportunity to have a, a couple conversations with Jerry. Jerry's a uh, like Andrew. Jerry's a a great guy. He's got a great vision. Uh, he's got a great passion for pinball and a very unique execution. Dude. Oh, he's got it. I'll give it that, man. It's it's awesome. You know, I'll go back to my analogy um, uh, earlier about um, you know you might drive a Chevy, but you can get into a Ford and you can still drive it. Just got to figure out what the switches are. Yep. But it's all it's all driving. It's all yeah. pinball. It's, and his yeah. execution is is pretty cool. You know, and I, I, we could spend another hour. Talking about multimorphic but we, and the P3 we, platform. We let the interview we're going to let justice. Jerry do it now. Yeah, here's something I do want to throw in for both uh, for both Jerry and Andrew's interview, which which we'll have coming up here in a second. In my opinion, it's not as much of an interview as it is exploring what these folks bring to the table. It's exploring their product line with Jerry. Uh, we talk quite a bit about. The uh, the the P Rock platform that Jerry uh, Jerry's company Multimorphic also produces the P three board that uh, that he produces and then the P three platform that runs the Lexi Lightspeed game. So to me, it actually become quite a bit of an education to talk to these folks and in one fell swoop understand what they're offering, what their vision is, what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. And then that leaves me to be able to take take from that what I want. Yeah. So we were we were very fortunate to get time from both of these guys. And so uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and run these interviews. So number one, Brent, is you and I uh, just geeking out tremendously with Andrew Highway. And, and we were on the show floor at Pinball Expo when that was recorded. And then we'll uh, roll from that into the second interview with, uh, with uh, Jerry Stellenberg. And that's one that you did on your own, Brent, over Skype uh, a little bit later after Expo closed. And just to just kind of set the stage for both of those. And uh, and with that, why don't we let the guys talk about their wares? To be the best, you must be prepared to go full throttle. The Broken Token Podcast would like to welcome a very special guest, Andrew Highway of Highway Pinball. We're out at the uh, 2014 Pinball Expo in Chicago, and and Andrew uh, has a spectacular game. I know Whitney's had a little time on the game. I just got done playing. It's so fast and it's fun and it sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very oh, much. It's excellent. It, it's excellent. So you guys have traveled pretty far and pretty wide. I know to be here at Pinball Expo. I mean, has how's the show been for you guys? Is it something that you'll you know come back to year after year? I mean, there's so much electricity going on here how, you know how have you guys been received well well first of all i want to say thank you very much for having me it's a really an honor to be on your honor, podcast uh, trust me the honor is ours so and well i mean to, we had a rocky road getting here because we sent our game over here last week and we yes. were supposed to have it delivered on thursday morning okay and it didn't arrive until 50 minutes before the show opened so it was like all hands to the pumps to get it set up in time here in the states andrew that's plenty of time <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to think that we're last minute but sometimes we are uh, we're, we're rushed and that's not a good thing so sent 
over from where? Uh, over from South Wales, Merthyr Tidville in South Wales. So it went by air freight, came over here, was held in Chicago a few days. And, My uh, goodness. Yeah, then we got it on Thursday afternoon. Well, the games are up. They're playing wonderful. So you guys, you guys knocked it out of the park. I will say that. Well, thank you very much. And I have to say, uh, we've had amazing response to our game here uh, i mean because it's a real honor for me to be here in chicago it's my third year here at expo but okay. it's our first year having the game here i see and uh, you know for me it's always a pilgrimage coming here because you know even though we're making pinball machines in the uk i i'm a purist at heart and i know chicago is the home of pinball so i get to see here i get to to talk to all my friends in the industry designers who are working for me people we may work with in the future it's, it's just it's amazing to be here and even two dudes with a microphone you oh, know? absolutely it's it's just wonderful <laughs> i love it here and um but we've had such a warm welcome here because i think people acknowledge that we've done things a lot differently to yes. a lot of guys here because we have our all it's all our own systems the hardware the software the mechanisms we started from scratch with everything and what do you think from scratch with everything so absolutely. so how about Give us a rundown on, on the game that you've brought, just okay. from top to bottom, for folks that haven't seen it. I'm sure, is there some pictures out online right now? Absolutely, for, yep. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I took some pictures as well, Brent. I've got some video too. So give us a rundown on the game, uh, the, the theme, what you're going for, and what kind of what innovations you've got into the game. Well, I think maybe some of your listeners might recall about two and a half years ago, we announced that we were doing a game called Circe's Animal House, which was based on a Greek myth mythological theme. And we put this game together, we had the Whitewood, and it became clear really that it wasn't universal enough of a theme for our first game. So we knew we had to change it, so the question was, what were we going to change it now, to? Now, was that something near and dear to you, that the theme or the kind of the concept, well, or is that something maybe a little bit more popular yeah, I'm in your whole country? Yeah, I'm kind of curious how that theme was chosen and then shelved in favor of the theme that we're getting ready to talk about here in just a second. Well, our chief designer is a guy called Dave Sanders, who really cut his teeth in the virtual pinball world, and he designed something like 80-odd tables over the years. And this was always a table that he wanted to build in real life. Okay. We went, we went down this room. We thought it would be quite funky, you know, to have Greek mythology. There's a lot you can do. Um, but ultimately, you know, we thought... We'll do this later on in the day. It's not the right theme for the first game because it has to be universally understandable with countries with different languages. So we knew we, knew yeah. we had to change it. And we thought, well, what do we change it to? But the one thing is that became clear is the Whitewood played amazing out of the box. Dave Sanders, he's like a, a genius with shot geometry. And the thing just played so well and so fast. We thought, hmm, okay, a fast theme. What could be good for that? So we thought, well, motor racing or bike racing. But there's been quite a few motor racing and car theme games recently. Very yeah. little with regards to bike racing. So we thought, okay, let's do this. It's something, you know, it's something fresh. So that's really how the whole thing born about. And so we thought for the first game, we'll go down the unlicensed route because, you know, we have control over the IP, the yep. artwork and everything. Yep. And, you know, that in itself causes you some problems as well. Because if you're dealing with a license, everybody already knows what the artwork is. But if you're doing something new, then either people will love it or hate it. I mean, something like this is always very subjective anyway. But it became clear with our first run of artwork that generally people didn't like it so much. And so we decided to change and we brought in other people. We brought in Doug Watson, famous, obviously world famous artist in pinball. We also brought in Jack Hager as well, who's had a huge career in Bally Williams doing video games and some pinballs as well. So we worked with some of the top names in the industry and we came up with two artwork packages, which everybody really seems to like now. 
Well, I, I will say this. The game, well, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The game does look good. So you guys have definitely hit the mark. I mean, what, what's your schedule look like now for production, and, and how is the game coming along? Well, I mean, we're nearly there with the game now. You know, we've still got a few things to develop on the game. For example, the cabinet this is in at the moment is um, basically a Mark I prototype, and we have a Mark III at the moment in production, or as in being prototyped at the moment. But that, we believe, will be our finished version. And although your listeners can't see it now, uh, we actually have a banner here which shows the latest design. So, you know, we, are, we have parts arriving all the time. The thing is, when you're developing a pinball machine, especially from scratch, it's a very fluid process. You know, things, new parts arriving all the time. Yeah, we get parts made from America, from China, from South Wales. So we have new bits coming in all the time. But, you know, what you see here now is really the result two and a half weeks, two and a half years even, sorry, not two and a half weeks of hard labor. That, that's on the accelerator program, isn't it? <laughs> that's a highly accelerated, a full throttle program, you could almost full say. Full throttle, that's so right. I had, to, I had to slip that in. <laughs> <laughs> so the cabinet that's here, and, uh, and I have not, honestly, uh, Andrew, taken a look at this banner to the left uh, okay. just as of yet. Uh, the cabinet that's here, the first thing that leaps out at me is it, it's got lit side art. I mean, Absolutely. it's unbelievably attractive. It catches the eye. No, it's so does it that is. It's, it's awesome. Does that carry through into the Mark III? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is one of the key things that I wanted to have on our pinball games because, I mean, at heart, I'm a pinball purist, and I remember the good times of pinball. And the, the 90s was a very special time for me, as it was for, for many of us. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when pinball became non-mainstream again, you know, this is why I decided to start my own pinball company, because I felt, because I'd been an operator before, I'd been a distributor, a pair, a storer, a competitive pinball player, I've done it all in pinball. Uh, as far as you know, cutting my teeth in this industry, and from talking to a lot of operators, you know, I came up with ideas that could really bring pinball back into the market again. One of those ideas, and I'm sure we'll talk about a few of the other ideas in a minute, like the modularity of our games. Yeah. But for me, you know, a pinball machine needs to stand out in a pub, and pubs and and bars are dark, uh, you know, by nature. So you know, if you've got a, a pinball machine in the other corner there and it's dark, you can't see it. But with ours, with the lit panels, people can see it wherever they are in the bar. So this is the idea behind that. So real quick, before we get into the uh, the interesting uh, technology that's into the game itself, into the play field, another thing I'm noticing about the cabinet uh, on closer inspection now that I've had a little opportunity to get close to it, it's not. It, it, is it wooden? I mean, I, I, it it almost looks like it's plastic. What it or is, is it coated? What it is, is at the moment it's a coated MDF, but this yeah. is because it's on a prototype. Okay. Uh, we will have, on our final version, we will have uh, foil-wrapped, here's some bit of technology for you, we have some foil-wrapped MDF outer shell panels, which we can do in many different finishes. The carcass of the game will be in ply, as is traditionally on a pinball machine. So you have that structural rigidity, it's easy to screw things in and out of it. It doesn't warp with moisture or anything like that. So, you know, we are using a number of different materials, and of course we have all the metal trim on the game as well, which will either be metal or powder coat to finishes. So you've, you've got, uh, I guess everyone would, would deem it like the classic wooden cabinet yes. feel, but yet you've combined some modern technology with it. You'd mentioned that it's water resistant. Yep. And it, it, from the looks of this cabinet, from what you're describing, I'm, assur I'm assuming the durability just goes through the roof. Absolutely. These things have to be durable. You know, we're trying to make pinball mainstream again. That was my core philosophy with, with this. So to do that, these things have to be commercially viable products. They have to be able to survive. You know, not every 
uh, not every location is dry and warm. You know, you're going to have some locations which are really cold. You're going to have some locations where there's moisture there, you know, seaside resorts. You know, you have salty, cold air, you know, salty, cold, wet air. And that's can the I, worst can thing I volunteer for a to do play, Can I volunteer for play testing at the seaside resorts? Yeah. Can I volunteer for the play testing at Absolutely. seaside? Absolutely. Okay, you're you're right, right at the top of my list. All right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> So we're finally at the top of a list, Brandon. It's awesome. <laughs> so Whitney, you played the game a little bit. Yeah. Let's, let's get into the play field and how the game plays. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I played two games on it. Okay. And the thing that stood out to me is I would have to take a step back, take in the entire play field, and hope to goodness I could see where the ball was going to come from <laughs> next. That thing would get my heart bumping because it as – with the double with with the crossover ramps, mm -hmm. as I would shoot the ball up around the orbit, it'd be caught and then bam, it would just come right back out. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, where's this thing coming from? It's a stream it's an extremely fast game. Now let me ask you, I'm sure that's by design. I'm sure there's a little bit of like, hey, I'm glad that worked out that way. <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious of what we see on the play field. How is is this 100 percent Andrew Highway's mental image that come through on this game or well how, how, how did it get to be the way that it is well the thing is because of um you know where we were with the first game Cersei's Animal House and the Whitewood and it played quick yeah. that lent itself to the theme but because we've been redesigning all of this you know circuitry and a lot of the mechanics of the game from scratch you know we try to be as efficient as possible we've probably gone over the edge because these flippers are turbocharged and I'm sure you've seen them and that they, ball they, I mean they are strong it rockets it right back up to the top of the play field as yeah. we all know you know what Harry Williams said the ball is wild well I mean you know nothing could be <laughs> nothing truer than what's on this game because the, the ball is flying around so quick it is and I've seen top tournament players play our game over the last couple of days and seen them stand there looking down not even moving as the ball has drained down the middle yeah. there yep. because it's gone so fast yeah and I think a lot of people have said to us it's wow it's so challenging because yes. it's not doing what you would normally expect it's ultra quick well it it was one of those scenarios where my eyes were constantly scanning the entire play field and I almost got the feel where it's like I would really like a beer sitting right next to me because I was getting a little worn out and just watching it. <laughs> but, and, in a, but in a good way. But, but in a good way because it's like, oh, and, and then just watching how everything was coming together. You guys have got a very fun game on your hands, I will say that. Well, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, you said we've great. had amazing feedback since we've got here. And it's, it's, really, well, it's, it's, it's well deserved. So talk to us a little bit about the uh, uh, LCD that's integrated into the play field. How does that play? I, unfortunately, I have not had an opportunity to play the game yet. I know Whitney's had, and I, I've ever, I keep getting bumped out of line for other other duties. <laughs> you got a strong arm, I'm, Brian. I'm going to have to well, get we'll in make there. Sure. We'll get you to the front of the queue okay. again tonight. <laughs> so talk with us a little, uh, a little bit. Discuss the, the LCD, how it LCD. plays into the game, and then you mentioned modularity earlier. Absolutely. Well, basically, you know, this all comes from redesigning pinball from the ground up. I mean, I'm sure a lot of uh, some of your listeners have, you know, followed our progress over the last couple of years and, and asked themselves, well, why is it taking so long to get it to the market? Well, it's because we have redesigned so much there to try to make this a modern game, something, a modern product, which can be enjoyed not only by, you know, coin or people out on sites, but also collectors too. And one of those reasons is, is that I've been a pinball player and I played in tournaments and, you know, for me, my attention is always down in the flipper area because, you know, this ball is flying around and you've got yes. to watch where the flippers are or you're going to lose the ball and it always seemed to be rather strange that people had to look up yes. and say to well I off the, the ball score. to see these amazing animations that are on most yes. pinball machines so for me it was a natural progression to have it in the playfield surface because you know, if you're not looking at it directly you can often see a lot of stuff peripherally as well so and that's how we went down the route as far as the LCD goes and now one of our key philosophies with this is modularity because for us 
an operator, for an operator, this needs to be a profitable machine. Because, you know, when this, in the 90s, when there were pinball machines everywhere, these things were cash cows. They were making loads and loads of money. But if the game is unreliable or hard to service, uh, or you've got other machines there which are much easier to maintain, you know, pinball died a death for a reason on sites. And so we've redesigned it from the ground up. And there's a couple of major uh, things that we put into our machines. One of them is modularity. Now, we know that there's a lot of people out there who love playing pinball, but maybe they're not as technically minded. So what we wanted is if something went wrong on one of our games, they could change the mechanisms, the major mechanisms, very easily. So all our major mechanisms, our flipper mechanisms, our pop bumpers, our slingshot mechanisms, these can be changed in under a minute by someone who only needs to use our, a screwdriver. They that's, simply... That's absolutely amazing. I, I've got a, a Williams machine at home right now, and I am resisting pulling <laughs> the pops out of it because I know it's going to be an all-day task to pull all well, of them out. Yeah, they're often they're stapled in there and wired in and absolutely. it's a nightmare to get rid of them. So And also you know, flipper mechanisms. I've worked on flipper mechanisms in bars before where you know it's not it's dark, you can't see anything. Take you 15-20 minutes to rebuild a flipper mechanism. So for us, you go along, you unscrew four screws, unplug a connector, the whole flipper mechanism drops out. There's a footprint in the playfield for the whole flipper to come out through and then you replace it and your game's up and running again in under a minute and you had no technical experience to do it. And it's we've also got this ethos with all of our circuitry and everything too so we have standardization on our games and the modularity doesn't stop there because we actually have a game change system with our games too so when somebody buys a cabinet off us with a game then they can actually buy an upgrade and as in the next game and actually swap over inside the existing cabinets so basically the playfield only has two connectors and you just unplug it you take the playfield out change the side art the back art USB stick under 10 minutes, you've got a brand new game installed in your game, and you've done it for almost half the price. Yeah, for everybody who's listening, Whitney is standing here shaking his head, looking at Brent, going, Eureka, this <laughs> this is a owner's, collector's, operator's dream, is what this sounds like. So that, that's that's fantastic. One thing that I wanted to ask you about, though, and it's it's something that you, you call on a fairly high mark on you know on, on your marquees and everything is the internet connectivity of the yes. machine. Can you speak to just what that enables for you and why that differentiates highway from the other pinball manufacturers? Well at the moment we're doing all of our updates via Wi-Fi. So we're not going in and out, sticking in USB sticks, taking them out again. Everything has been done by Wi-Fi. But eventually we're working on systems where we're gonna have connectivity with the internet for a whole other host of re uh, reasons as well. We're gonna be having Facebook connectivity, we'll have Twitter connectivity. Uh, basically, seriously, you can tweet your score after you finish the game. Absolutely. Well, no. Brent, I, Brent I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm canceling the Twitter account today. I, I want one of these, Brent. I want it. So, well, another thing as well, just to, just to follow on from what you said, uh, as a player, you'll be able to eventually go online, set up a profile, put your photo there, pay for some credits by WorldPay, PayPal, something like that. Then you'll walk up to one of our games, and on your smartphone, there'll I'll be a... I love where this is going. <laughs> you'll have like a QR code or a barcode. You'll shine it up towards the webcam, and then it will say, hey, welcome, guys. You know, uh, you've got some credits. You want to use them? So then you play your game. When you finish your game, your score will automatically be updated to high score tables around the world, and also up to Facebook and Twitter. So there'll be a real social interactivity. Now, let me ask you, I mean, this, this sounds fantastic, and I think it's something that's been long overdue in pinball. Will this also support group and league play as well? Absolutely. Will, okay. Fantastic. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, Andrew, let me ask, what is the, uh, what's the base price to get you into the initial cabinet? And okay. I, I assume it comes with, with the first game? Absolutely. Well, to buy a full throttle standard edition at the moment, it's $6,000 plus shipping. 
And basically what that means is shipping from the US. So we actually, you don't have to pay for shipping from South Wales. We ship it over to the States and basically distribute it from a warehouse either in Chicago or Florida. So $6,000 shipping. shipping within the USA. And, and if we're if you're close to Chicago or whatever city, we're, 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 we're in Florida, just pick it up. Yep. And then do you have a, a projection on, on the... On the game in terms of game pricing down the road or is, is that a little too variable it depends on the play field well the price roughly speaking for a limited edition because we do do limited edition games too however um, i'm a firm believer that you shouldn't have different game variants that are different games inherently you know when you walk up to play a full throttle whether it's a limited or standard edition it plays the same it's got the same software it's got the same hardware but you know there's a lot of collectors out there where you know limited edition games are true to their heart you know they're bits of furniture they look great in their rooms they love the exclusivity yep. so you know we have different cabinet finishes we have shaker motors we have toppers for certain games uh, i'm not sure did you guys hear what our second game is by the way i just don't know i'm not sure we spoke about that we did no, an announcement uh, yesterday, and I'd love to. This is probably a um, this is a, a exclusive, web, yeah, web chat exclusive. Anyway, web <laughs> chat. We did announce it yesterday, but I'm really pleased to announce to your listeners that um, our second game, uh, which is designed by industry legend Dennis Nordman, is Alien Pinball, and this yes. is based on the movie. So this is based on the first two movies, Alien and Aliens. So, uh, th that's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, it, it, it will be phenomenal. So, keeping in that same theme. So full throttle will be able to carry over. You'll be able to do some work and then and then just roll it right on forward with future games. That's that's Absolutely. amazing. Yeah, all of our games are interchangeable into into cabinets. So you know the game upgrades. You just you know you buy it. You can it comes in its own crate. You can store it underneath the game and you know and then take it out when you have friends around to swap it over in ten minutes. That's that's great. Well, Whitney. Um I think what we're going to have to do now is maybe uh, cut Andrew a little short so I can play this game. Yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's come that time. I want to go back and play it again. Uh, what I will say is that you've given us and our listeners an education in the, the modernization of pinball. And I, I think that a lot of what you're doing should be very well received. So I would say keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And it's a real pleasure to talk to you guys and your listeners today. Well, th thank you for taking the time. I, I'm sure that I speak for everybody saying this has been a treat. Thank you very much, guys. Uh -huh. Yes, thank, thank you, Andrew. The Broken Token Podcast would like to welcome Jerry Stellenberg of Multimorphic. How you doing, Jerry? I'm doing great, Brent. Thanks for having me. Jerry and I tried to catch up at uh, Pinball Expo in Chicago this year, uh, 2014, and uh, we weren't able to make it. And Jerry was very, very apologetic, but he had a very good reason. Why don't you tell everybody what, what happened when we were supposed to get together for an interview? Well, um, so we had scheduled a time to talk, and literally 15 minutes before our time to talk, Larry DeMar and Brian Eddy came by to play the P3 machine. And Larry DeMar, who, if you don't know, he was one of the 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 big wigs who was a big part of pinball 2000 development he uh he loved the machine so it, it it was impossible for me to to leave him while he was enjoying the machine uh, and jerry you were you were very apologetic and i and again i'll tell you man i i absolutely understand they uh they looked like they were having a good time playing the machine so they they were, they were deep into it very involved 
Well, you know, and I appreciate your patience with it. I, I, I'm not typically the type of guy who likes to blow people off. That's a big pet peeve of mine when people do it to me. So I, I, I am still sorry about it, but I appreciate your uh, your acceptance of that. Oh, well, not a problem. So let me bring everybody up to speed uh, as to what you do, Jerry, and what Multimorphic does. And uh, wherever I screw up, you stop me along the way, okay? And okay. You, you correct it, you fix it. Okay. So you're uh, kind of your should I say flagship product has been the P-Rock pinball controller? Is that yeah. is that a fair statement? That is correct. We started it in 2009. We came out with the first design for that. Okay, so why don't you give the listeners a quick rundown as to, as to what the P-Rock does, what they can do with it. Sure. So uh, the P-Rock is, is just a little circuit board that it looks very similar to the CPU board in a Williams machine, a, a WPC or WPC95 machine. And it actually can replace the CPU board in those machines, and it can interface that pinball machine to a computer. And, and the purpose of doing that is so people can write custom software for those pinball machines. They can literally pull out the CPU board, put in a PROC, connect a computer to the PROC, and write and run brand new game software for those machines. Um, and, and we came out with mounting plates so that that same exact PCB, the P-Rock board, can work in those WPC machines and also in Stern machines, Stern White Star and Stern uh, SAM machines, the last two generations of Sterns. So for the, for the most part, um, if I wanted to, you know, I've got uh, a Stern machine behind me and I've got a WPC and a WPC95 machine behind me. If I decided I wanted to rewrite the rules for, say, my Dirty Harry... I could take a P-Rock, uh, replace the CPU board, find myself uh, um, an inexpensive computer to run down in the body, and I could redesign the game. How- that's, that's right. And, and when we say computer, most people think, you know, big desktop or, or server computer. Where, I mean, it could be anything. It could be a little Raspberry Pi board, a little 20 or $30 computer with a, a USB master on it. Gotcha. So uh, to expand even upon that, the, the P-Rock is being used, and correct me if I'm wrong, in a, in a lot of the new machines that have been announced as of late. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Some of them have announced publicly they're using the P-Rock, and some of them are still, uh, they, they don't want us talking about them yet. But um, yes, so we've had the P-Rock out for five years now, and over the last three or four years, it's become uh, really the only a valid option, the only real option people who are designing new machines can go for an off-the-shelf controller system for a new machine uh, was actually Dutch Pinball, who just came out with uh, the, the Big Lebowski. They designed the P-Rock into their Bride of Pinbot project, uh, I think it was three years ago. So the Bride of Pinbot 2 yeah, kit. For our listeners, that, that kit has, uh, it's, it, it puts extended game rules into Bride of Pinbot and a DMD, correct? That's right. Okay. I think they even just put a color LCD in there too. Oh, okay. As an right. option. But yes, that so that was the first I guess public project that started or that people sold with a P-Rock board in it. Now there are machines like, you know, the Predator. The Predator machine is built around the P-Rock in our control boards or our driver board systems. So in effect, you know, for folks out there listening, if if you want to uh retheme a machine, um 
if you want to change the rule sets, design your own rule sets for an existing machine, or if you want to build a machine from the ground up, the, the P-Rock can act as the heart of that box. That's right. You don't need to be an electronics expert to build it build or retheme a pinball machine. And in fact, uh, over the last two expos, we started this two years ago, we did it again this year, we hosted a lot of our customer projects in our booth at Expo. So last year we had, I believe it was 10 different customer pinball machines that were rethemed or custom machines, including you know, the Matrix. The Matrix that was at Expo last year was a P-Rock conversion of, I believe, a Johnny Mnemonic. There were uh, uh, nine other machines that were based around the P-Rock. And then again this year we did the same thing. So Wrath of Olympus and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and some other ones are all custom projects built around the P-Rock. See, Jerry, now this is, you may be adding workload to me. You know, I, I've got enough projects, but <laughs> I, I will admit that there is a there is a, a title that I would kind of like to see. And I've kind of uh, had a few ideas. and. You know what's going to happen now, Jerry. I, I'm going to have just out of luck, you know, a uh, probably a, a worn out WPC game or something fall in my lap that mm-hmm. is just begging to have something done with it. But you know, that aside, that aside. So okay, uh, let's hit one more thing, and then I know where I want us to go. What I want us to talk about. Uh, let's hit the P3 Rock real quick, just to let folks know what that's all about uh, and what they can do with that. Sure. So the the P-Rock was our first controller board, and like we said, we built it for backwards compatibility with all those existing machines. And then we built a, a set of driver boards that work that can work with the P-Rock. Um, but the P-Rock itself isn't a great choice for a brand new custom machine because it's got all of those extra connectors for backwards compatibility and some extra functions that people might not need on a custom machine. And there were some other features that we wanted to build into the control system that weren't on the P-Rock. So we designed a second-generation controller board. We call it the P3-Rock. And it's got fewer fewer switch headers for connecting to things like switch matrix, but it's got more features for doing um, things like digital-based leveling. It's got an accelerometer on there so people can you know, figure out the level of their machine just like you would with a, a mobile phone or something. Or you can detect tilts and vibrations with the board itself rather than having to have a plumb bob or something. Um, and then there's some other features, some digital buses that weren't available on the P-Rock and some other things people can use when they're designing their system. So what do you find for for folks that, that may be interested in using either a P-Rock or a P3-Rock, what do you find um, tends to be the most common language that people will write in to interface their little computer, whether it be a Raspberry Pi or whatever, to, to, to a P-Rock? Good P-Rock. question, because, um, yeah, people, people, I mean, technically people can do it in any language they want. The P-Rock, we, we released an open source low-level library that's written in C that people that are, you know, proficient in software development can connect to connect their code, write code in any language they want and connect to that driver. But then we, on top of that, we went and built a Python pinball framework. And when I say we, it was me and a, a software developer in Atlanta, Georgia, named uh, Adam Preble. And he just liked our project, liked the P-Rock, and wanted to get involved. He helped us build this framework. And so this is a complete pinball development framework where it's got built-in modes for controlling DMDs and for 
you know, for handling ball troughs and cycling through the balls being launched and draining and, and handling all the management stuff. All that work is done for you. You can take this Python framework and add just your game rules to it. So we took care of, what I like to say is we took care of all the boring stuff, all the, uh, the logistical stuff, and we let you do all the fun stuff. And, and uh, you know, I'll mention for folks that are listening out there, if you're like, okay, well, what is Python? And I haven't, I've never written code or haven't written code in years. I have dabbled a little bit personally in Python, uh, and I'm not going to claim to be able to write code anywhere near the level of what what Jerry has or in any of his folks on his team. But, you know, Jerry and I had, we, we talked about this a little, uh, little bit before the recording, Jerry, about some of the uh, uh, the function calls that, that, that can be made just to control a lamp. You know, it's right. all pretty it's all pretty straightforward. Um, so, you know, I would encourage anybody that's out there listening, you know, check the board out. Even if it's, I think, you know, Jerry, I'm thinking I'd like to have one just to experiment. I don't know if I would actually even use it for a, a pinball machine, but uh, th- that's just me. So I, c- I could see tinkering with it. And, you know, I would encourage everyone to, to, to check it out. I hear you've got very active forums on, on your site for, for support and help. Yeah, actually, um, I mean, it's fortunate for me that our community of customers has, I mean, that they participate a lot in the support for other people. Everyone in the pinball community is always excited about all these new projects that come out. So when someone, when someone goes on the forum and says, I want to build a, a machine, you've got a community of people who support them and, and are interested in helping. So over the years, we've built this community of people who, I mean, they share code with each other. They give people ideas for what to do on their play fields. They, they uh, tell each other how to solve problems. And anyone who has any issues just gets on there and, and finds the help they need. And for me, that's great because it, it takes a lot of the support load off of, off of me, the board supplier. So do you have, uh, Jerry, do you have a kind of a kickstart guide or something? Or is there a, a formal set of documents that has all the procedure calls or maybe some just some basic stuff to get somebody started? Or is that do we look to the forums for that? Well, yeah, it's a common question, and it's, and it's a good question. We should have, or I wish we did have, a complete set of here's how you do all of the basic things you need to do. Um, when we started with this Python framework, which is called PyProc Game, uh, P-Y-P-R-O-C-G-A-M-E, PyProc Game, we developed the documentation for all of the basic features that it has, um, and, and that's available on pyprocgame.pindev.org. You can go there and read the read the how-to manuals and, and understand all the low-level features. But over the last year or two, with community support, we've continued to expand the feature set of the framework, and unfortunately, the documentation hasn't totally kept up. Um, which is why you would start jumping on the forums to get that additional help. Yeah, I think that's an awesome resource. Um, I, I find a lot in uh, kind of uh, niche products or crowdsource products where the product is stellar, but there's usually a huge gap with uh, documentation. And, uh, you know, it, you've already got several years running uh, of a community, uh, a close-knit community for support and for help. And it sounds, you know, everyone that I've met that, that has worked with, with the platform has been just unbelievable to speak with. So uh, I, I can imagine it, 
I'm talking myself in and out of it, Jerry, as we're having this interview here uh, as to what I'm going to get into. So, all right, speaking of getting into something, let's let's kind of jump into uh, where how you and I met at Expo. Uh, you were actually there to, to really show off, and that was the P3 platform. And correct me if I'm wrong, that is based on a P3 rock board. Okay. And just jump into the P3 platform, Jerry, and and kind of explain what that is, what it's all about, and where you're going with it. Yeah, sure. Big question. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll pare it down as we get into it. So so when we when I started with the P Rock, I wanted to give people a way to customize their machines to, you know, to breathe new life in their old machines. And then I started thinking, if we were building a pinball machine today in today's you know economy with today's technology and competing with today's electronic consumer electronic devices what would it need to be and so we wanted to build a machine that was still physical pinball because that's why we all play pinball because it's this physical experience with the real ball and real flippers and and you know real ramps and loops and targets and things but in order to put out a new kind of product today, it needs to compete with other electronic devices that are all multi-app capable. You know, your cell phone, for instance, can run any number of apps. Your computers can, your tablet computers. Um, your Playstations, your Nintendos at home, they're all multi-app capable. Because in today's world, you just want to pay for that device once and then you want to be able to add games to it and enjoy a lot of different experiences or programs, different experiences by adding those, those applications to it. So we came out with this concept for a multi-game pinball platform that's still physical pinball. It still has real flippers and balls and you know targets, ramps, loops, magnets, all that stuff. But it integrates modern technology. So it integrates what we call dynamic and interactive graphics because part of the playfield surface, the, uh, the part that on most games is, is right in front of the flippers, it's a traditionally painted piece of wood with blinking insert ramps. We, uh, we took that and we made it in. Actually, it's a touchscreen LCD monitor. So the ball, as it rolls over this lower portion of the playfield, is rolling over dynamic graphics and, in fact, interacting with those graphics, just like your finger would interact with graphics on a touchscreen uh, tablet or, or cell phone. So the first yeah. thing, the first thing that I asked you, or one of the first things I asked you, was, what do you use? You know, the first, what do you use to cover the monitor? Because we all know about ballware on uh, on a wooden wood slash painted playfield. So. Uh, I want folks to realize that that this isn't just a conventional touchscreen face up. You've got you're you're deeper than that. You've got more involved. Well, yeah, we had to, right? First yeah. of all, you don't want a you don't want a you don't want a one pound steel ball rolling over or rolling on an LCD monitor that would that would destroy it instantly. So when I said it's a touchscreen LCD, it's we don't go to the store and buy a touchscreen LCD monitor and stick it in there. What we go and buy is an LCD monitor. And over top of that, we put a piece of, of very durable plastic. It's a piece of polycarbonate plastic. And on top of that, we have an array of infrared light circuits that go over the top of 
that piece of plastic so when the ball's rolling across it, it breaks beams of light and we use the broken beams to figure out exactly where the ball is over top of the display. So I noticed that in one of the game, one of the portions of the game that I was playing, which was, and we'll get into this, the specifics of the games in a second, but uh, you, you had Lexi Lightspeed Galaxy Girl running at Expo. And uh, to kind of, I hesitate to say showcase because showcase makes it sound like a demo. And it wasn't a demo. It was an actual mode in the game, but it was a perfect way to show that functionality. Um I got to a point in the game where I entered a warehouse and then that changed the monitor uh, to that to that quote unquote play field, I guess is, is what I, my term would be. And one of the things that I had to do, one of the objectives was uh, break open crates. So there was there was very nice graphics of crates throughout the warehouse floor. And as the ball rolled through them, they would explode and then I could I could pick things up. Um, there, there's where you were tracking the ball. Uh, and there's where I was interacting with that that monitor, and uh, um, it just just making use of that 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 open space uh, that you would normally find on a on a on a conventional machine. Well, right, that, and that's kind of our point. On a traditional machine, the ball, when the ball's rolling over that that piece of wood in the lower half of the play field, um, what is it doing? And the answer is it's rolling over a piece of wood. It's not doing anything. It's rolling towards targets that it can hit. Um, so there's a lot of untapped potential there that we fill with the LCD. Now, I mean, I want to be clear. We're not replacing the physical pinball experience with a virtual experience. We still have all the physical stuff. What we've done is taken that that dead space, that that time where the ball's just rolling over essentially nothing, and we've created virtual experiences there to enhance the physical experience. So speaking of the physical experience, um, let's, let's, unless we need to hit something else lower, uh, and I want to circle back to the, speaking of lower, I, do, I will circle back to the flippers and um, the slingshots, but let's talk a little bit about the, the top of the play field, the top third, and mm-hmm. how that kind of plays into, hey, I've got this platform, i.e. like your cell phone and I want to install these multiple apps i.e. the game that interacts on the with with the play field the LCD and what are the modules for the for the top third so let's let's get into that a little bit talk a little talk a little bit about that for us Jerry okay so yes if we just changed the graphics and the virtual interactions on the lower portion of the playfield that would be interesting but pinball's all about physical and taking this ball and batting it around the playfield and having it interact with physical stuff so the upper portion of our machine it's it's the upper third which is about the same space where 90% of your traditional games have all of their physical uh, toys and ramps and loops and targets and things and we took that portion of the play field and literally changed it into a swappable module. So this game that you saw at Expo, Lexi Lightspeed Galaxy Girl, has an upper play field module that was designed by Dennis Nordman, who, you know, he's popular for Pirates of the Caribbean and, and a bunch of other games. Um, I think he's got 20 or 25 games to his name. Anyway, we, we brought him out. He came up with the Lexi Lightspeed concept and he designed the the early versions of our upper playfield, 
and it's got two rams it's got a it has an eight ball physical ball lock it's got some very interesting physical toys up there but because it's a module we can literally lift that module out of the machine and replace it with any kind of module for another game so to change the machine into a totally different game we can change out that physical module and we can re reboot the software and when it comes up it will change dynamically all of the stuff that was on the LCD so the entire machine will present as something completely different so are there any pieces um, of, of the physical hardware uh, and we'll, I'll go ahead and include uh, like the slingshots and that and then uh, I know that down to either side of the LCD, there was like some return ramp wire forms. Um, are, are, is there any po- portion of that, that that more or less tends to have to stay? Oh, and, and it, it, it's an interesting question. It's actually a loaded question. Okay. You <laughs> intend to load it. But, so while designing this machine, we didn't just change how, how modular or how... Uh, how dynamic the elements on the machine are. We changed how they go together. Because the truth is, machines that were designed 20 or 30 years ago were developed a certain way based on manufacturing techniques of 20 or 30 years ago. And today, we can can build things completely differently. We have access to tools and to manufacturing techniques that can make a pinball machine much easier to manufacture and much easier to service. Um, we shouldn't have to, you know, pull our soldering iron out, lift up a playfield, and kind of hunch over the, the playfield with, with a bunch of tools and a soldering iron to fix stuff. We should be able to literally pull any physical component out of the machine, take it to our workshop or our bench or, or wherever, and fix it. Or if we can't fix it, send it back to the manufacturer and get a replacement and just stick it back in the machine. So that's what we've done with this design. The entire machine. Every single component on this machine, and it's the it's a full size pinball machine. It's, I mean, it's the exact same shape and structure as a traditional game, but everything on it—the flippers, the slingshots, the return wire forms, the playfield, the playing surface, the LCD monitor, even the underneath uh, subway system and, and ball trough—every single thing on the machine is literally a module that you can pull out of the machine and. 10 or 20 seconds so like is it well, is it toolless or is it just a couple of little minor hand tools and you're free and you you've got it to work on the things you need to change for changing a game for existence for example the upper play field um and the side modules that you talked about the the ones that have the return wire forms on them those can be replaced without a tool the underneath stuff are all they're all secured in place with some uh, some screws that cinch it to the supporting hardware. So those those require a screwdriver. But yeah, with with very simple tools, you can replace anything, and without any tools, you can you can swap games. So that to me, that's that, that's very cool. I mean, from from having hands on the machine, it it feels very solid, and uh, it, it feels very formidable. And to me, it. it you know, things are going to break. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're bouncing around a, a steel ball. We all know that, and there's a lot of moving parts, so things happen. Um, but you plan for it not to happen, ideally, and then if something does happen, uh, serviceability is is key. 
And, you know, that's awesome to hear in my mind where, like I said, by feeling the machine, by playing the machine, it felt solid. It felt great. It, it, it's a wonderful quality, but if some, if the day comes and and I do actually need to get underneath it, it, you know, it's, you've thought of that. It's there. Yeah. Well, thank Thanks for saying that, Brent, because the truth is if we came out with a machine that had a bunch of cool features and, you know, good serviceability and it felt chintzy it felt weak it felt unlike a traditional machine then we wouldn't have a product to sell so when we put a big focus on making sure the machine felt like a traditional machine make sure it felt solid make sure it plays like what people are used to playing and on top of that yes we added all these serviceability elements one one of our one of the lines i like to use is with the p3 machine you never have to take a soldering iron to the game Instead, you take the game to the soldering iron. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you pull out the components you need to pull out and just go work on your workbench. So let, let me uh, let me take a, a couple things that we mentioned, you know, feel of the game, uh, traditional pin, feel of a traditional pinball. Uh, let me circle that back around to something I mentioned earlier, which was the flippers. And, and huh. even to a certain degree, the slingshots. So for folks that haven't seen a picture of the game, and, you know, I'll make sure to get... Um, get links and pictures in the show notes the uh the flippers cannot come through the play field like a conventional pinball machine because at that part of the play field it's an lcd as we as we had discussed earlier so the flippers actually kind of arch over the from the is it fair to say jerry from the lower left and lower right corners the assemblies kind of arch over yeah, we call them magical floating flippers. <laughs> but we have this we have this slotted side rail system where the flippers the flippers the flipper assembly is essentially a piece a large piece of clear plastic from which the flipper assemblies hang down. So you take this assembly and you slide it into these slots on the side of the machine and the flippers float above the surface by hanging down from this plastic. And then um in a, in a traditional machine, the coil that fires the flipper is uh, pretty much, other than the cam, directly connected to the uh, um, to, to the bat. You know, they get the flipper bat on a conventional machine, and then at the pivot point of that bat, there's a shaft that goes through the, the play field. And for lack of a better term, when the coil fires, it, it yanks on that bat and actuates the flipper. In your situation, the coils are a little removed from the flipper bat, and they're kind of a little farther back on that assembly. Is that Am I remembering that correct? correctly? Yeah. Yes, because if you think about how flippers are set up on a machine, you have the inlane rails that feed the flippers, and below that you have dead space, which makes up the outlanes and the drain. So... The if the mechanics to drive those flippers can't be located underneath, like we talked about, because the LCD is there, we had to move them back somewhere where they were going to be invisible, and that somewhere is underneath the apron. So the the coils and the interface to the links that connect eventually to the flipper beds are above the surface of the playfield, but they're hidden in the area that's covered by the apron. So at the end of the day, I was very excited uh, to get a hold of the game to see how how the flippers felt because that's that is your interface to the game. You, right. know, you, you interface with the ball through the flippers, and uh, I was very happy to to realize that it 
it had a very solid feel, Jerry. I mean, you did the the, the design, the engineering. In my opinion, is awesome. I mean, I if it wasn't for the fact that that the look is different, it's it's doesn't have that conventional wooden playfield look. I would not have, in my opinion, known the difference. I mean, it felt solid, like a modern WPC or Stern type game. That's excellent to hear. I mean, and clearly that's what we were shooting for. The fact that the fact that I didn't ask you to say that no. <laughs> is, is, a, is a big deal because that's obviously what we're going for. Um, what's interesting to me when we talk to people and we tell them the concept and when they see pictures of it or see videos of it, there's so much that visually looks different with the machine yep. that they, they just assume it will feel very different. Um, and, and once they get on the machine and experience it like you did, um, having them tell us it you know what? It actually feels like a real machine. It feels like a traditional machine. That that means we achieved our goals. So one of the things you'd mentioned to me, Jerry, and, um, and you know, we were talking we we're talking about mechanics and we we're talking about uh, longevity and repair. The machine that you you had at Expo in Chicago this year, um, it is a is it? I, I know it, it's predominantly metal. It's a steel cabinet, right? Yes, the ex- the current prototype cabinet is steel. I, I don't know if you saw. I did the wooden. Oh, okay. Yes. So you've got a wooden cabinet that's going to be more of a conventional cabinet uh, that you'll eventually, in my understanding, go to production in. Correct. Yes. Well, let me give you a little background on okay. the metal cabinet. So one of the things we really want to do with the game is make it so that the side art, the the art that's on the outside of the cabinet can be easily changed with or when you change the game inside the machine. So the way the, the concept we came up with was to use magnets, to use magnetic decals, just like uh, the decals you would or a company would put on a vehicle. You go to a print shop, get a they, they print directly to this magnetic material and it sticks directly onto a car or onto any you know ferrous surface. So we designed our first prototype cabinet to be or out of metal so that our side art could literally just stick to the cabinet. And unfortunately, for a couple of reasons, we can't go to production with that. One of which is the, the machine's heavy. It's, it's a heavy machine. It weighs a lot more than a traditional cabinet because the metal frame, the structure and the, the, the sheet metal side panels are just a lot heavier than pieces of plywood. And the other thing is it's a lot more expensive to have somebody weld together all of the metal pieces that make up our, our machine. So we needed to find a way to go to a wood cabinet, but we still wanted to have these magnetic side decals so people could easily swap the artwork. And oh, by the way, there's lots of reasons to, to swap your artwork, not just necessarily for changing the game, but I mean, maybe you want... Maybe you want, I don't know, a, a side decal that says Broken Token Arcade or, you know, Brent's Game Room. Or, um, you, can, you can brand your machines. Uh, now, you I, I, I'm not that vain, Jerry, but I can see Whitney doing it in a heartbeat. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> well, and we want to we start talking to, you know, companies and, and other, other uh, types of organizations that might want a machine that represents their brand so we can go take them the machine we can develop you know custom games for them or not we can ship them traditional games but they can make the cabinet look like however they want it to look and the other thing is if people for some reason don't like the artwork that an artist creates for some of our games 
you know, they can, they can, they can make their own artwork. They can, and it's literally $150 to your local printer to print out a full set of decals for your cabinet. So let me, let me kind of tangent off here uh, and ask a question. Um, it, the, the artwork interchangeability kind of brought this to mind. Uh, have you all, are you all looking to uh, reach out to the community or any other designer and say, we, here's the platform, here's here's the specs, go design a game, go design the artwork, go design the modules, go design the software, we've got the packages available, or, or are you looking more to kind of funnel that through, through Multimorphic in, in your side of the house? That's a great question, Brent, because you've keyed onto our, you know, the big part of our business plan. We want the P3 to be similar to uh, to a Nintendo in the video game world or to a PlayStation or something where we would be similar to Nintendo in that we create the platform, we define the specs for the platform, we document the interface to it, and then we, of course, build some games for it, like Lexi Lightspeed and, and some other games that we have planned. But we think that in order for this machine to have the impact that it needs to have, we need to get other people to develop games for it. Um, and the truth is, there's lots of people out there, as evidenced by all these new startups that we're seeing every, every couple of months in the pinball industry. The truth is there are a lot of people who want to build pinball machines. But building a complete pinball machine from scratch, essentially, is a lot more than most people want to sign up for. So now that we have this P3 platform, we have an existing system that once again, just like with the PROC and our software framework, we've done the hard part. We've created the system. We've created the infrastructure. We've created the, the floating flippers and the cabinet with you know, interchangeable side art and the, the modular playfield setup. And, and we've created all of this. And now people who want to build pinball machines can once again just do the fun stuff. You pick a theme, you, you develop a little playfield layout for it, you write the rules for it, and you can drop it into the P3 platform and have a complete pinball machine. And I don't know if you've explored this, Jerry, but I, I'm thinking even, you know, if I owned a P3 and say I had Lexi Lightspeed, uh, the art aside, it, it, I've, I've got the, the modules that come with Lexi Lightspeed. You know, I've got the, what would you say, it was, the, it was an eight ball lock um, some of the ramps, the ramps that come with it. And then uh, we haven't talked about this yet. I have to touch on it, but like uh, the wall and scoop assembly yeah. uh, that's integral to the game. I could write my own game uh, with my own rules and just reuse those modules. Correct. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So when we talk about the P3, we call it an open platform system. Um, it's it's more comprehensive than just open source that you'd be familiar with in the software world because we're defining the mechanical specs for for developing new playfields that we talked about um, the mechanical specs for the the side decals the shape and the you know, well it's just the shape of those and we are releasing low level libraries to interface to the underlying hardware along with a fully documented software interface layer so that software developers can just make function calls into our libraries to control the actual machine. And then we're on top of that, we're releasing a full, um, it's a slightly different framework from the, the one we have with the PROC for, for 
the obvious reasons that the P3 is a little different than a traditional game. But we're releasing the full software development framework for the P3 so that, yes, you, if you just wanted to write software, you could get a hold of this framework and, once again, just do the fun stuff, just drop new rules into the game. I can see a, 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 a section of, of the forums kind of exploding where folks are trading their, their own games. Hey, you know, this will run on the modules that came with Lexi Lightspeed. Yeah, give, give it a yeah. shot. See what you think. Absolutely, and not only big games, but uh, the the P3. Well, pinball in general is traditionally these fully developed, um, complex set of rules that define a game. But you know, sometimes I just want to turn on a machine and play a specific mode, just because that mode is a lot of fun to play. So we, we're coming out with this concept called a mini game. So where you might not load a game and want to play and try to get through all of the rules in a game. You might just want to play that warehouse mode that you talked about where, you, where you're where you trying to roll over those crates and blow them up and collect the, the stuff inside of them. You might just want to play that for a little while. So we'll, we'll hopefully create this um, system where you can play big games, you can play little tiny mini games, and you know, in any kind of variation that you want to do, you can put in there. Well, well let's expand on that a, a little bit, Jerry. We've we've thrown out the name Lexi Lightspeed quite a bit, so uh, that that is going to be the launch game for the for the P three platform, correct? Yes, the Dennis Nordman concept, Lexi Lightspeed Galaxy Girl, is game number one. Okay, so uh, give us a quick rundown as to. Uh, just, just the goal of the game. What, what the, who you are, who you play in the game, what you're trying to do. Sure. So, the concept is Lexi Lightspeed Galaxy Girl is a space adventurer. She's actually not from Earth. She's she's an alien space adventurer. Who she and her companion are traveling near Earth, and they get attacked by a, you know, an alien. Um, a government agency that's doing alien research. They, they, <laughs> there's a whole background story for this that Dennis concepted. But essentially, the the facility shoots down the ship. The ship crashes. Lexi and Lucky are now stranded on Earth. As we all are. As we all as, are. Yes, we are. Um, they're stranded there near this this government facility. They team up with a couple of local redneck boys. Who, um, well, the whole thing takes place in the, the swamplands in Florida. The agency is, you know, it's it's hidden deep within the swamplands in Florida, and just outside the the agency is this cabin with where these two redneck boys live. So Lexi and Lucky team up with these two redneck boys, and they go through all of these little adventures to collect parts and to collect weapons and to collect fuel to repair the ship and prepare it for Lexi and Lucky to get back to their space adventures. And then uh, how, how many modes does the game comprise at this point? It actually, right now, it comprises the same number that it will comprise in production because we just finished the last basic mode. Oh, okay. It's, it's six full uh, different scene modes. And when I say C mode, I mean when you start a mode, it changes what's on the LCD so that it's, it puts you in a different environment like that warehouse or like a swamp or there's a weapons lab and a cabin and a bar scene and there's, there's one more that I missed. But yeah, six full scenes and then on top of that, there are a couple of different multi-ball modes 
some other objectives that happen during gameplay, and eventually we'll develop a full wizard mode for it. So one thing we haven't talked about, let's talk about one of the, what I thought was one of the coolest, here's a pinball term for you, toys <laughs> that are, in your terms, modules that, that, that go with Lexi. And uh, um, that is the scoop and wall module. That, that's kind of right there at the at the edge of at, of the edge of the LCD. Now, the warehouse mode that I'd mentioned. So let me try to describe this for listeners. And do, I'm sure Jerry, there's videos out there. Do, do you have a, any official videos that I can link to? Yeah, actually, on our on our site, on multimorphic.com, there's a there's two I, videos I, out there now. One's an intro to kind of our our plan and why we're doing the P3. But there's another one on Lexi Lightspeed itself, which shows off all these features in a, in a brief uh, teaser kind of promo. Okay, actually, I think I've got that up uh, up in front of me. So the uh, uh, the across the width of the, the play field, right above the LCD, there's, I think you all call it the wall and scoop module. Is that correct? Yes. And then it some of this, for, for our listeners, you know, so, some of this sounds like, a, a, I don't want this to sound like an infomercial, but Jerry spent a lot of time with me at Expo. Uh, and I asked a lot of questions, probably more than should have been allowed by law, and took a lot of his time. So thank you, Jerry. And one of the things that really kind of caught my eye is you had a test fixture set out um, so that folks could see all the way around and under that module. So this, how many how many segments is that module, Jerry? How many walls and scoops? There are six walls and six scoops. So um, each wall... There's a wall in front uh, of each scoop, and then you could raise and lower the scoops and walls independently. So all six could be up, or I guess all 12 could be up, or all six scoops and four walls could be up, leaving two open spots so you can enter a scoop? Yeah, actually, let me give you uh, some background okay. on, the, on, on how the assembly came about. Uh, so while we were concepting the game, we, we had this full LCD on the play field. We're like, well, you know, it would be kind of neat to play around with Let's see what we could do with old school video games and actually use the physical pinball and recreate some of these games that we were used to playing growing up. So we started thinking about games like, I don't know, if you wanted to play a game like Breakout, the video game Breakout, how would you do that? Because in a, in a game like Breakout, you have all these virtual, these virtual rows of blocks that you're trying to bash with a ball. And... At the top of the screen, you have a ceiling, and the ball hits the ceiling, and it bounces back down. And in, the, in a pinball machine, you don't have that ceiling, so a ball on a pinball machine would go up and hit all the targets or ramps and loops and other stuff that's going on. So, like, why don't we come up with a mechanism where we can create a ceiling over top of the LCD monitor? And so that's what we did. We created this row of wall targets that if all six of them are raised it creates a barrier that blocks the ball from going beyond the LCD monitor. So now we can play a game like a breakout and have the ball just ricochet around as it would on the game. So we're like, yeah, that's neat. Now what? how would we play a game like Space Invaders where you have these aliens kind of running across the screen and you're shooting you're shooting ammo at them from the bottom. And that ammunition, once it goes beyond the rows of aliens, it disappears. But in a pinball machine, that ball's going to ricochet around or go over ramps or hit targets and come back down. And that doesn't work for a game like Space Invaders. So like, we need a way to essentially have the game make the ball disappear when it leaves the top of the LCD monitor. 
So we're like, you know what? The, the walls are cool, but if we had these scoops that came up, essentially create a gap all the way across the, the uh, position right above the LCD. If we, if we could raise six scoop devices, we could create this moat, call it, where the ball will, if it goes up towards that moat, is going to fall into it if all six scoops are up. So that's six wall targets and six scoop targets that are all individually controllable. So as you mentioned, we can do different combinations of those things and you know raise up just a wall to block a specific shot or raise up a scoop anywhere we want just to create an, you know, a dynamic scoop effect, kind of like a trap door in Theater of Magic or um, a wall could be something like a troll in Medieval Madness or just any drop target in, in any machine. Well, and no to carry on with our, our, our earlier conversation about that warehouse mode, uh, the way you used the, the, the wall and scoop module there was um, all scoops would come up and four of the walls would come up leaving two of the scoops open. So uh, the LCD directed the, the player, me, to one of, or to, to either one of them, and one was like the prior room and one was the next room. So if I wanted to leave that room of the warehouse and travel to another, another area in the warehouse, then I had to make the shot to the proper, to the proper scoop. And if I missed, I hit a wall and it bounced off and I had to deal with the ball again. Yes. So, yeah. And that's just one of, a thousand different ways we can use those wall and scoops, which, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a unique feature in the sense that we can totally cordon off any part of the play field. It's also unique in that we can create these dynamic uh, scenarios with different combinations. And so the challenge was you have these six walls and six scoops, each with which are individually controllable, and each which can be held in the up position or held in the down position. And traditionally, the way you hold something in a position is to have a separate coil that, you know, that holds it. So each and every one of these walls and scoops has a dual wound, it's actually an old Bally flipper coil controlling it, which means in this very small area underneath the play field, we have literally 12 different dual wound coils, 24 coil circuits in that same little area. And that's what we were demoing in that display case at Expo, the full assembly with all 12 coils with the driver boards and the switchboards to, actually there aren't switchboards in that assembly, it's a driver board, two driver boards and an LED board because all of the walls and scoops, by the way, are RGB lit so we can change each one of them to any color we want. Um, as you mentioned, they were red and uh, red and green to indicate next door and previous door in the warehouse scene. So you know, that that speaks to the flexibility of the platform. Uh, I wouldn't pretend to know off the top of my head the limits per system type uh, across all the manufacturers of how many coils a given generation of a Williams games could could drive. But if you're 24 coils just in that one module, I mean, what, what's your upper limit of, of coils controlled with a P3? We don't have an upper limb. I mean, well, there is one, but it's 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 over a thousand. Just just because of the nature of our control system, it's all modular, mm-hmm. and all of our driver boards can chain together through this serial chain. We have a communication bus that goes that goes from board to board to board. So you can create a an implementation. You can create a system that has as many boards as you need to drive the features that are on your game. And then to back that back down to kind of like the home developer maybe wanting to just kind of 
initially put their toe in the water if if they had i had a game i could go ahead and rewrite software on that existing hardware slash module platform you know and the reason i'm kind of rolling that back a little bit jerry is my thought is uh you know you're gonna a product like this is going to appeal to the home user i mean to to the user to the player to someone like me it's going to appeal to someone that might want to tinker a little bit and make use of the hardware layout uh like me and then you've also got as you mentioned earlier like you kind of want to be like the nintendo and design the platform and 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 put the specs out there you've also got the 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 person or the group that may want to get a little bit deeper into the manufacturing side and actually produce games and then do the software on the hardware right and here's the important part of that last bit relative to the control system Uh, because our control system is modular the driver boards and the switch boards and the LED boards, all the boards you need to control a component or a, an assembly go right where that assembly is and then it connects back to the main control system. So a designer building an upper playfield module that he wants to drop into the game, he puts whatever he needs underneath his playfield. If he needs to drive 16 coils, he uses one of our driver boards. If he wants a bunch of RGB LEDs, he puts one of our LED boards on there, and he would put however many switch boards he needs to control his switches, but they would go directly on the module itself that he's designing so that when they swap the module, swap the upper playfield module, he just connects one connector back to the main harness in the, of the control system, and the system just works. He doesn't need his own P-Rock. He doesn't need his own computer. He doesn't need his own you know, wiring harness. He just puts on his module exactly what he needs to control only the features on his module. So even from the from the full out end to end game developer perspective, you offer um you, you you offer the boards. I don't have to go out and design only the module, but the the boards that connect back into the system. You can get me the controller boards. That's right. So we have two product lines. One started out as just a P-Rock, and we grew that into our full control system product line with driver boards and switch boards and LED boards and everything you would need to create a full custom game, as well as just a subset of that that you would need to develop a game for the P3. And then our second product line, of course, is the P3, our our pinball platform um, that we want to sell separately from our control systems. Okay, so let's let's, uh, touch on that. I am uh, Brent Griffith. I am out here in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and I've heard about the the platform and the game, and I've got a small game room, and I think this is going to be awesome. And um, I like the idea of, of the modularity. I like the idea of being able to play a game, swap it out. Other folks can write games for my pinball equivalent of my cell phone. So let's talk a little bit about um, you know what what's going to be available. Uh, I know we've mentioned Lexi Lightspeed Galaxy Girls, the first game, and and just just kind of get into the just kind of get into that side of it, the the sales side, the consumer sales side of it. Yeah, sure. So um, I think I think I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation we wanted to develop a a machine, but we wanted to deliver a pinball playing experience that people are used to and that they you know that, that they would just enjoy just like they do any other game. So we put a lot of time into developing Lexi Lightspeed to be to deliver that 
that pinball experience that people want, that physical experience. So there are lots of cool toys on it and, and other things. We intentionally um, held back on some of the capabilities of the system. We didn't put, you know, fully photorealistic graphics on the screen. We didn't put crazy dynamic stuff that changes all the time and, and, and it, you know, it, it breaks a little bit the paradigm that people are used to when they walk up to a game. Because we wanted people to walk up to Lexi Lightspeed and see a pinball game that looks fun. And so that's what we created. And that's what people played at Expo. And that's what people will play at the Houston show. And that's what people will play everywhere we take this game. But of course, it's a multi-game platform. And we want to take advantage of all of the capabilities of the system. So our the second game we've announced is a game model after... You know, video cart style, cart style racing that's been popular on video game consoles for a few years, like Mario Kart or, or a couple other uh, different types of cart racing. We we adopted a version of that for, um, in, in outer space. We call it cosmic cart racing, and it's, it's a game where you have or you are the driver of a cart. Um, it's a spaceship kind of cart, and and you're driving it through this track that's in outer space um, so it's a three-dimensional track and gravity doesn't really apply so much um, but we've tied in the physical playfield layout to interact with or or create speed for your car you, you accelerate by hitting certain shots you uh, you can create obstacles for your opponents by hitting certain shots you can avoid obstacles that your opponents um, caused under your track by hitting certain shots. And we've taken and put on the LCD the actual race. So, you know, traditional pinball machines that are built around a racing concept like a NASCAR or um, pick a pick a racing game, um, you kind of get the fact that there's a race going on in the background, but all you really see is that you're hitting physical shots and maybe every now and then you see a little animation on the screen that on the DMD that tells you your place in the race or whatever. Well, on Cosmic Kart Racing on the P3, you see the race happening on the playfield. So as you hit the right shots, your cart goes faster, and you see it progressing towards the finish line. You see your opponent's carts. Um, you see exactly what's happening. So is the uh, intention for Cosmic Kart Racing to, is it going to have its own set of modules, or is it going to share the modules that are available for Lexi Lightspeed? Cosmic Kart Racing will have a completely different upper playfield module. Um, so that area at the top third of the machine with the ramps and loops and toys that Lexi has will we'll swap out and we'll have a different set of ramps and loops and targets for CCR. But the lower portion of the playfield and the side modules will remain the same. So uh, let me ask you, Jerry, talk a little bit about... Um, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, I know pricing is always kind of, you know, what's what's this going to cost? And there was a there there has been some pricing that that's on I believe it's the Multimorphic site. And uh, uh originally we I believe you were going to look at doing uh two games for one right off the bat and uh plans may have shifted a little bit. So kind of what's what's the current lay of the land as to as to what, we're, what you're looking at doing in terms of the, the dollar amount to get a game in my house. Sure. So I, I, as you can imagine, developing a completely new system, especially a modular system, is expensive. 
Um, but on the flip side, we wanted to deliver a better cost per game value than any other pinball machine that you can go out and buy today. Um, and we can do that by taking advantage of our multi-game capabilities. So for instance, if you go to another vendor and buy a seven or eight or nine thousand dollar pinball game, you're buying a game and you're spending that money. But with our machine, you can spend that kind of money once and you're buying the cabinet and the flippers and the infrastructure. Um, and to that, you can add individual games for significantly less money. And our goal is that is to have games that cost $1,500 or $2,000 for, you know, for the upper playfield modules and for the software and the side art and everything you would need to swap into the platform and create a new game. So that's our goal. Um, and we believe that once there are two or three or four games available for the platform, the price per game value of the system um, is obviously less than a traditional machine. And it takes up less floor space and all that other stuff. So we started out with a price point of $99.95, so almost $10,000 for a two-for-one game package. You, you spend that money and you get the base platform, the base P3 platform. You get Lexi Lightspeed Galaxy Girl and you'll also get Cosmic Kart Racing. Um, so right out of the bat, right off the bat, that $10,000 gets you two games which divide by two, you're at $5,000 per game, which is already less than most other games you can buy new in box. So, so oh, go ahead, Terry. So, yes, yeah, sir. Sure. We've gone and talked about that price point, and a lot of the people are hesitant to accept a $10,000 a $10, price point for a pinball machine, um, even though we're delivering a two-game package for it. Um, so I think it's hard for people to compare apples to apples our multi-game platform with the game cap multi-game capabilities with a traditional game. So what we're going to do moving forward is come up with a single game price so that people right off the bat that are buying the platform can get it with a single game so they can compare apples to apples our game with or our machine with one game to an existing game from another manufacturer and we unfortunately haven't fully defined that price yet we're still working on our final uh, manufacturing costs for the game but as soon as we have that price defined we'll we'll get it up on our website and and let people know and i'll include links to uh, uh not only multimorphic uh jerry also over to uh, pinballcontrollers.com which is you know for our listeners out there that that is that is jerry and, and his organization and, and his folks. So that's that's kind of is that fair to say, Jerry? That's the hub of uh, the product. Like if I wanted to get a P Rock or a P Three, I, I would go to pinballcontrollers.com. If you want a P Rock or any control system product, you could go to pinballcontrollers.com, and that's where our community forums are and people talk about the stuff. If you want a P Three machine with Lexi Lightspeed and, and with Cosmic Heart Racing, then you'll go to multimorphic.com. Okay, great. In fact, you could just go to multimorphic.com and click the link for control systems, which will take you over to the other side if you if you want to read about that, the That's entirely too easy for me to deal with, Jerry. I can't do that. <laughs> so, um, 
let's see. Let's hit real quick. I was actually taking a look at multimorphic.com and upcoming events. And you know, you got Pinball Expo on here, which has just come and gone. So, you know, hopefully a lot of folks out there had an opportunity to, to come into Chicago and actually kind of get hands on the game. Um, looks like you're going to be at a show in Houston, Texas here in November. We're actually going to Houston two days from now. Okay. All right. So yeah, that won't make it. Uh, well, this won't make it to air by the time that you're there. So, uh, do you have anything else? I mean, what are you looking for? Uh, are you looking at any events toward the end of the year? Just anything else you might want to get out there? So, if folks want to come see the game and and meet you and maybe learn a little bit more, you know, what's on your agenda coming up the next couple quarters? Yeah. So we're in a in an interesting time in our in our development of the product. We uh, so we have our metal cabinet, which is our our main prototype right now, and we're working towards building our next set of prototypes that will um, precede our pre-production runs. Uh, Once we get those pre-production or those, I'm sorry, those manufacturing prototypes ready, then we'll have machines that we can ship, right? We can ship it to a show and maybe I could fly out there and meet the machine there or have somebody go with the machine or whatever. Um, Right now we're not shipping our metal cabinet. Um, It's just, you know, it's a hand-built prototype and we couldn't, we, we would be in trouble if something happened. To yeah, if you lost it, that would be a, a major setback. That would be bad. So, <laughs> so we're not going to a lot of, of shows yet. We're not traveling real far to go to shows. We are going to the Texas Pinball Festival at the end of March. And we're hoping by then that we have these new machines all ready to go. In fact, we're hoping we may even be a little farther along than that by March. So hopefully our schedule for next year will include a lot more shows than we went to this year but until we get those new machines built we can't really commit to anything okay and uh and i would encourage everyone to check out uh multimorphic.com um looks like i assume you're not going to move it right here on the home page is going to have upcoming events so that you know as you announce where you're going to be folks can check that out and come out and see the game that's right and you know what if anyone's ever in the austin texas area that's where we're based and i'm always happy to host people and show them the machine show them what's going on and and to talk about pinball all right jerry well i really appreciate your time tonight and you know is there anything else that that you want to mention that that i haven't brought up any any other uh, any, any other kind of interesting points about the product or the game or uh maybe any 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 direction, any, any other things that we haven't touched on? Well, I, I just think the big message is that we are trying, unlike what it seems everyone else in the industry is doing, we are trying to move the industry forward. We're trying to um, recognize that the market is shifting from a mostly operator market to a mostly consumer market. And traditional style machines are you know we all like them because we're pinball hobbyists but they don't make a lot of sense they weren't designed specifically for consumers they have a lot of problems that they present to consumers um, you know we've talked about some of them they're expensive they take up a lot of room they're hard to service so we're trying to build a machine that addresses the needs of consumers by lowering that cost per game value um, by by hopefully releasing games that cost $1,500 or $2,000 that people can swap into their cabinets. And when they can do that, they're not taking up floor space. They're just using that one cabinet. And then we've touched on the serviceability. So we're trying to hit all of the major problems that traditional machines present to consumers 
and by extension help the entire industry move forward and create new features and new ways of playing games and new interesting things that people can enjoy in their homes. So speaking of serviceability, this um, um, just occurred to me. As the uh, as the product line continues to expand and as, as the games actually start to hit the streets, um, are we going to see online ordering for uh, replacement parts? Yes, uh, replacement parts will clearly have to be a big part of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we may, we warranty all of the products right out of the right out of the box. So people that get a machine can expect it to work for um, whatever our final warranty happens to be, whether it's whether it's a few months or a year. Um, and of course, we're testing all of our components for long-term reliability you know, and, and all that stuff. But, and, yeah, but, I want to circle back to that. I, I know I, I've, yeah, I tend to tinker more than I do anything else. I'm a terrible player. Pinball, video, I have a hard time walking up the steps. I mean, I, I have no coordination. I, I freely admit that. But I do like to tinker. I do like to repair. And I do kind of like to dive in. So that's kind of where my mind goes. And I know I've gone there quite a bit, Jerry. And um, I'll circle back and say yet again, and this is uh, for fear of it sounding like a paid commercial, which it's not. Uh, I put hands on the game. I really like the game. I like the feel of the game. Um, felt solid. It felt like um, it, it did not feel like what I expected when I when I played it. I looked at the mechanics as closely as I could in the time that I had. And uh, honestly, Jerry, I was I was just. I was in awe of the design and in looking at the game that you had there, it looked like, is it fair to say that you've had that game out and about and it's, it's kind of been a real, it, it's your prototype game. It's your test game. You have, you have played that game. Is that, is that a fair statement? We've had this cabinet since expo of last year. So it's been, it's been heavily used for the last 12 months. And it, it, have you had to go through and rebuild any of the any of the systems? I mean, let's just be honest. Is how, how is the flippers held up? How is the the the, the ball uh, the scoop wall assembly held up? Uh, it's a, it's been solid. Am I putting words in your mouth? It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been a process. Okay, <laughs> you're you're not so, going to stand up that I and I trapped you there, Jerry. I didn't mean to because you're not. It's a prototype game, and I understand that you're not going to turn around and say, "Well, we've had to have it apart every thirty minutes." I, I'll tell you this, and you know, for again, for fear of sounding like a paid infomercial, the game was up the entire the entire expo that I saw. I never walked by the game and it wasn't being played. It wasn't it wasn't going. So, uh, I, I, in my opinion, it had great reliability. It had great play. No, 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 thanks. Actually, I don't mind even bringing it up and talking about it because, I mean, clearly we've re-engineered the entire pinball platform. And those flippers that we designed, uh, they've been iterated. They've probably gone through four or five iterations to get to the point where, where, you, where they were when you played them at Expo. Um, and, you know, pinball flippers are these dual-wound coils running at 70 volts, and the forces they generate are very big, very powerful forces to, you know, to move that steel ball around the play field. So we've, we've had to iterate on our mechanics to make sure that they could withstand those forces for long durations. 
And we're not quite there yet even. We, what you saw at Expo was pretty good, but we've already started working on our next iteration to address some of the issues that uh, we are seeing with the current set. So my point is that while it felt good to you and while the machine was up the entire time we were at Expo, that's not enough. We need the machine to work for years in people's homes or on location. So we have to develop mechanics that stand up to the abuse that people can put on them over, over the time they play them. So we're, we're, I mean, we're dedicated to that. And one of the reasons we showed that wall and scoop assembly on the table there at Expo was so you could see that with our modular sub-assemblies, we can put them in test rigs and literally run them, cycle test them millions of times before we're comfortable putting them in a production product. And um, the the test you know the test rig thing that's I think that's how you and I actually uh, kind of started a conversation because it caught my eye walking past it and it was uh, it was it was a sight to behold what goes on uh, you know under the machine what what's involved and it, it was it was obvious that you all had put a lot of work in and a lot of a lot of detail in it so. Yeah, interesting, Brent. I'll interrupt you for a second because the, the flipper assembly we have iterated on, I think we're on our fifth iteration or we're working on our fifth iteration now. The wall and scoop assembly that you played in the machine is the same one that we developed on day one for this prototype. So so the wall and scoop assembly, we came up with the design very quickly that worked very well. And uh, the other assemblies, we're still having to make them a little more reliable. Awesome. Well, without uh, going any further and yet again sounding like a paid infomercial, Jerry, I, I really enjoyed the game. I'm sure you can tell. Um, and uh, um, I really look forward to, to seeing it as it gets uh, a little closer to that, that finished product. I mean, it, in my opinion, from a, from a mechanical perspective, and, you know, my opinion carries no weight, uh, man, it, 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 it's 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 a nice playing machine you know and, and i know the software uh, plays a lot into the overall game experience the rules play a lot into the overall game experience um as does all the new systems i mean it's 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 a quote-unquote complete system all those pieces and parts but um the in my mind software can be patched but if i've kind of got a lemon sitting here in front of me that, yeah. that is always rattling itself apart that's a problem and um i was very i've said it before and i'll say it again i was pleasantly surprised when i walked up to the game and played it and how it felt and how it shot so thank you i think yeah. you're, i think it's awesome it, it, please send that, the, please send the check to <laughs> <laughs> yeah get on our website <laughs> and, and, and click buy now okay uh, Actually, I don't even think we have a buy now link. No, I'm saying but, send the check to me for the positive it. endorsement. So, so I can pay you for all of your unsolicited endorsements. Um, so uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things about the development cycle is that we started out working on the infrastructure, the mechanics, the game, before we focused on the actual gameplay, the, uh, the theme, the artwork. So a lot of people are used to going and hearing about new games and attaching themselves to the themes. Uh, a new movie theme comes out and people get really excited about it. They see the artwork and then they kind of wait around to see what the play field looks like and to see how the game plays. We had to, because we're doing a, a different kind of machine, because we're re-engineering a machine, we had to start with, with the physical stuff. We had to make sure our mechanisms 
would work. We needed to make sure our new technology would work. So we developed the machine first, and now we're putting on the, uh, now we're dressing it up, now we're putting on the theme and building the, the gameplay around it. So when we focus in these conversations on a lot of the mechanics of the machine and, and how the machine works, um, that's important for people to understand, but what they're really going to buy and enjoy is the game that's running. And Lexi Lightspeed is now far enough along in development where it's a, it's a game that people can play and enjoy and experience all of these cool features that we've built into the platform. And now that we're finally there and hearing responses and feedback like yours, that means we're very close. And so, it makes us feel good about the process. So on the game side of it, and I see your point there, that, um, that it's like a... Think I'm almost thinking this. I, I'd communicate this as uh, as like a car. A lot of uh, people, uh, rightfully so, they they just they want to get in. They want the car to function. You know, uh, they want to put the key in it, and it, it's it's a tool. It's utility, and yeah. uh, to a certain degree, a game, quote unquote, air quotes I'm making here. Uh, is the same way. I don't want to see what's under the hood. I don't care what's under the hood. Right. I don't care that there's a coil there and a and a flash lamp there. I'm looking at the 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 art. I'm looking at the game. I'm experiencing uh, the rule set. So uh, I know. Unfortunately, I had limited time to actually play the game. And I, we've talked a lot about that mo- that one mode, that warehouse mode, and there's much, much more to the game than, than just that. So uh, are, are you looking at ho- uh, putting uh, a, a, a play video up to, to kind of get get folks a little bit more acquainted with, quote unquote, the game, the rules, what you're, what you're actually trying to do and get past that mechanic stuff now that you're getting closer to that? Yeah, you know, ironically, I filmed a recording of gameplay for an hour earlier today that, that I'm going to... I'm not, yet I'm not yet again, it, I'm sounding like a prompted paid infomercial. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, well, <laughs> the, check, the check we discussed is in the mail, right? Great. Awesome. PayPal. <laughs> so so I, um, I mean, I made a gameplay video. What we're not going to do is create a, a professionally produced you know, gameplay video for Lexi until we're closer to shipping the game. We don't, we don't really, we're not using pre-order money to fund our corporate operations. We're, we're self-funded. Well, actually most of us are working for free, which means we're self-funded. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think that's one of the same. Yes. But, but, but we're developing the game and we're going to get it to production. And once we're close to that point, once we're close to building machines and want to start shipping machines to customers, then we will produce a high quality thing with the final version of Lexi. Until then, we're just going to informally release a couple of gameplay videos like the one I made earlier, just to, so people can get a taste of what it's like. Um, it's definitely not the, you know, the commercial quality type of video you'd expect from a, from a product you can go buy today. And I could I could understand that because you're you're still evolving, you know. So, and and the reason I kind of circled around to that was just to uh, a lot of my focus was on the physical side of it, and, and I, I like mechanics. I mean, that's it, listeners of the show know that. You know, I, I tend to uh, hopefully I I put as much stuff together as I take apart, so that at the end of the day it's all back together. But it doesn't <laughs> always happen. Um, so that's that's where my little little pea brain tends to focus. 
and uh, uh, I know there's a lot more to your game than uh, than just the mechanics. The mechanics are huge. Yeah. And you know, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I understand just looking at uh, like the test rig. I looked at that in amazement because of the points that you raised, which was this was all new. You know, you're 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 designing these systems, these individual modules from the ground up to go together into a larger new technology type of a system. So yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an engineer too, Brent, or I was in my previous life. I, I, I still am. And, and I like talking about the mechanics too, but I understand, I've learned to understand that uh, the pinball community, if they're going to buy this game, they're going to buy it because it's fun to play. So mm-hmm. we've spent a lot of effort making a fun to play game. And the, the response we got at Expo was amazing. We've achieved our goal. We've made a fun to play game. So again, if anyone that that's at a show that has uh, uh, where Jerry's at, where Multimorphic has a booth, you got to go up. You got to give it a shot. Play it. Look at it. Check them out online. Um, it sounds like Jerry, you're going to be posting some more videos here in the not too distant future. And yes. uh, you know, hopefully before before too long, you know, you'll you'll get the last little bits worked out, and you know, we'll we'll have we'll have games delivered. So, man, I look forward to that. Yep, not too far away. Um, if anybody's interested, they should get on our website and sign up for our email email blast, which we send out uh, usually about once a month. And so some of the informal videos that I'm talking about that we don't we don't link directly to on our website, I just send those out in our our monthly updates and those emails. Oh, okay, that's cool. And yeah, I would encourage everyone to you know check out multimorphic.com. I'll have links in the show notes uh, to multimorphic and pinballcontrollers.com and then Jerry mentioned earlier uh, the Python development kit so uh, uh, for, for the P the PRock platform uh, I'll get get those links too and have them out in the show notes so Jerry I really really appreciate your time today and uh, I, I look forward to seeing uh, where the platform goes thank you Brent I, I always love talking about it and I appreciate the uh, the chance to get on your podcast and talk about it too that'll do it Okay, Brent, well, with both of us being on the road, as we have been over the past month, we probably uh, haven't really given a lot of time on on the past couple of episodes to talking about kind of what we've had going on. You know, in our respective game rooms, uh, you know, any new acquisitions or projects that you picked up or any progress that you've made on, you know, on games over the past couple of months. So, man, why don't uh, why don't we go ahead and cover that real quick? And uh, why don't you tell us, you know, a little bit about what you've had going on, man? Well, Whitney, I've had uh, quite a few things going on, but, you know, nothing, nothing major. Hopefully that's going to change here real soon. So yep. on a prior episode, I think I talked a little bit about having uh, some work being done out on the garage, kind of giving myself a little additional storage space and kind of a, um, you know, another place to stack a bunch of projects that I probably won't ever have time to work on. And that, that has eaten up quite a bit of my time as of late, trying to get that all together. But uh, shy of a couple little finishing details, that has kind of come to an end. So I've got new Good. little storage space out off the side of my garage, all under roof. And um, at the end of the day, I ended up just starting off to have that build and built. And when it was all said and done, basically the garage looks like a brand new building. It, it does you look know, nice. You know, all painted, new uh-huh. gutters, yeah. uh, all the entranceways wrapped in aluminum and my new storage space. And, yeah. You know, I did all the lighting in there. And uh, so got that finished up, which was nice. Awesome. In a prior episode, I think I also mentioned a Kung Fu Master mm-hmm. that I was working on. 
that uh, I was hoping a friend of mine who just loves that game would would step up and take home with him. And um, I, I was 50-50 on that, and I fell to the uh, it's still mine side of that 50-50, <laughs> which is okay. You know, the game I mean, is... Did he not pick it up, or did you just decide not to sell? No, he just... He just well, he, his wife decided that he didn't need oh, it. Oh, so it was the whole fizzle out scenario. Yeah, huh? and that's yeah. that's fine. That's I mean, I, I surprised him with it. Yeah. It, and if, it wasn't like a good surprise, like, yay, happy birthday surprise. <laughs> it was like, hey, I've got something that takes up a lot of space and yeah. it's real heavy. Yeah, come get it. Do you want it? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it is, it's no big deal. And uh, uh, obviously, and that's fine. I'm actually going to move it down in the game room. I've got two multi-games down here that are on the will be out of here soon list it's on the short list yeah yeah and one of them i'm going to convert back to what it originally was which was not a very fun jamma game and uh called devastators you know it wasn't i never heard of it brent and i played it and it was just to me it was kind of like some of that uh, carrington and uh, uh mike over on no quarter they had a term for those quick production kind of games shovelware shovelware that's yes. it yes and you know out there now there's somebody that is just yelling i love that game yeah, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure there is which yeah. is you know okay fine yeah. if you want if you i've got one yeah and i it, it it doesn't fit our game my game room layout kind yeah. of even like the game room you've got the, so. the, the theme just it, it just doesn't g and hall with it right to use another term even if it was the greatest game i'd probably would probably consider it maybe like a shovelware kind of game because it just yeah. it's not my it's not my little niche but yeah. okay so anyway i'm gonna it's gonna come out i think i'm gonna take a little arcade expo this year maybe okay. try to find it a new home <laughs> I'm gonna bring the go shovel wear it on somebody I'm, else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shovel it out of the back of the trailer. Uh, Kung Fu Master will come down here for a little bit. That's a fun it, game, man. I I really do appreciate that, even though it's sometimes lauded as you know just kind of cheesy and and I guess a not very good example of that genre. I still think it's a pretty fun game to play. I've played it out in the garage and it whips my butt. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, it'll be down here for a little bit, and then uh, I think it it'll probably make a round over to Little Arcade Expo because it it. It oh, does. that that one will sell, Brent. No, no issues, yeah. no trouble. It's that a nice cabinet. It yeah. falls right into that pseudo classic kind of range, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know I've kind of done my little treatment to it. So uh, uh, it's it's in good shape. It's it's a nice game. It's just you know limited space, and it would be yeah. on the short list for down here. Sure, so, sure. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a later episode. We'll do a little bit more of a technical deep dive on it. But I would encourage everyone to jump out to our Facebook page. I just posted a series of, I think it was 11 pictures. Yeah, fine article, actually. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, thank I you. know. I, I learned something by reading it, and that, that was good. Uh, it's a series of pictures on how to repair uh battery corrosion damage so the the board i was working on was actually a wpc style board uh-huh. but it'll work on the same techniques will work on any board i don't care if it's an atari pole position i don't care if it's a uh, uh um an mcr power supply out of your tapper yeah or if it's a pinball an ar2 board. board or anything well you're not gonna get much battery on your ar2 board if you do you're doing something wrong uh, that's true well if but if you need to do any replacement or if it's had acid leaked on it or whatever yeah, that's but, true yeah yeah so in it, 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 I give you a, a, a walkthrough of uh, how I do it, and I talk a, a little bit about you know how I because I say I media blast. I say sand. I media blast. So some of the common questions that that I found when I was trying to learn how to do this, I, I answer in that in that article that write up in the series of pictures. So we'll get into more detail about that. But I, it was kind of an emergency repair. Okay. Um, 
I had to do, I had to take care of for a dear, dear friend and uh, took the opportunity to go ahead and, and get that info out there. So we'll talk, we'll talk more about it. Um, I, on the pinball side, I picked up a few things in Chicago, subway ramp. So that, that went for my Adams. So that yeah. went on my Adams. And while I had it up, had the play field up, I had uh, some little LEDs that were actually an automotive application. I picked up at a, uh, it kind of your clearancey kind of box store type place. There was a new one here in town and probably a year ago I walked in it and they had these little green LEDs that, that were used for like car applications. They were 12 volts. So, um, there's a 12 volt tap in the bottom of the game, uh, in the bottom of Adams. So they were green. So I added myself a green swamp light and a green, uh, uh, kind of light to the, the chair scoop. So, okay. Why? Why I was putting the kind of a homemade in. mod for exactly? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's sweet. So I, I lit the swamp and yeah. uh, uh, I lit the chair scoop. I did that. The battle zone has come back to bite me. How? I mean, how so? Well, it, there's another article that uh, or series of pictures that I put up on the Facebook page. So uh-huh. you know, go out to Facebook.com/slash Broken Token. Yeah, and I just went through. Uh, and I had to repin uh, the connector. The inner board connector. Oh, I remember reading. Yep. I remember reading this. The, okay, so you posted this a, a, a little bit, a, a few weeks back. It's been a few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So right. I went through and I changed all the pins out on the uh, the actual connector, the jumper, if you will, and I changed all the headers out on both the boards. And I was having this intermittent problem where uh, I would go into um, um, screensaver is not. I spot I, killer. Spot killer. Yeah. I am just having just such a fit today. It's all good. That's the reason why it takes two people to do one podcast. <laughs> well, earlier I said I was yeah. an idiot, and yeah. I'm, pr- I'm proving it time and time again. <laughs> no, it's all good. So, um, uh, it turned out that I mean I needed to do this anyway. I don't feel like it was wasted work to go through and replace the headers and to replace uh, uh, the pins and the connector. And if you look at the the write up that I did, and I talk a little bit about the pins and the, what comes from the factory and the type of of uh, uh, the headers rather that comes from the factory and the pins that come in the connector and then what I replaced them with and how how they differ mm-hmm. and how it's improved. The, 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 it, sh- it makes the shape sense. and everything. Yeah, yeah I, I remember all this it, now it, after reading it. It makes perfect sense. And even just taking the boards out, you can tell how much better the connection is versus what was there when it comes to disconnecting everything. Yeah. But I still had, I was still going into spot killer. Uh-huh. And if I would reach through the coin door and, and kind of give it a little shake uh-huh. and a little flex, it would, it would come, come back on. It'd and come, yeah. so I took the main board out and I, I inspected it very closely. I thought maybe one of the traces on that end where I was kind of given a little wiggle, I had a crack and I couldn't find anything. And what, what I ended up doing was the, the last five wires of the interconnect i replaced so and it went away huh. and, and i can just about hit the machine with a hammer and it won't go into spot killer i can huh. shake it i That's can good. i can make funny faces at it i can just yeah. dis- disparage its mother yeah it still works yeah so i i, <laughs> I, its mother. <laughs> I, I think what i ended up with was one of those wires it probably had been over time in and out, in and out, in and out, and yeah. it was broken internally, yeah. and it was just, and it was an intermittent connection. So, well, it feels good to get something fixed. Um, and then uh, the burger time. I was going to ask you about that. It's not in the. It's not in the show notes. Uh, and so I, I was, had people I was, ask me about it. Yeah, they, even at even at Pinball Expo, I know that that came up. So I'm at a pinball show and they're asking me about why I'm not yeah, working on a video so, game. So what, what are you doing, man? Why why aren't you working on the burger time, man? So well, uh, I, 
as you, as I have just mentioned, I've had a lot of little things crop up. You and I, you mentioned we've been traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an emergency, I had an emergency pinball repair. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. You know, first world problems. Uh, the monitor <laughs> for the Burger Time has actually made it into the shop, ah. and uh, actually, my intention. What did it have in it? Just it's got a Zenith monitor. It does. And, yeah, and honestly, I don't know the model. I've never worked on one. So I'm going to take some pictures of it. It's okay. You'll have to go in the shop and take a look at it. Instead of having a complete metal frame, it's actually got a wooden bottom. I mean, it, it's it just, does. it's different. Weird. So, uh, uh, from what I understand, huh. you know, you, you never can say, well, what monitor came in this game? Because they used, <laughs> yeah, with, with very few exception, most manufacturers put anything they could get their hand on in a game. Yes. My impression from talking to a lot of folks that do a lot of repair. Uh huh. This Zenith oddball monitor was very common in a burger time. Oh, okay. So when I got this cabinet, uh, part of it was I got two of these monitors, and I think it was to get these out of my way type yeah. of a deal. Yeah. It's got a little bit of burger time burn in it, and you know I, I'm going to put it back in the burger time. So let, let, let me ask you, I mean, have you looked on Bob Roberts' site or, or anything? I mean, does he stock a cap kit for that thing? Because I, I'm just trying to reach back. I, I don't think I've ever come across a Zenith monitor you know, in, I in, a, in a machine. I have not looked. You know, okay. when you're when you go through your updates here in a bit, yeah. you, uh, uh, I, I'll go out on a Bob's site and take a look. Yeah, it, I, I want to say that he does. He probably does. I want to say does. that he does, but uh, I've just never run across that monitor, even heard of a game having it in it. But, you know, that's that's my limited, you know, that's my limited exposure to <laughs> to everything that's out there. Well, too. When I first started getting the burger time together and I came across it and I started asking the questions of other folks that had done a lot of repairs. That's how I know that they seem to be somewhat common okay. only in a burger time. Well, you know, I mean, hey, man, you learn something new every day, yeah. you know, and that's just that's just proof, uh, proof positive of that. So another thing I've been kind of deep into is a game room reorganization. Prior to this reorg, I had stuff just lying and setting anywhere willy-nilly down in, in, in the game room so my dad came over a couple saturdays back and uh, uh to give me a little extra muscle i've got carpet the blacklight carpet in the game room but everything is on sliders mm-hmm. when i did the game room i went out and i found a company where i could buy like a case of those floor sliders at like wholesale from fr- okay. from this company so i didn't have to go and and pay like retail per game <laughs> yeah and i bought like a hundred a package of a hundred sets okay so all my games everything is on slider so but it's still you move a whole you move a lot of games around it's so hard so my it dad is. my it dad is. hey dad thanks come over and help me out uh give me a little muscle got the pinballs that are in the game room lined up um actually have a couple of the games that were against the wall out in the middle of the floor now back to back and changed things around a little bit was trying to kind of group some games the ataris are together other than the tempest um and you know just kind of generally just open the space up and for for folks that are you know local to louisville and then uh some a lot bunch of folks that don't even listen a lot of folks i work with i have a yearly uh birthday party Mm -hmm. and uh that's coming up here toward the end of the year and that was kind of part of the goal there is to get the game room in line and ideally i'll have the burger time done Uh, so that's the goal is to get the burger time in shape there'll be a couple things I probably won't have in it. Like I want to get a new set of pepper buttons and a couple of little minor things, but, yeah. uh, uh, ostensibly 
I, I want I, my goal is to have the burger time done at this point and have it out here for for my annual kind of birthday bash. That, so. That'll be that'll be cool. Yeah, the one thing I would just ask is uh, or implore of you is just make sure you take pictures of, of the monitor rebuild and everything because mm-hmm. if that if that monitor is fairly uncommon and if it's fairly common to a burger time but uncommon in other machines then it would be interesting to see how that actually pushes itself through okay yeah i can do that so and then one other thing that i've been up to whitney have you noticed any kind of anything i'm wearing that's a little different Mm -hmm. i'm getting the scan right now uh dude you uh oh so i have a ring oh i have yeah, yeah okay a ring made out of a game token. Yeah, so we're gonna yeah, dude, you're gonna have to get a picture of that because this is yeah, this is pretty sweet, man. So so for everybody out there, Brent uh just just pulled off this really nice metallic ring and, and it passed it over here to me and I'm taking a look at it and it's got it yeah, that's definitely a token, man, because it's got inscriptions on the inside as well as the outside. It looks like the token has been pressed and folded and then rolled, is mm-hmm. what it looks like to me. Very neat. So a gentleman by the name of a Johnny, and Johnny, man, I am sorry if I get this wrong. Johnny Galegos. Galagos, maybe? Galagos. Yeah. Galagos. Okay. Uh, he, he posted on Clove. He's out of Utah. And uh, Johnny, apparently in Utah, there's a there's a a token society and i don't, I don't from, amongst amongst other societies amongst other, uh, yeah. other societies yeah and you know johnny mentioned that this it's let's see here he's part of a local uh, mar- uh mercantile token collecting society uh since the 70s no i mean the national utah token society our group has been part of the local mercantile token collecting collecting society since the 70s they collect mer- mercantile tokens uh, that's how I pronounce it, but it's the root word is merchant. Yeah, uh, from settlers that came to Utah and minted coins for trading and bartering. Okay, and of course, you know Johnny. It's interesting to have, to have so much history behind yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I, my assumption is that Johnny and I have, have this is this is how this dovetails into the what I've been up to. Okay. portion of this, uh, Johnny posted on Clove. He goes by the Clove name, Diving Buddy. Diving Buddy. Diving I need, buddy. I need to make a note of that yep. here real fast, and, and I'll get you the the link to the thread. Well, we'll edit these show notes here on the fly <laughs> he uh uh he's he's an arcade guy obviously so uh-huh. he posted something on clove where he can make these r- rings out of tokens so you know i'm guessing johnny i may be putting words in your mouth here buddy but um he 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 took his love for arcades and then uh love for what appears to be kind of a regional hobby collecting these mercantile tokens that that were common in utah and he was able to kind of meld the two together and i don't know how the ring making portion come out of it but you know because these these tokens they're not like you know the the tokens he's collecting Mm -hmm. you know and these aren't these aren't like different types of tokens or coins that that have been not issued you know non-government issued coins or tokens throughout the history of the united states you know so he looks like johnny where i'm going with this is married the two okay so johnny posted this and i got with johnny and he and i've had some had some back and forth conversations the token that this ring was made out of he has tons of okay but what i wanted to do is the one that i'm wearing came from a very good friend of mine's business. Okay. And you know, the, the sale that we had that I talked about on the, on the yeah. show, a couple, the open house at the warehouse, the open house, the warehouse yeah. that, that 
my buddy Jimmy mm-hmm. that this this token came from his business. And the, actually, the one that I'm wearing is a side effect of what I really wanted to do, which was I had one made for his daughter. Oh, okay. So uh, that's really sweet, Brent. Well, she, the, the whole family's been has that's been cool. great I mean, to seriously, me. That They're is, good that's friends. Yeah. I, ha, I had Johnny made one for his daughter, and you know she won't hear this, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to have one made for Jimmy's wife. That is that's cool. So um, when uh, so Johnny and I have had a lot of back and forth. Johnny was very accommodating. He he had the style token, and uh, but it may. The, the point was, is I wanted to make it from a token, even though there's a, a billion of them. It's mm-hmm. a common token. I wanted it made from something from Jimmy's business so that it meant something more to the family, something I give back to them. Okay. And uh, uh, Johnny has been very, very accommodating. We'll link to the to the thread in the show notes. If you want one of these, they're $8. That's it? Eight bucks. Oh, nice. And if you supply your own token... There's seven. <laughs> so uh, I would, you know. We need to get some BT tokens, man. That, that's what we need to get, you know, get rolling. The, now, the thing about it is, is that the token, we'll have to get a picture of it, Whitney, along with what the original token looked like. Yeah. Of course, you're taking the center out of the token and folding it. Yes, yes. So this token happened to have like a shield that was very reminiscent of like the uh, the uh, uh, shield and the like from like, I guess the presidential seal, mm-hmm. that logo. Yeah. And a lot it's of like a, fig leaves and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And it said freedom over the top of it. Uh-huh. And the other side was your classic no cash value. So by okay. the time Johnny had to do what he had to do and roll it, you basically have freedom and you have a little bit of the the shield left as you work your way around the outer portion of the band. It's, it, it is very neat looking. So, so yeah, definitely grab a picture of that because I, I think that's something everybody would be interested in seeing. So. Uh, John, like I said, Johnny's been great, and uh, we'll link to, we'll link to his thread. If it's something you're interested in doing, I'm very happy with it. Uh, Jimmy's dog, Chris, Christy, mm-hmm. the real vocal talent of the Broken Token <laughs> Classic Arcade <laughs> yep. Pinball Podcast. Yep, on the front and on the back yep. side of it. Yep. That's that's Jimmy's daughter, Christy. Okay. So I'm very very good friends with the family, yeah. love them to death, and uh, it was something I wanted to do for her. And then like I said, I'm going to get one made for Jimmy's wife. Yeah, as well. that's that that is that's really cool. It's not something that you would uh, that you would necessarily expect as a game room update, you know, to, to come out of uh, well, you know to come out of what we're what doing. Been, but, it's what I've been doing, but you know, no, I, that's that's neat. You know, it's unique. And you know, Whitney, that's um, it's been a lot of little things here and there, and it's pretty much kind of just been it. I've been uh, a little bit of cleanup, a little a little piecemeal work. And uh, uh, I'm trying to put all the little fires out, so to speak, things I kind of had hanging around. Yeah. And because uh, uh, I kind of want to dive into that burger time. Yeah. No, understandable. Yeah. So, definitely looking forward to seeing that that come to pass. So, Whitney, um, I know you've gotten a couple new toys, had some, some things going on. What you got? I have. And, you know, Brent, it's... <clears throat> just trying to rewind on this a little bit because it's not just really about I think what I've what I've gotten it's about the community and how the community has helped me out over the past month okay so right before we went to um, Pinball Expo and you know made the trip up to Chicago I had been uh, working a little bit back and forth with uh, Mr. David Paul who we had mentioned at the uh, at the onset of this episode and uh, David and I had been uh, kind of talking for a few weeks back and forth and he had heard me mention uh zookeeper on the uh on the show before and how that's a game that i had been 
after for years and years and Brent that's uh that's probably my number two game right behind right behind Donkey Kong I guess is is my favorite games from from all time it's one that I hold a tremendous amount of nostalgic value uh towards just simply because my brother and I played it quite a bit back in the day uh when we were young Never You're played. still young, Whitney. It, exactly. Thank young you, Brent. Heart, thank, buddy. You, thank you, Brent. Uh, checks in the mail, and so, uh, you know, we, and we never played Zookeeper at, at an arcade. We always played it at a grocery store, and it would be a scenario where my mom would uh, would drop us off at this little convenience store, and then she would go shop at a consignment shop that was just right next door. So it, it's not like we were, you know, it's not like we weren't, uh, you know, being watched or anything like that. I mean, we were essentially just one door over uh, in in this small little uh, in this small kind of like little little outlet mall so to speak back in the 80s and brent of all things they had a zookeeper inside that little uh convenience store and they had a scramble before that okay uh at one point they had a uh they had let's see let me think they they did have a donkey kong they had a donkey kong jr they moved up they had an asteroids for a little while um they had it, it towards the very end of it they had a congo bongo but i never really enjoyed playing that all that much but zookeeper was there and it was there for months and we my brother and i just loved loved playing that game and brent i don't know what it is here about uh you know the geography that we're in but some titles are just extremely hard to come by here in kentucky and i have had my kind of had my sights on a zookeeper a couple of times over the past you know six to seven years never came to fruition uh, but uh, fortunately, in working with uh, David, he was able to help me locate one, and uh, I was able to get it secured. And uh, David, I, I want to say thank you so much. Is he actually got it? Uh, he actually brought it with him, Brent, uh, here to Louisville. Was able to get it uh, unloaded and get it. Uh, you know, we played on it out in your out in your uh, you know out in your driveway for what an hour or so the night that we unloaded. Yeah, we didn't it. notice how cold it was. It was it was it was cold, it, but man, everybody piled around the zookeeper and played it. And uh, I'll, I'll have to post pictures of that on the Facebook page now that now now that I guess I'm you know kind of officially talking about this, but. Um, it was able to get it home. I've got it in the house now, and in, and I'm going through the breakdown process on the zookeeper because much like you, Brent, I tear everything apart before I put it all back together. Okay, and I know you have to do that, but that's just you know it's just one of the things I guess that, that Whitney does to his machines, you know, from from a cleanout perspective and everything like that. But um, but yeah, so so the power of the community and friendship and everything like that really came together, and David helped me to get uh, a game that I have been seeking for six to seven years that i've just never been able to put my hands on so david i i so thank you for that it was a very nice example david david came in he was on his way up chicago for the pinball expo and he went you know uh he he went slightly out of his way he did to stop in He, he needed to stop you know break the trip up so he said we're gonna stop in louisville yeah and that that helped to kind of precipitate yes uh, the zookeeper delivery. dollar word, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figure if I use those big words, yeah. I sound like I know what the world I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. And here's the thing. Here's the neat thing about the zookeeper, Brent, is I get it. You know, we unload it. We play it. And believe it or not, the thing powers up and plays just fine. Oh, yeah. The, the joystick is definitely a little mushy on it and everything, but uh, but it, it plays. And, and that's the important thing. And David even told me that he had had it in his game room at his house for several weeks before he 
made the trip, you know, from uh, his place here to Louisville, and his he sent me pictures of his whole family, his kids playing the game. I mean, if I it, got it, I'm going to play it. Yeah, yeah. If you got it, if you got access to that game, you're going to play it. So uh, the interesting part is uh, we, we get the game unloaded, we open it up, and Brent, from top to bottom, from the manuals on the monitor, the game manual itself, to the power supply that's in the game, to the serial number matching stickers on the power supply, the game board cage, the monitor tube, and everything. Brent, that game is 103% original, top to bottom stock as stock can be so the thing's still running on the tato power supply is still running on uh the original tube that has extreme it's got a 4900 in it uh, a k4900 it's got an extreme amount of zookeeper burn in it but it's still it's still you know fired up and it looks reasonably good for its age and i'm actually whitney sitting here taking a look at uh uh, your smiling mug next to it, and then uh, <laughs> David's son playing the game. Yes, and, you know the the side art on the game is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes, I, I'm going through sticker and adhesive removal at this mm-hmm. point in time. Uh, I am uh, going to go ahead and pull the PCB cage off of it, and that is actually a task in and of itself. But simply because it's um it, it it's it's on there and it's on there good. It was not made to be removed uh, frequently uh, or constantly. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out though, Brent, to uh, a fellow Clove uh, member, local 413 uh, gentleman by the name of Peter Grace, and I've uh, I've bought some Zookeeper parts from Pete over the years, and he's helping to hook me up with a set of replacement uh, ribbon cables for the for the PCB stack, as well as a high score save kit uh, in NV RAM kit uh, from Mark Spafe, and so uh, so Pete has been very good to me, and he's working with me on it, and he's uh, probably one of the one of the most knowledgeable zookeeper guys on clove and uh, like i say over the years brent i have slowly amassed enough parts to almost build a zookeeper but uh, now i don't have to and i'm so ha- i'm just so happy about that <laughs> so i've got enough parts to keep it running i got enough parts to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt um and brent this leads me into my uh my second update here uh, around tube swaps uh, oh so before i hop off the zookeeper i will take exhaustive pictures of that and make sure that that's a photo album up on the Facebook page as I go through that over the course of the winter, along with a couple of other projects that I'm going to be working on. And Brent, I like to do. I like to work on like three things, three or four things at once. I don't know. It, it, it kinda, I get like eight or ten going. That's yeah, what I got. Like, well, like this month, I got to start paring back. You, gotta, and you do have to pare back and focus. But dude, I I do find it fun to kind of like hop from one thing to another. It kind of keeps things fresh. And as you as you near the completion on one thing, it gives me incentive to work on something else. You know. So I I don't know. I it, I don't know if that's just ADD or if that's dyslexia. You know, project dyslexia or or what it is is but um but it, it works and i find that i can make progress on stuff as i go and, and it kind of ke- helps to kind of keep the juices flowing you know from a you know from an enthusiasm standpoint but brent here's one thing that i am going to have to do on that zookeeper is the burn on it is pretty bad and so even though it doesn't affect the gameplay when you look at it it's it's very 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 noticeable um so i am going to have to do a tube swap on it and brent we've not done uh, the deep dive segments over the past you know probably what four or five shows just because we've been on the road and we've had you know expos and and travel and stuff like that you know kind of intervening but Brent, that's one thing that I'm going to jump kind of uh, into head first, and that's something that I definitely want to cover uh, probably in a couple of 
segments over upcoming shows. Okay, is talk about tube swaps, the in and the outs, and everything like that. Because, uh, Brent, I'm going to make a, a concerted effort to standardize some of the tubes in my games. And it would be, I think, an interesting discussion on, you know, what you have chosen, uh, you know, as far as your favorite two, you know, your favorite uh, monitors, chassis, and, and so on down the line for your machines. And, um, and I'm definitely going to put some effort into going and going through inventorying all of my machines and then seeing what I can do to more so standardize the, you know, the chassis that I've got in all my machines. So it's looking like next month, I know if you, you're going to cover some monitor talk oh yeah and i'm sure you know i'll jump into that and we'll get deeply involved into that oh yeah it'll be a lot of fun i'm looking you know getting lined up to talk about to expand upon battery corrosion repair yeah so we'll have some really good detailed arcade content coming up over the next few months you can use the corrosion repair on the pinball side too oh yeah 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 you've we've been heavy pinball for quite a bit so (laughs) yeah we're gonna we need to we'll slide back Uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna feel good to get back and show the arcade arcade side oh yeah yeah for sure so so we can keep it mediated and keep it uh, keep it running you know keep it running 50 50 on on that regard but yeah i'm going to be working on on the zookeeper over the winter just really looking forward to that and brent the the the, um i guess what i consider the amazing thing about that game is both the marquee and the bezel are essentially not they, they haven't flaked like any at all they're not faded they haven't flaked and even the area on the zookeeper that is lit up by uh by bulbs at the very bottom of the bezel where the instruction card is uh, that's silk screened onto the glass it's not even fa- it's not even faded or flaked are you going to led that i will led that yes and what i am going to do is uh, i and i had already <laughs> i'd already ordered these for the zookeeper that i was to build before i acquired the zookeeper but i did order uh, a reproduction bezel and marquee from uh, Rich and Kendra at this old game and I am going to use the reproductions on this machine and I'm going to bag the originals and just put them into deep storage because they're so pretty Brent I don't want I don't want them to get knocked up or mm-hmm. beat up or anything like that the um, the reproductions will be very sturdy they'll be very tough they're they're on glass and so they will come to no harm on my machine but the originals are, are going to be protected in the state that they're in okay so that's what i've got going on you know uh, from that regard and brent really uh you know I, I do have you know a walk of shame here i've not done like any work on on my iron man on my iron man vault edition i've you know i've got it out i've got it up but i've not done uh, i've not done much setup or i've not installed the shaker i've not installed the sub yet i've i've you know i've played a few games on it but then brent we had we we have to pack it up and go you know go to expo and then brent just between family commitments and you know in in work and <laughs> the schedule that i have to keep for that I, i've just not had a lot of time to mess with the iron man uh regrettably so i hope to That's rectify okay. just, just bring it by here exactly yes 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 bring, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I know it'll be in i know it'll be in safe hands How i'm about just that? i mean it doesn't look like it but i've got space for it <laughs> good good so uh if, if it falls, you keep the tron oh i'll, I'll, do I'll that. tell you what I'll because i'm your friend yeah you can keep your tron i appreciate that thank you very much <laughs> but uh like i say over the over the christmas holiday i, I will certainly uh certainly get some time spent 
segment on uh, on leave, the Iron Man as well. Leave Daddy alone. He's playing Iron Man. <laughs> He's playing Iron Man. Leave me alone. Uh, but just from an upcoming projects perspective, Brent, you know, over the winter, um, you know, I, I've got a few things moved into the house to work on. Uh, and, and I do want to give a shout out to uh, listener Mike Martin. He and I are going to be going down kind of like a joint uh, pole position cockpit restore. And I'm not really sure when we'll finish that up, but it's something that we're kind of working on uh, kind of hand in hand. So that's going to be pretty neat. Got the zookeeper going on. And then Brent, I am going to go ahead and coin this project flip flop 2.0 and i don't know when i'm going to get to it but i've got something in the plans for uh for something for um, a couple of my nintendo games that just recently like within the past week fell into my lap okay and it literally fell into my lap and it causes me to re uh to reevaluate uh a couple of my nintendo games and i'm going to have to go back and redo some of my work but that's not necessarily a bad thing because I'm going to wind up in a much better state. But that's something that I'll that I'll cover once I've got all that stuff in my hand. But uh, look for Whitney to uh, to do some uh, to do some game swapping uh, as a, as a revisit to Project Flip Flop, and so, that's going to be fun. I love that because <laughs> I love working on Nintendo games. Now that you've thrown that out there, you're going to get into the same boat that I'm in, which is people are going to hit you up. Hey, how you doing? What's going on with the burger time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I, what's I know. up? Hey, I know. I, uh, Merry Christmas. How's the end of the year going? Work all right? What's up with the burger What's time? What's up with the burger time? Well, yeah. the, and the, the reason why I bring it up now is because it, it helps me to hold some accountability to it. So that's, uh, you know. <laughs> that's hey, Whitney. Hey, how's that burger time going? That's yeah. Whitney. Exactly. W-H-I-T-N-E-Y. Whitney at BrokenToken.com. Yeah, lay it on me, man. So so in a nutshell, Brent, that's really what I've had going on. Um, I'm definitely in a position where, you know, after, after getting the zookeeper, I don't need anything right now, and I didn't need anything to begin with. But the zookeeper was just such a fortunate, fortunate thing. But uh, now, Brent, I just, I just need to work on what I got. And I know you could probably pull that statement out of the last seven episodes, but yeah, eh, that's just, got, that's I've just the way more, it is. I've got more projects than I know what to do with. Exactly, you know, my yeah. uh, summer projects are turning into winter projects, and and vice versa. But, and, you know, and vice versa. But it yeah. more, when it, when family comes up and you know, oh, it's, man, it's all prioritization. It's, it's all prioritization. We and, all understand and, that. And, you know, dude. I mean, this is you got to keep it fun. and yep. You got to keep it prioritized, and you got to keep it in in spec and and in perspective. I kid on the burger time, but every you know every I I kid. Everybody knows, and yeah. if things happen. And, oh yeah, it's just the way it is, um, man. It, it, it's what happened. It, it's all good. You make the progress that That'd you can. Right. Yeah, but that's it, Brent. That's what I've had going on, man. So, uh, like I say, uh, all fun stuff to do. Hey Whitney, so I know we've got some show feedback and tons it looks of like it, Brent. Tons, tons of it. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of it. It's We're a, flush with feedback. It's this unbelievable. Month. Yeah, Thank, you know. Yeah, awesome. People are listening to oh, us. Oh yeah, it's great. It, well, and they're taking the time to interact, and that's great. So we've got feedback, and we've got, uh, and this is a little late in coming on our part, so we yeah, apologize. We do apologize. We have a contest winner. Yeah. So if everybody remembers, this is probably from about uh, two months ago. I guess we held our first show uh, contest, Brent, where we uh, had a generous donation from Paul Kieford and the guys at Circus Maximus. They offered up one of the uh, Python Angelo designed uh, metal pinball signs that is uh, crafted in the shape of you know like a like a traffic you know like a traffic like a yield sign, sign. A yield sign. Yeah, and. Um, 
And so it's it's really really nice. It's beautifully done. The artwork is very crisp and clean. Uh, it's just just a, a great great prize in, in my mind. And I, and we certainly thank Paul and the guys there for uh, for sponsoring us for doing that. So Brent, we put the call out for people to uh, either write in, send us an email, uh, or post on the Facebook page. And what we really preferred though was people to leave us a voicemail on our voicemail line. And uh, we had uh, several people do that. And we did uh, as we said we would do, Brent. We drew the uh, the winner from random from all the submissions and so we want to play this month's winner uh this is from eddie in north carolina and uh, eddie is a listener he's uh, interacted with us several times on on the facebook page and twitter as well we met him brent at southern fried game room expo if memory serves me correctly and i've got my i've got my people and my faces in my places uh all all lined up uh, in, in, the, in the same direction there then uh then, like i say we've got uh, we've got eddie and, and he left us a really really nice voicemail so eddie we want to say congratulations we're going to play your voicemail now and listen to uh, listen to your entry for the contest. And then, Eddie, I'll reach out to you and we'll get you the sign uh, on its way to you in the mail. Hello, Broken Token, my Southern Arcade brothers. This is Eddie from the Outer Banks of North Carolina, a.k.a. Fire Diver on KLOB and Pinside. I'm calling in with my Python Angelo submission. Never got to meet the man, but uh, he just seemed like the mad scientist of pinball. Uh, his artwork was just over the top. It was crazy. Uh, some of the interviews that I've heard, he, he just seemed uh, so far out there. It's it's just it's just nuts. But I loved it. Um, my favorite game that he ever did or had a hand in would have to be Pinbot, uh, designed by him and Barry Ausler, who I actually got to meet, and he was kind enough to autograph the backlash for my Time War pinball machine at the Southern Fried Game Room Expert. Um, but Pinbot was just one of those games, you know, Python did the artwork for it, and it was just, to me, at the time, it was so innovative. And back in the day, around that time, I would have been really into the video games. Um, and that was just one of those pinball machines that really stuck in my head that just kept me coming back over and over and over again. And I think another one, high speed, that, Python did the artwork for it. It's just another one of those machines that just quarter after quarter, just, you know, one more game, one more game. Oh, I can do better. I can do better. And, and Bob was just that way. I remember spending many a quarter in that machine. Um, and like I said, Python just always seemed like the uh, mad scientist of pinball. Uh, which is pretty evident with that. Pinball circus, which I've never got to play but I hope to get to Vegas one day and hopefully that they will be able to bring that back to life and build the machine that Python always wanted to play and we'll all get to enjoy it. Um, so hopefully that will come to fruition. And that's my submission. I just, everything Mr. Angelo did, like all the stuff that he did, uh, it's a great man. Uh, just had some crazy ideas. Loved all his work, so just wanted to call in and thank you guys for all that you do. 
and hopefully we'll get to see you next time at the next Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Game on. Talk to you later. Well, Eddie, I greatly appreciate the thank you. Yeah, when, it's, when it's it, awesome. He called us his his uh, Southern Arcade brothers, and that's <laughs> I like that, Brent. That just that makes me feel good. It's awesome. Uh, if he just said firepower, he'd be in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eddie, congratulations. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, Whitney, I'm sure, will uh, be very fastidious. And fast- I've, I've already PM'd him on both okay, Club cool. and Pinside, so I've already got that all taken care of. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Eddie, I'll reach out to you on Facebook as well and, uh, and, and hook up with you because we're friends on Facebook. So one way or the other, man, we will make sure that you get this uh, that you get this prize. And like I say, we thank you for taking the time, and we love to love, love to hear the feedback. So, yeah, it's awesome. So, Whitney, I see here in the show notes that, that you have a <laughs> – Are you ready for this? That you have a – well, I've I've already got your I've already got your channel muted, so I don't know if I want to unmute it. <laughs> but I understand. Oh, you do, man. I understand that you have a voicemail from a certain Mr. Paul Kiefer. Yes, yes. So Paul called the voicemail line, and uh, he what he wanted to do. Now Brent, he's not chastising me for forgetting his name. No, no, or no, forgetting no, no, uh, no, no, James Laughlin's no, name. No, okay, no, no, all no, right, no, okay. no, no. Paul, what Paul wanted to do because that would be that would be warranted. <laughs> no, no. What Paul wanted to do is he wanted to follow up with you based on the conversation that you guys oh, had down at, at Pinball Expo. Okay, so he was he was concerned for you, Brent. He wanted to make sure that uh, that everything was squared away and that, that, you, that you found everything that you needed to find. So I'm so somewhat here, concerned. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, voicemail from Mr. Paul Kiefer. Hey, guys. It's Paul from Circus Maximus. Just call to check and see how Brent's dancing career has been going. Uh, but in all seriousness, just, just uh, calling to thank you guys for stopping by and talking to us while at Expo. Look forward to talking to you guys soon. Bye. Well, Paul, I appreciate the uh, the concern. Yeah, you I, wanted to know how your dancing career I, was I going. Know. Yeah. I know. I picked it. We, well, I had to slow down. <laughs> Hamstring injury. Oh, he, oh, that was so funny, man. He was he was rolling. He was rolling on you good oh, at Expo. Was. It was great. He was giving me a hard way to go. It was. It was funny. But no, Paul, thank you for thank you for calling. I've had, in. A, hamstring, awesome. I've had a hamstring injury, Paul. Let's and, say that. Uh, Hammy's worn you out, huh? I've had a. Uh, I got my. Let's just say. Uh, dancing uniform caught on something and there was some it's i, I can't i can't bring it back up yeah it's, just devast- it's, de- it's devastating yeah but you know it's good to know that the listenership is concerned brent so that that is the main thing <laughs> all right brent, they're so, concerned is one way to put it that is true that is true it's all in a good way so brent we've got a, a fair amount of facebook and twitter feedback as well i want to get to this month and one thing i'll say is uh, brent you know social media has been has been rolling really good for us over the past you know six to eight weeks our you know our facebook uh, count is at like count is up twitter followers are up so you know things are things are rolling on really good and brent one thing i'll also say is on itunes we've now had uh, enough ratings or i guess enough feedback rather to be rated by the itunes store so i do want to thank everyone uh, all the listeners who have taken the time to go out to the itunes page our itunes page at uh, itunes.brokentoken.com that'll that will get you that's a shortcut to get you to our our show feed on iTunes on the iTunes store itself but thank you for uh, you know thank you for giving us enough feedback uh, so that we rate so that we're now you know uh, I guess kind of showing up within uh, search results and and being rated from a listenership perspective so that's great and that that's an accomplishment Brent because you know it took us several months to get there and uh, that's just something that builds up over time so that's awesome thank you everybody for doing that and we'd encourage everybody just because we're there you know 
keep keep up with it if you can you know i don't want to sound like we're begging for ratings and all that but uh we talked about this before uh, on the show we're we're really more for the reach yep. you know if there's something that that we're doing that that might help other folks if we can kind of commiserate with other collectors and you know restores repairs out there that's that's what we're looking to do yeah, you know yeah uh Whitney mentioned the Facebook uh, uh, Facebook page. Our likes have really taken off. Mm-hmm. If, if you're out on Facebook, I'd encourage you to go out there and hit that as well. Give us a please, like. Please do. We f- Facebook is a is a platform different from iTunes in that we continue to uh, interact with with folks and fans of the show on almost on, a daily basis. Yes, on Facebook because yes. we can go out there. We can post stuff like earlier yeah. in the show. I mentioned our. Uh, some of the things that we've done that have been kind of more or less Facebook exclusive up to this point, yeah. things that haven't been discussed on the show, yeah. uh, pictures that have been sent to us, things we've done. It's a great way to kind of see what's going on out there. Things we pick up, we pass along through Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on Twitter, I, I'm in the, the, the uh, Twitter feed and I try to stay on top of that on, on a daily basis as well. We've had uh, a lot of good interaction there uh, as well, Brent. So yeah. So let's, let's get into some of the Facebook feedback here real quick. We've had uh, several listeners kind of weigh in uh one of our listeners mike smith he posted up that he was listening to the show while he was working on restoring and shopping out his swinger pinball machine brent and i i had not been familiar with swinger up until the point to where i not saw that, the post not in that use of the, N- not no. that no no not in that you and not in that vernacular uh <laughs> not in that euphemism of that vernacular no, how about no. that uh for a 20 dollar phrase but uh you know, Swinger. I went and went and did some research on it. It's a. It looks like a very fun machine, and uh, it's it's neat. Uh, Mike took the time and uh, thanked us for what we were doing, and it was cool to see that the show was riding sidecar while he was working on one of his machines. <laughs> James uh, James Stark uh, gave us uh, thanks on Facebook for uploading the pinball expo podcast panel, and you know, James, we touched on that a little earlier, and um, we appreciate the thanks. I know it took a little bit to kind of get Clarence to do that, and. Uh, we we were glad that it all worked out. We're glad that you and everyone else has enjoyed it. Yeah, yes, thank you. And um, uh, the next one comes from listener Jeff Waldron. And Jeff, <laughs> God bless Jeff Brent. He bought uh, he bought uh, a handful of cabinets at the open house at the warehouse. The last sale that you had, yeah, he made a, a, a little bit of a of a drive in. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yes, yes, from all the way down from northern Indiana. But Jeff is a uh, is a frequent listener and, and weighs in quite a bit. And we appreciate him taking the time to do that. But Brent, he posted some pictures on our Facebook page of the cabinets, the the three cabinets. There's uh, there's two Midway and one Williams cabinet that he is working through and restoring and he's got those babies bonded up and primed and then it looks like they're ready to paint and he said that they will see some new life uh and uh, be brought back as uh some multicades from uh from using the arcade sd board so it looks like jeff's done really good work and i know that he had his hands full. yes yeah and you know this is a perfect example of uh folks that came to the came to that sale and they took uh you know, I hate to say it, but it, it is what it is. They took kind of, in some cases, the leftovers and brought them back to life. And it, uh, leftovers isn't a, real, a, a good term to use. Jeff had an intention. He didn't want to take apart a good, complete game. Yeah, and I respect and that totally. There was a lot of folks like Jeff that this was exactly what they were looking for. Yep. I want just an empty cabinet, a cabinet that is that is rough, that yeah. is beyond usability as uh, it is as it is and something that i can make my own something i'm not going to feel bad about for modifying or making you know a higher end multi-game or whatever game or a conversion out of it so yeah 
you know, Jeff jumped right in there and he had his work cut out for him. He did. And uh, he's done. He's done a great job. Yeah. So. Yeah. He, he has. He has. And Jeff also left us some additional feedback. And Brent, you know, we're, we're all about soliciting, you know, comments on the show and comments on, you know, what we're doing and the content that we're putting out there. And I know that, you know, there's there's been and there always is, Brent, there's there's always discussions on, oh, man, is the show too long? Is the show, you know, not long enough or should you go to a weekly show or a monthly show or anything like that or stay as a monthly show rather and jeff uh, chimed in he said um he said hey i'm listening to the second episode from the pinball expo and he said my feedback is do not ever change to a shorter or more segmented show i love the casual feel of just hanging out and talking games jeff i don't think that's going to be a problem i know <laughs> no, that, listen to this month's episode yeah. man we're on a roll i know that the uh, uh that was brought up as kind of a, a key point of discussion during the podcast podcast yes, it was it was panel at yeah. chicago expo and yeah. we we by far and away had like the longest show, show format oh yeah and uh uh i mean it's all good it, it's all good it's yeah. all good so yeah. that's that's our that's our that, that's our format man so that, that's how it works out so we need let's let's move over to uh twitter and a little of the feedback that we're receiving there yeah. uh, at the ball is wild which mm-hmm. i assume is a pinball reference yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure uh, it is uh, uh pass along congrats on one year listening now yeah. well man it's been a fun-filled year i don't know if we're going to do any more because i'm thinking about uh, rage quitting today <laughs> <laughs> it's a, and that's all a reference as to what it took to get brent started oh my so, gosh yeah, yeah. whitney I, I i had to laugh when he said rage quit I mean, <laughs> that's awesome but anyway uh thanks a lot the ball is wild yeah let's and just put it this way if there was anything else for brent to trip over it, it trip just, kick, it just should have been unplug, there you know? yeah. Fine, yeah. oh it was it was a point that we both uh, got a lot of uh humor out of uh getting started uh no cash value 80 uh that happens to be a uh, friend of the show mr preston burt uh he said way to go guys here's to the next years uh it, uh That'd booga be, monkey that'd be booga monkey booga monkey and yeah that's, that looks like zeros instead of o's it, but it, still, it is yeah it's he's, he's booga very, monkey yeah he's he's using his leak chip when he when he writes down there booga we go monkey yeah so booga monkey on twitter said what better to do on a ride to fun spot than listen to some broken token podcast well you know uh booga monkey if you start in south texas and you ride straight through to Fun Spot from South Texas, you'll probably just almost get through an episode. Almost, yeah. So almost. Uh, uh, thanks a lot for uh, for the tweet. Yeah. yeah, and he also mentioned, yeah, it, it, you just covered that, uh, Brandy. Yeah, one of the shows will get him through an entire trip. So, <laughs> so score on that. Yeah, and then we also want to mention uh, a fellow Clive member, uh, Ty Laurie. He's, he's followed us through the Pinball Expo live shows, uh, did some commenting on our uh, Clive thread as well. So, Ty, we appreciate you. Appreciate you listening, man. Thank you. So, you know, we really appreciate the new followers. We try to keep everybody engaged daily. Um, you know, Join us on Facebook. Follow us on, on Twitter. We do reach out as often as possible oh, yeah. and try to let everybody know kind of what's going on, not only with us, but kind of in the industry, new things yeah. that come up between the shows. Yeah, so. and it's stuff that we try to curate that to where it's interesting, uh, and, and it's it's not spam and it's not noise. It's it's something that actually has some value. So that so we really try to uh, really try to make sure that whatever we post, you know, hit, hits that mark. So Whitney, you and I have talked a, lo- uh, a lot this episode about uh, just thing as part of the things we've had going on segment. Uh, 
what's kind of kept us from having things going on and that's <laughs> yeah. been road trips it, it, it so, is it has been road trips and Brent, you know it, one thing that I, I do want to cover before we talk about what's, oh, okay. what's coming up next you know brent we've got um th- this episode could actually have a second show title called what do you leave in versus what do you leave oh, absolutely out? and dude we have probably got at least an hour to an hour and a half discussion on um, you know, restoration uh, parts and artwork and things like that, that um, that literally, Brent, we've just, we have literally ran out of time due to personal commitments for other other commitments for this month, but we will make sure that all that gets into uh, the mega arcade episode that we'll call it for, for next month. But With a little pinball. With a little pinball, for sure. Well, and we're definitely going to have a little bit of pinball next month because of the trip that we're getting ready to take next month, and I do want to uh, go ahead and toss this out here i want to thank up front i want to thank mr john trudeau who is hosting you and i uh at the stern pinball factory brent we're headed up here in a couple of weeks we get to tour the factory and uh, we also get to spend some time with mr uh, jim zespi at his arcade as well so uh brent this is a trip that uh that i'm taking for work okay uh based upon some uh some stuff that i have to do for my job but we were able to parlay that into uh, a trip to go see uh go see the stern factory and mr trudeau uh god bless him is helping uh, helping to set that up and make that happen for us now i'm not taking this trip for work but no, no you're not for the podcast but i yeah. am going to make the trip up to chicago as well and join whitney and john we're going back to chicago back to chicago yes uh, yeah within weeks <laughs> now i don't know uh what we can bring i, I have no back idea from this trip I have, I have no idea i'm going to take my camera i'm going to take the good camera and expect to have to leave it outside and expect to have to leave it outside but the one thing that i will say is john is uh john is is really taking care of us he's uh he's got all this set up for us and like you say brent i have no idea what we're going to be able to take pictures of if anything i have no idea who we're going to see but the cool thing is is we're going to get to go to the stern factory in the middle of the week uh when hopefully things are things are really rolling on pretty good and and, uh, and we'll, we should have some very good uh, pinball stories to tell from that trip. Yeah, so, hopefully it's yeah. not. Hopefully we can't just say that we went and that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I obviously I don't expect there to be any 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 huge reveals or any secrets or anything like that. No, we, I don't, we know better I don't, than we'll, that. We'll, they're not going to show us any of that. Brent. Yeah, we know better than that. <laughs> but needless to say, yes, John, thank you thank for you. the opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be great. And so Brent, uh, so with that, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, some of the shows that are coming up. Uh, Free Play Florida is November 21st to 23rd in uh, Orlando, Florida. Uh, uh, Brian Jones, uh, who goes as uh, Proc on Clove and owns the GameStencils.com site. He's uh, one one of the major organizers there to build is Florida's biggest arcade pinball and console show, the Double Tree Hilton, and that sounds like it's going to be huge. And uh, Brent, I have I talked to Brian uh, over the internet, usually via some uh, usually via some uh, scheduled chats and stuff that go on throughout the week a couple of times over on CoinOpSpace.com, and he's just a uh, you know he's busy, but he's really looking forward to this, and it sounds like it's going to be a great great show. Arcade Expo, which is January 16th through the 18th of 2015 in Banning, California. Dave Danzara, who goes as a Vector Invader on Clove, uh, is one of the show organizers. And they're building the show as SoCal's largest arcade exposition. 
uh, arcadeexpo.com. So, uh, Whitney, do you have any other information about that? I, I don't, not at this point in time. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a huge show. I wish we could make it out there, Brent. I don't think that's going to be in the cards uh, for us at this point in time. But the one thing that I will say is that uh, we do, uh, we, we have been in discussion with a couple of the uh, with a couple of the organizers on that show, and I think next month we're going to have uh, more detailed information that we can pass on along on that show. So, yeah, expect us to cover that show a little bit more next month but it, it needless to say it looks like it's going to be a fantastic show louisville arcade expo kind of whitney and uh, uh my or however that, that i completely screwed that up whitney and i apologize <laughs> let's start again louisville yes. the louisville arcade expo which yeah. would be take two considered as uh the home show for for the broken token podcast for yep. whitney and i march 6th through the 8th 2015 ramada plaza hotel here in wonderful louisville kentucky yes ArcadeRx.com yeah. and their Twitter at ArcadeRx. Now, Whitney and I have had a little conversation as of late with uh, Jeremy Matt Flights and, jo- and Joe Stith. And Joe Stith, yeah. the, the, the primary show organizers for Louisville Arcade Expo. And, you know, all intention is to have them in studio very soon. Get some detail, maybe some insight as to what to expect at this year's show. So look forward to that. Uh, look for that to come uh, here in the next episode or so, hopefully. Yeah, and uh, and Brent, I know it's still a little ways out, but we want to go ahead and give a plug to the Southern Fry Game Room Expo in June 2015 down in Atlanta. Uh, I know that that's going to be in just a just a, a kick butt show, and looking forward to getting back to that to Atlanta for that show. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. But uh, SouthernFryGameRoomExpo.com, and you can see the countdown timer it's rolling right now as far as how many days are left till the show (laughs) (laughs) so it's i'm looking forward to that it's going to be a lot of fun so we talked a little bit about social social media uh prior in the show we gave a little feedback so in that vein to loop back around we Mm -hmm. have a social media announcement we do brent and i want to give a special shout out to uh rob o'hara from the you don't know flack podcast and rob has uh graciously uh accepted us into brent the throwback network sweet yes and so what we're in there with no quarter we're in there with no quarter the 10 pence guys as well they're in there retro computer roundup yes retro computer roundup exactly some really really good Good shows, Brent. And if uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't checked some of those shows out, you can go to throwbacknetwork.net. And uh, Rob maintains an aggregated RSS feed on that particular website. Whereas all of us, as we publish our new episodes, we show up in the podcast feed on that website as well. So you can just subscribe there, and you can get our show as long as well as No Quarter and Ten Pence RCR and everything else that, that's inside the. You don't know flag show everything else that's inside that network so uh brent that's a that's a that's a big thing for us i mean uh I, i'd reached out to to rob uh based upon just uh, hearing about the network from mike and carrington over on no quarter and uh you know we went back and forth a little bit got everything sorted out got the graphics and and everything like that over to rob he got us uh inserted into the network and uh brent it's that, that's a milestone for us so it's really cool for us to be you know for us to be syndicated on another podcast network so Please, everybody, uh, check out uh, the Throwback Network and give them some support as well. So I'm really happy about it, Whitney. I did <laughs> it's, not, it's great. I did not realize it, but I'd actually had listened to some of Rob's other 
uh-huh. uh, other podcasts that, of course, are on the network. And Rob, uh, uh, Rob's an old school Commodore guy. Yes, yes. And you know that was my computer choice back in the day. Your Apple guys, your Atari guys, your Commodore guys, and I was a Commodore guy. So yeah. I've I've listened to some of Rob's shows that yeah. are also on the network. Yep. And it's it's real cool. Uh, <laughs> it is. That holds a special place in my heart. So it's real cool to kind of be in there in that network. Yeah, and man, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you haven't, you need to check out his personal website and look at his uh, his prior arcade collection that man has had some machines run through his fingers so uh he's he's uh he's definitely well uh well schooled on on all subjects retro so it's a it's a privilege to be on that network so earlier in the episode whitney had mentioned itunes and again we would encourage everybody to jump out there itunes uh give us a review and a rating it helps us get noticed and you know increase our reach yeah definitely we're also uh located on stitcher radio as well as xbox music and on the social media front uh facebook facebook.com slash broken token yeah and you can follow us on twitter at broken token and then on our website at brokentoken.com so with that whitney i think we can put this one to bed yeah yeah we'll we'll put a bow on this one brent and uh and, and, and you should i mean you you could almost be from south texas to fun spot at this point <laughs> I, I think you could have almost made it almost <laughs> made. oh hey dude one thing i wanted to let you know uh, i didn't know if, uh, I thought if we were putting this to bed we are here real quick but uh, uh booba monkey uh, the Twitter follower that was talking to us about, uh, you know, about going to Fun Spot, mm-hmm. that's actually Sean O'Shea. Listeners, uh, friend oh, Sean O'Shea. It? Yeah. Yeah. So that's Sean. And uh, yeah, so he, he was he was talking to me uh, over the Twitters, man, and, and well, the, was cracking me up with that. The funny part of that is, is at certain points during uh, during Expo, he would joke joke with us about himself and he would be like all right send the monkey yes yeah, the monkey. Uh, yeah. apparently there's more to the monkey than i thought well so so there's the tie back brent just so just so you wouldn't labor over the mystery how about that <laughs> well, well now i can sleep at night there you go there you go well uh listen everybody we want to say thank you for uh thank you for listening to the show we appreciate each and every one of you uh we'll look forward to coming back uh, next month and we'll hit some uh, arcade content really hot and heavy we'll have some tube swapping talk and some zookeeper restoration talk and my burger about- time and talk might talk a little about corrosion repair yeah, there Woo-hoo. you go and all that kind of good stuff and talk about our visit to stern as well it ought to be a really fun time so like we say everybody thanks for listening and game on congratulations you made it to the end of another episode of the broken token podcast i promise they'll do better next time maybe next episode they'll actually listen to me for a change just go easy on the guys they don't have a lot to work with but i know their moms would be so proud We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token staff would like to extend a special thank you to the real vocal talent of the show, Christy Litzy. And that's me. Cha-ching! Music for the Broken Token podcast provided by Kentucky native bluegrass musician Gary Brewer. 
please visit Brewgrass.com, that's B-R-E-W-G-R-A-S-S.com, for the latest information, show dates, and to purchase music. I don't know why minutes. I can't figure this out because I've only set this up 50 times and I still feel uncomfortable. Like that last episode when you kept screwing with your mic and I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I mean, challenges. It's just kind of the way it goes. But it, look at this, dude. I've not even touched it today. Look at this. I'm like, shut up. I'm like microphone magi, man. Shut just, up. Bam. It's there. Shut up. <laughs> I'm a toolbox. <laughs> I'm a toolbox. Okay, Whitney, let's take an opportunity to uh, uh, not do that. 